That was from 1980, Fame by Irene Cara. That was the theme song to both the movie and the TV series of the same name. If you're one of the older listeners, you probably remember that show. If you're one of our younger listeners, you probably have no idea that that show or movie ever existed. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dan Druff. Well, tell us this is being recorded and broadcast live on November 15th, 2017. We were not on last week. I was traveling. I'm back. The show is back. Calwat is back. Hello. What's going on? Glad to have you back. I did, we we had you. Uh, did we have you two weeks ago? I think we did, right? Yeah. yeah. God, how quickly we forget. Yeah, we had you. Like, I think you were up because of a, a dog. Is that right? You were bringing a dog back from Malaysia. Eh, well, just you know, my sleep schedule is a little bit messed up. Even though you started late, I mean, geez, Druff, once you've had me once, you just forget how all the other times you have me. No, it all blends together. I, I don't know. I just, I got back and I just kind of had the the feeling that you hadn't been here. But then I thought, you know what? He kind of has been here. It's kind of just, it, it was a jumble <laughs> no, in my few. mind. I missed a few for sure. I, it was, it was a jumble in my mind. But okay, thank you for clearing it up. So we're back with regular Wednesday night show. And we have a number of things to do tonight, as we usually do when we skip a week, which is what we did. I was on a Caribbean cruise last week. On on Wednesday, I was in the ocean at this time. Not in the ocean, on the ocean, on a boat. And so we have a number of things tonight, including, including we have an interview. An interview with a female, a real female, named Ashley Hine, also known as Action Ashley. And she is going to do an expose on Jow Poker. So that should be interesting. She was a mm-hmm. she was a big uh, supporter of theirs and affiliate of theirs. I actually I made reference to her. I made reference to her once on this show as someone that I knew of, and she, I, I don't know her that well, but I I know her through Facebook, and she seems like a, a very nice woman. And I said she seems like a good person who just got caught up in it. I didn't say her full name for sure, but I I mentioned there was someone I knew who seemed to be kind of bamboozled by the whole thing because she wanted to believe in them, but I didn't believe you know, that she thought she was scamming anyone, and I still feel that way. Anyway, uh, she has seen the light. Not, not through me. Like I, She just contacted me and said she'd like to come on and tell all about Jow Poker, so she's going to do it. <laughs> That'll be uh, maybe about 45 minutes from now or so. Nice. After, after we're done with our 45-minute intro. So that's going to happen. That was a, a last-minute addition. It was actually my fault. She, we scheduled this, and then I had forgotten we scheduled it. So then she said, okay, well, you're going to call me tonight to talk about it? I'm like, oh, crap. I forgot I said you're going to be on tonight. So. And, uh, yeah. so Anyway, here is the agenda tonight. Actually, before the agenda, let me give you the usual opening speech. If you want to call into the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is a separate phone line into the system. It is an old 70s rotary telephone located in a in a cabin on top of uh, Mount Charleston, which is near Las Vegas. It's a real mountain near Las Vegas. And it's forged to me wherever I go. That number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. 
No matter which number you call, make sure to show your caller ID or you will not get through. But don't worry, I will keep your number private. I will not give your number out to anyone. In fact, I don't even save these numbers. I've had people call in before and then I want to call them back like weeks or months later. And I can't because I don't even save their numbers. That's, that's how little I care about your personal information. I'm, I'm telling you guys the truth. We have a feature that has been here now for two years. Put online November of 2015, the call to listen line. You can call it to listen to the show from any phone in the world that can dial. It does not require a smartphone, does not require a data plan, does not require the internet or a computer. You just need any phone in the world that can dial. Then you call area code 712-775-8162, 712-775-8162. There's no buffering. There, there's, no, uh, there's no nonsense. You just call up the number and listen to the show, and it just works. It's so simple. It's, it's lovely. Someone was complaining on Twitter. Someone who I follow on Twitter was complaining that uh, they were trying to watch an ESPN stream of a football game, and it was like buffering every 30 seconds, and it was really, really frustrating to watch that. And I said, you know, ESPN, they, they need a call-to-listen line. Because uh, the call-to-listen line does not know the meaning of the word buffer. It, it will never buffer. I promise you that. You just, you just call and listen. Buffering is the worst. I, I, I absolutely hate trying to watch or listen to something that's being streamed on the Internet. And I, I get all into it, and then it, it, it freezes, and it says buffering, and you've got to wait until it loads. And, I, of course, I understand what it's doing. And I understand why it's happening, but it's frustrating. And that's why we provide the call to listen line, which does not buffer ever. 712-775-8162 is that number. And when it's not a live show, you can call that number and you'll hear one of our many streaming reruns, which today I actually left on too long and it encroached into the time of the live show. So people turned on the show at 8 to try to listen to it and they heard something from years ago. So... Apologies for that confusion, but uh, someone nicely notified me that I forgot to turn that off, and I turned it off and uh, back on. See, look what happens to me. I, I miss a week here, and I just forget how to do everything. So I, I'm, I'm starting to get back in the swing of things. We have a $70 free roll tonight starting at 8.45 Pacific Time. I should put Pacific Daylight Time on the thread about it, but it's really Pacific Standard Time. There's no more Daylight Time. First place is $35, second place is $18, third place is $10, fourth place is $7. 60 of these dollars came from Mr. Smith9999, a Norwegian listener, and Flipper Fair gave $10. So thank you to the two of you for our $70 donation for our free roll tonight. It does pay you in real cash money. I can do it by bank transfer, by Bitcoin, by other methods that you might be able to think of if you... PM me or email me, I can let you know. And if you accumulate enough winnings, I can even send you cash or check. So you can, if you win this, you can either email me at dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com or PM me Dan Space Druff on the forum. There are some requirements as far as qualifying to win the free money. You can read all about those requirements at pokerfraudalert.com slash freeroll. All lowercase, pokerfraudalert.com slash freeroll. Here is the agenda for the evening, and then we will get going. I returned from a Caribbean cruise. I'll tell you briefly where I went and what I did. I won't bore you too much with the details. Leon Sukernik, uh, more updates in that story. This is where 
he had played a heads-up match against a high-limit player named Matt Kirk, also known as Aussie Matt. And Matt Kirk loaned him $3 million to play. I think it was over a period of two matches, and Matt Kirk won $3 million off of him. And then Leon did not want to pay. So a lawsuit has taken place about that. We've talked about that on the show before. There are some updates with this situation, several updates. We will discuss them. And we will analyze them, and I will tell you what's happening with that. A Poker Fraud Alert exclusive tonight, an interview with Ashley Hine, a.k.a. Action Ashley is what she's known in the poker community. She will be... That really sounds like a porn name, (laughs) Maybe that was uh, her identity before that, too. I don't know. I, no I don't offense, know. Ashley, but Action Ashley, I mean, I don't know. Look, you, you re, re, sometimes you reuse things. Like like Dan Druff was a name I used on BBSs for some time in the 1980s, and then I, I reused it. So you, you never know. She could have reused Action Ashley. Actually, she seems like a, a nice woman. She's married. She has kids. Uh, she... She seems pretty wholesome to me, to be honest. I, I don't know her that well, but I just my impression from her, from looking at her Facebook page, is that she's wholesome. And somehow are you she, saying that strippers are not wholesome? Uh, like you're, you're just a bad person if you're a stripper? Not necessarily bad, just not wholesome. Okay. Chris Ferguson, who definitely is not wholesome. He is the World Series of Poker Player of the Year 2017. Congratulations. No. Predicted here first, by the way, <laughs> with breaking news. So we'll talk a bit about that. James Woods is in a Twitter fight with Daniel Negreanu. He actually called Daniel Negreanu on Twitter, I I believe this was yesterday, a cowardly piece of shit. I'll tell you what that's all about. A new member on Poker Fraud Alert in the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum calling himself The Collector, actually T-E-H Collector but it's the collector. Uh, He claims to be a poker debt collector. I will explain what he claims to be doing and how he claims to be doing it. And we will discuss whether it is a good or bad thing. And I got uh, some communication today from our sponsor, which is attorney uh, Eric Benzamokin. He does not like this guy at all. And I'm going to tell you what uh, Eric has to say about uh, this collector. and, oh, and we got to uh, get those two on at the same time. <laughs> well, that's another problem. Is the collector is very anonymous. I don't think he's going to come on here. He, I, even I don't know who he is. He won't tell me no, who we, he is. We, we can get one of those voice disguiser things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Eric does not like him one bit, so we'll, we'll talk a bit about that when we get to that segment. It's, it's actually pretty interesting. It, it, it brings up a very interesting discussion topic of uh, when someone owes you money. Uh, what is fair game? to do as far as collecting the money you're owed, assuming you're really owed the money, assuming you're, you're not uh, you know, scamming or angling or, or assuming there's not a dispute. Like the, in a clear-cut case that you're owed money, how far is it okay to go to get it? And there's no real answer to that, but uh, we will discuss it anyway. Tom Dwan might be breaking one step's heart very soon. There's a rumor that he's engaged. So we'll talk about that when we get to this segment. A mob figure has been sentenced for his involvement in a Brooklyn underground poker game. Inside the Evil Empire, not not the mob, but uh, Caesars, part six of the series we will do this week. That is a, a Caesars employee who 
posts stories about uh, his time at Caesars. Not very flattering stories. He calls them Inside the Evil Empire. He, he claims it's a 20-part series. I've been reading them out here and discussing them. This is part six. Israel. Israel is going to go after poker tournament players who it feels that uh, they're not paying quite their fair share in income tax. You're not necessarily tax evaders, but ones who are uh, filing in a way to uh, allow themselves to pay less. And there are some concerns that uh, Israel may be collecting too much from these players and that they're, they're targeting them unfairly. So we'll discuss that when we get to that segment. Poker Stars is starting to move away from counting on poker income. In their latest earnings report, the poker-related revenue to the Stars Group, which is the former name of Amaya, the owner of Poker Stars, has fallen to just 67%. So a third of their revenue now is from non-poker sources, and it seems to be growing each quarter. Finally, if you are their a... Senior, revenue, their revenue is growing, or the percentage? Actually, both. But it's both. And they, what I'm saying, though, is that... Uh, the percentage of revenue that is not from poker is growing each quarter. Yeah. But, i but, got some stuff to say, but we'll, we'll talk about it when it comes up. Okay. If you're still awake, it's, it's kind of towards the end of the show. That, that, is, that is true. Caesars, seven stars, not Caesars, seven stars at Caesars. Um, this will not apply to all that many of you. That's why we're putting it at the end of the show. But uh, I have found out... Unfortunately, I can't take advantage of this, but I have found out that if you have not taken your annual trip yet in 2017, you don't have very long to do it. But if you can get it done between now and uh, I think December 31st, and you want to go to Vegas and you live close to Vegas and you can travel there easily or cheaply, you don't have to live close, live close just any way you can get there cheaply, they will give you $1,200 in rewards credits for doing so. So that is actually a pretty good deal, and I'll tell you guys about that as our final segment of the night. So that is our agenda on this lovely Wednesday evening on November 15th, 2017. And our free roll is starting in one minute. You have 25 minutes of late registration if you're not in there yet. So that is happening. And I, I'm resisting the temptation to say good luck or good luck all because that's stupid. I've said it many times before. In poker... Everybody can't have good luck. It's not possible. Someone right, so, uh, they just wish me good luck. You don't need good luck. You've, you've, You're esteemed co-host. Come on, wish me some good no, luck. There, there's, look, there, there's some people who play this free role that, that are in need of the money. I, I don't think you need the money as badly as some people who play that. I, I, have, to, I have to root for them. I have to, to root for the, so, some, some of the destitute listeners of Poker Fraud Alert who, uh, who count on that every week for a supplemental income. But... Uh, uh, you, you run so well in it anyway. You don't need further luck. Uh, the collector said he's going to call in. Now, he said, I'm trying to call in. The bad news is I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not receiving any calls from him, probably because he's blocking his caller ID. So mm. uh, when we get to the segment about him, he's welcome to call, but he does. There, there's no way he can get through unless he unblocks his caller ID. So he'll have to find a way around you, that. You can't lift that temporarily? Um, sneak him in? or I, I guess I can try, but it, it also... Not only do, do I do that to prevent people from just like repeatedly harassing the show, but also I don't know if they fixed it since then, but it also kind of wreaks havoc upon Skype 
when you try to connect it on. It's, it's been a long-standing bug in Skype. Oh, he says I'm Skyping. Um, okay, well, look, uh, I'll send him the name. And, uh, Collector, though, we're not ready to take your call here. We have a few segments before yours. So uh, you, you will need to wait. But we'll get to your... Maybe I'll even skip a few of the other ones that I originally planned ahead of yours. But uh, we do have to do... I, I want to do at least two things before your segment. First thing is Leon Sukernik. I want to talk about him because this is uh, the the whole thing kind of bothers me, and it's especially because it took a turn recently. Right? Actually, before we begin here, something else has changed here. We have another person on the show, Trader Ruski. Hello. What What's happening, guys? Yeah, I, I put him, I put him on while I was talking, and I said I'll introduce him in a second. And I just forgot he was there. He just he's just so quiet and unassuming. You you can forget he's here, here sometimes, but. Uh, you were on a roll, Druff. I didn't want to break it. Okay, but I'm, I'm glad to have but you. But I, I do think you should wish uh, One Step good luck to kind of soothe his broken heart, you know. Well, One Step had some good luck today. One Step posted a parlay on the uh, the Flying Stupidity wagering thread. We we have a thread on the Flying Stupidity forum here where people are posting uh, sports picks. And uh, yeah, some people do better than others there. Some people are, are perpetual uh, losing sports bettors. I've actually gotten off to a pretty good start in the NBA. Right now in the NBA, I am uh, 33 and 17 so far to uh, to start the year in my first. Mm. Uh, so that's that's pretty good. But um, one step who has, yeah. You know, to be honest, he's done some stupid things sports betting wise. Like he did some teasers that were very very negative expectation and stuff like that. But he posted a four game parlay. And for those of you who don't understand what that is, that means that you are picking four games. And that uh, all four of them have to win for you to win. But, of course, with that condition, you win a lot of money. So in this case, he, he makes four picks. If all four of them win, then he wins 15 times his money. If any of the four of them lose, then he gets nothing. And if one of them yeah. ties, then, then it, you kind of take it out as if it wasn't there. So if, if one of them ties, I, I think... I know some bookies, Druff, and their, their sucker bets are all the... The parlays and the teasers. Yeah, especially the, especially the teasers. <laughs> especially the, people yeah. like well, people like parlays to like get out of the hole. They say, okay, well, look, I, I'm so far down now. There's no way I'll get on a hot streak to get back to even. I have to do a parlay to get like like a quick win. So yes, the, they they like that at, at bookies like that, casinos like that because uh, desperate people use them. And anyway, he posted a, an NBA parlay today of four teams, and and three of them. Easily won. And the, the fourth one was the last one, and uh, the fourth one tied. So what ended up happening is he uh, it, that turns it to a three-team parlay. You kind of just throw that one out as, a, as if it wasn't there. So he still won. The problem, the pro- I think he won like seven to one. That's the good news. The bad news is that uh, he bet the remainder of his account, which was about $2. <laughs> Support so one step first. Tom Dwan gets married, and then he finally hits a parlay, and he bet two dollars on it. <laughs> so I think he won like fifteen bucks. I don't think that's going to take him very far. I don't, I don't think Tom Dwan is going to leave his husband for. Oh wait, wait, it's not his husband; it's his wife. But, but he, he's, I don't think Tom Dwan is going to leave uh, his fiance for one step in his fifteen bucks. Okay, so let's uh, let's get over. I want to get over to this whole thing about uh, Leon Sukernik because the, the the recent updates to the story bother me in a way in that it's starting to cause people to jump to other conclusions that I don't think are very fair. So um, there's, there's a few things that are happening here. Where do I even start? 
Uh, so Leon Sukernik actually uh, he responded. This was uh, an article from PokerTube. King's Casino boss Leon Sukernik hit back against his detractors by launching a counterclaim against Australian poker player Matt Kirk in the Aria Casino, stating, quote, I was taking a, taken advantage of and can no longer remain silent. This is not the Matt Kirk saying. This is Leon Sukernik saying he was taken advantage of. You know, the guy who welched on a $3 million loan to play poker that he lost. Uh, with Kirk being portrayed as a house shill and the Aria purposely plying Sukernik with alcohol and basically preventing him from leaving the Ivy Room. The Ivy Room is where, where they were playing in the Aria. I guess they put a gun to his head and made him ask for that loan, too. Huh? Yes, yes. They've, uh, this, 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 it was a conspiracy, apparently. Mm. Leon, the multimillionaire owner of the casino in the Czech Republic, which is currently hosting the World Series of Poker Europe, was taken to court by Kirk earlier this year amid a hotly disputed claims that he reneged on a $3 million loan during a high-stakes heads-up match. However, recently the majority of Kirk's claims were thrown out of court and Leon has gone on the offensive, unhappy of having to endure, quote, a significant amount of criticism for the poker community over the past several months, and now is placing his trust in the U.S. judicial system once more, in which he has, quote, great confidence. Uh, he should oh, be I thrilled. Bad for him. I mean, he, he should be thrilled that most of this got thrown out. And, oh, no, the, the poker community is criticizing him. Well, why do you think that is? Because you borrowed $3 million to play poker, lost it, and then would not pay it. That, that's that's why you have that's why there's criticism coming your way, and the fact that you seem to be uh, mostly victorious so far so far in court due to uh, legal technicalities that uh, seem to be working in your favor that you should be getting on your knees and thanking the dear Lord that that's the way things have gone so far, not not bitching about how the poker community doesn't like you now. <laughs> During the heads-up battle in May, Kirk loaned Sukernik $3 million in chips during their late-night match, $1 million of which the casino boss returned shortly afterwards, and his court filing today shed some light on his reason for not paying back the other $2 million. In a statement today, Sukernik said, Before any legal pleading was filed, I chose to resolve this matter amicably with the help of several of the most respected members of the poker community. But as a result of the behavior of Matthew Kirk and the third-party defendant, I was taken advantage of and can no longer remain silent. Sukernik claims he was plied with alcohol by Arya staff to the point to where he required help from both Kirk and the dealer to count his chips and was unable to even read his hand on many occasions, quote, rendering the game unfair, dishonest, and non-competitive. Now, I did not realize the Arya cocktail waitresses, um, I didn't realize they had this amazing physical strength to where they, they can actually you know, grab a grown man and, and strap him down and, and force feed him alcohol. I didn't know they could do that. I didn't know they would do that, but apparently that's what happens there. Uh, he also alleges that Kirk, unknown to Sukernik at the time, quote, did not have the financial wherewithal to play at the levels in which he was playing and instead was being funded and backed by others. Well, that's a good reason not to pay people back. You know, the, the person who you were playing against heads up, even though they, they had the money in front of them. In fact, they had enough to loan you money to play them. Uh, because this money came from others, for some reason that makes the whole poker game invalid. And now, now they, now it has to be your own money apparently, or you don't have to pay your losses. Isn't that great? So, for some reason, that's something he's complaining about. I, I could understand the complaint if the backer was in the game with them and this like some sort of collusion alleged, but it was heads up. So who cares where the money came from? Matt Kirk had the money. It doesn't matter where it came from. He had the money. He had enough money, in fact, to loan Sukernik money to play him, 
Who cares the source? That's that's totally irrelevant. So these are outrageous claims. So this occurred on November 9th, six days ago. Immediately, several big names in poker got angry and responded uh, bashing Zuckernick and supporting Matt Kirk. Daniel Negreanu tweeted, In this instance, he said he was too drunk. In the other Barcelona instance, he claimed cheating with no evidence other than his opponent made a good call against him. What a total scam. This man just can't be trusted to play his debts. Doyle Brunson said, This is so stupid. Anyone who knows Matt Kirk knows he would bet his last dollar when he gets in heat. You need to witness Matt call me. Uh, Phil Gothond, Imagine if I was, quote, tired, and quote, he was backed, were acceptable reasons to invalidate a game. By the way, I'd guess Matt had all of his own action and was also tired at 5 a.m. So he's, he's laughing at uh, Sukernik's claims that uh, being tired or, or drunk or that uh, Matt Kirk was backed were any, anywhere near valid reasons to not pay his debt from that game. Brian Rast said he was so drunk and incapacitated that he was able to respond okay multiple times to confirmation texts and then 12 minutes later after deny what happened with cogency. So Brian Raz is saying he wasn't even that drunk. And even Farah Galfond, who is uh, Phil Galfond's wife, said Team Aussie Matt all day. <laughs> well, all effing day. That's a useful one. Yeah. So even she had to chime in. So uh, then... Uh, Haralabob Vulgaris. The idea that Matt was a, quote, shill and backed by the Aria Casino is so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, what, what, what he's trying to say here is that they kept serving him alcohol over and over and over again, and they're not supposed to do that at casinos when a patron is noticeably drunk. And in addition... Hey, Drub, yeah. Drub, let me ask you a question. So at the, at the King's Casino, if you're a big Asian businessman whale... And you're drinking, playing high stakes baccarat. You think they cut you off? Yeah, Leon Sukernik will show up there and say, "No, no, 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 no! I don't want your money. <laughs> Stop serving this guy alcohol. In fact, get out of my casino. You're too drunk. You're not in the right frame of mind to play here. I want you out of here." That's what he's going to say. I think. I think that. I mean, that must be the case. He, he <laughs> says he's got such high ethical standards. Yeah, it just has to be the case, right? So, so there is a law in Nevada. And this isn't really being discussed very much, but there is a law in Nevada that casinos are not supposed to let someone gamble when they're so drunk that they don't know what they're doing. And they're not supposed to continue serving them alcohol to let them get to that point if they start noticing that's happening. So, I I mean, I I think that's kind of BS. I I think that uh, each person should be responsible for themselves, but... uh, even if he has this claim, it would only be against the ARIA. If he wanted to file a separate lawsuit against the ARIA claiming that they violated the law by serving him so many drinks when, when he was getting smashed, I, I think that's BS. I think every adult should take care of themselves. But uh, fine, at least he can claim they broke the law. But that has nothing to do with this, this situation. That doesn't invalidate the game. That doesn't invalidate the poker game. It has nothing to do with Matt Kirk. He shouldn't screw Matt Kirk because of that. Matt Kirk has had, you know, he is not under any kind of responsibility to make sure that his poker opponent is not drunk. So, uh, so that has nothing to do with it. But yeah, how can you how can you even play any game if when someone loses they're just going to claim shit like that? Yeah, you can't. So, and this is the second time he's done it. At least the second time he did it uh, previously to someone else and claimed that he was being cheated heads up and provided no evidence of that. So it's not even like this one time 
he feels he got screwed, but other than that, he's a, a salt of the earth, uh, honest guy. It, it, he, this is a pattern with him, and that's what's pissing everyone off. So, but he's actually claiming that not not just that the Arya served him too many drinks, but that the Arya conspired with Matt Kirk to get him drunk. That uh, the, that Matt Kirk somehow had a secret agreement with the Arya. We're going to get this guy really, really drunk, and then he's not going to know what he's doing, and then you're going to crush him in poker. The the Arya, which is part of MGM, the, the, this this. Uh, Multi-billion-dollar corporation. They they conspired to to cheat uh, Leon Sukarnik out of a few million. And but of course he had to cooperate. He had to drink too. Yeah, you know, they they uh, they couldn't force him to drink. They just had to know he was going to drink himself to where he is incoherent. And it all worked. It was a perfect plan. A perfect plan. So so Herlobos Vulgaris was laughing at that one. So no, this for, for some reason this whole thing reminds me of the whole. Nolan Dalla motorboating thing. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know why. <laughs> well, yeah, there was the, the drinking involved, and yeah, yeah there, and there was, he said, she said, yeah. and people. Yeah, this one's a lot more clear, though. The, the I have to say, of all the things we've discussed on this show, that one ended up being very hard to determine who was right, and I and I still don't know. Like I, I came out of the whole thing actually then believing that both sides had had done things wrong that both sides had uh, you know i believe that nolan dollar really did the things he was accused of and the other people did the things they accused of then but then uh, jacqueline moscow got too aggressive with what she was demanding in, in, uh, in I, I just feel very uh upset i feel like i got no closure on that thing you know it was like you, you're watching a tv series and that uh that final end of season episode that's supposed to tie it all together just never fucking yeah it never happened, happened. yeah and, and nothing ever really went anywhere with that all the lawsuits all never happened but uh but that I was want, you know what's got to happen leon super super nick has got to get super drunk and fucking motorboater oh yeah that would be a perfect tie-in <laughs> that, that should Bring be the next, that, that should be the next chapter exactly and then that one can proceed in court then we can finally have our, our court case we've been waiting for so uh, here's what bothers me is that uh, after that, see, up till that point on November on November ninth, everybody was pretty much all together against Leon Sukarnik, saying this is ridiculous. Obviously, the Ari was not conspiring. Obviously, it's Leon's fault if he got himself drunk and lost money. Obviously, this is not Matt Kirk's problem, and that you know, he should pay every penny that he lost. Uh, these conspiracy theories are laughable. Like like everybody was on the same side there. This is one of the few times the entire poker world was united. But uh, then it got ununited because a guy came forward named Rob Young and wrote a blog. Apparently, he was one of the middlemen involved in negotiating this uh, this whole settlement here. And here's what's really frustrating. It's only on this show. This is so fr- I'm going to have to search for it in like a cache or something. Rob Young has a blog site called robyoungsblog.com. Uh, would you believe that uh, only now, like I, I didn't go there too long ago and it was fine, but only right now as we're doing the show, the blog is down? <laughs> I mean, why? why? Why right now? Why? Why? Uh... Rob Young's blog.com is the one you're trying for, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is down. Uh, is it the uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas not link? Yeah. Is that the entry? All right. Yeah. I mean, I, now i got to like, 
search. I'm for reading it. it. You want it? Oh, you can get there? Or you uh, through yeah. a cache? Is it working? Come on, for man. Uh, I'm a professional. No, no. I'm asking. Is it actually down? It's down, right? No. It's, yeah, it's down. So, so anyway, so you're going to go Google Cache or something, right? There we go. Check that. Check okay. that link out. Okay. Let me see here. Let me see. Oh, interesting. Okay, Calwatt found it on some uh, alternate site. So here it is. This is alt news. <laughs> Rob Young, Rob Young's blog says, "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, not." You know, kind of like uh, Wayne and Garth. Not that's that's what he's saying. Very very clever. So he threw a wrench into this whole thing. And now people have some different opinions. Some people are, are on Leon's side or partially on his side, thanks to this blog. Rob Bianca says, uh, Articles referencing my involvement in brokering a deal between Matt Kirk and Leon Sukernik have some inaccuracies. So I will tell the poker community what the, about the Stone Cold facts. I was sound asleep when, Leon, when the Leon Maddie game happened. I had been playing in Ivy's room till early morning that day. And I had to go to a meeting straight after the game and then went to my room and never woke up. Never woke up? Sounds like he died. What do you mean he never woke up? The first time I knew about the game was at Liquid. I don't know what that means. The next day I went to Liquid. When I got to our cabana, Matt came over and told me that he had won $3 million heads up off Leon last night and was worried about being paid. I didn't understand why Leon would loan money to, to play. Uh, I think he meant would need to, to borrow money. Uh, he had $4 million on deposit from roulette winnings. So I asked Maddie what had happened. How many casino owners do you think go play roulette in other casinos? Like high-stakes roulette in other casinos? Wouldn't you think a casino owner like Leon Sukernik would realize that that's how he's making money off others? But he no, doesn't he's- care, man. He makes so much fucking money. He doesn't care. <laughs> so he goes and plays roulette at other casinos. And a liquid, liquid, by the way, is a nightclub. That's okay. what that's about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Maddie told me that the game got, quote, out of hand when Leon became very drunk. Loaning in total $3 million in ARIA chips which uh, from Matt, which he then lost back to Matt heads up. I asked Matt why he didn't stop playing if Leon was that drunk or just refused to loan him any more money. Matt said that he didn't want to hit and run Leon and was heavily pressured by Leon to continue. Matt told me that the game finally broke with Leon owing $2 million, but then they talked at the ARIA lift, he means the elevator, on the way to their room. And went back to Ivy's room to continue playing with Leon borrowing a further one million, which he also lost. So that's that's where it was. Yeah, I guess he lost. Uh, he borrowed three million, lost two million. They were talking on the Aria lift on the way when the game's over. And then somehow another game got going, and he borrowed a million back and then lost that. So that total three million. Matt told me that he regretted lending Leon the money when he was in that state, but told me that Leon said he wouldn't play him ever again if he stopped playing. I told Matt that I had played against Leon when he was really drunk, so understood Matt's predicament. But I chose to get up and quit on him, and I think Matt should have done the same. Matt asked me what he should do. I replied, I'm sure Leon will pay you in full, but if you feel a bit bad and want to give him a small discount as a goodwill gesture, that will also be okay. Now, let's stop right here. I I don't understand this at all. Unless you're trying to keep the fish happy, unless you're trying to make the fish play you again, you shouldn't give any money back. This is where personal responsibility comes in. If you play poker when you are drunk and you lose, tough luck. If I go to commerce right now and then I get drunk 
and I lose a lot of money. I, I can't go to the players at the table and go, hey, guys, I drank too much here. Can you give me some, some, some refund here? Can you give me part of the money back? They, they'd give me the middle finger. They'd laugh at me. They'd laugh in my face. You can't do that. So just because it's a heads-up high-stakes game, you know, somehow you owe the other guy money back because he got drunk? No. Yeah, I mean, substitute getting in your car and driving for playing poker. You know, we, we definitely don't hold drunk drivers harmless Yeah, because their judgment was impaired, you know? Right, so that's the first problem here. But if they wanted to keep him happy, if it, if it was a matter of, okay, you know, he's probably not going to play you again if he thinks you took advantage of him when we, he was drunk, financially, that is, not, uh, not the other way, then yeah, maybe you should give him a goodwill gesture. I can understand that if you think that uh, as far as getting the guy to play you again, that's the only way to do it. So there, there I understand, but if it was like you shouldn't feel guilty for this, especially for a, a super-rich casino owner. This this wasn't like some businessman who lost everything he's ever made in one session heads up because he was super smashed. This this is a guy who has so much money. He's pr- he's playing super high stakes roulette in other casinos. So that I don't understand. Like oh, you should feel so bad. But okay, moving on. Uh, Matt asked me what discount. I replied after some consideration, maybe two million in cash, and then play heads up for the other million dollar loaned after quote the lift. As clearly that game should never have restarted with Leon in that state. I, I don't agree there. It's it's if Leon agrees to restart it, fine. Uh, Matt agreed. No, well, not no, not only that, he was threatening to never play him again. Yeah, yeah, that's and a great point. A big fish, like he can't lose his livelihood, which this guy probably is a a decent chunk of it. Yeah, you know? so, yeah, exactly. So that's another big reason. Yeah, if the guy's pressuring you, look, you better keep playing me while I'm smashed, or I'm never going to play you again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> then. Yeah, you definitely can't feel sorry for the guy who's threatening that to you. Okay, if you beat him, then you tell him, okay, the reason I kept playing you is because you threatening that if I didn't, you'd never play me again. So, Drop, you, you get home one night, and your girlfriend's drunk. And you're like, oh, you know, you're, you're, I mean, she's like, you know, kind of falling over. You're, you're like, you're drunk, go to bed. Right? And then she says, no, I want you to fuck me right now. And you, you say, no, 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 you're, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you're drunk, but we're not going to do this. And then she says to you, I'm never going to fuck you again ever in my life unless we have sex right now. It wouldn't what get happened? that. It wouldn't get that far, but yeah, that's, uh, I oh, think you're, I you, <laughs> you, you would, uh, you'd be right on it. Yeah. It would, yeah, it would have already been happening by then, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Never mind. Go ahead. But, but anyway, I thought it might be a moral dilemma, <laughs> but apparently not. There's <laughs> a, so, so this is this is the settlement they they decided they're going to pitch to Leon. This was Matt Kirk and and this guy uh, Rob Young, who who apparently, despite being a high stakes player, can't keep his uh, his blog website running. Uh, he, he's that they agreed that they're going to pitch to Leon. That Leon of the three million, Leon pays two million, and then the final million they play again, presumably when Leon's in a better state. Heads up. So. Yeah, but you you could say it's a two point five million equity. I think it's probably more because Matt is the better player. But even if you want to say they're even players, then it's two point five million equity, two million up front, and then the other million uh, we're we're either it's going to be a freeze out. We're either uh, Matt's going to win it all or Leon's going to win it all. So he says, I messaged this to Leon. He didn't answer, so I called him and woke him up. I told Leon that Matt wants to settle today after last night's game as it's a large amount, and after it's settled, we can all continue playing for the rest of the trip. 
As soon as Leon arrived at Liquid, he said, Tell Matt not to worry. I don't remember how much, but whatever I lost, I will pay today. I told Leon that Matt wants to offer him a discount to $2 million cash plus heads up for $1 million. Leon replied, Fine, whatever Matt wants. I shouted Matt over, and Leon and Matt hugged and shook hands on this $2 million plus $1 million heads up deal. So, so how did this all go right? Sounds like they, they had it settled, right? 20 minutes later, Matt called me over to the entrance of Liquid. He was on the phone to someone. Matt told me there is no deal. Leon has to pay the $3 million. He's probably calling his backer who laughed at him. Like, what? He was going to pay you the whole thing, and you're, now you're offering to give him back you know, to, to replay him for a million heads up? What? Like, that's probably what happened. Uh, I asked why, and he told me the person on the phone has said no deal. It was out of his hands. Matt passed the phone but the line was dead. I never got to speak to the caller. It would be funny if he was just pretending to talk so, to someone. That, that's why I said probably, because like uh, Matt gives him the phone. He's like, hello, hello, and the line was dead. So Oldest trick in the book. Yeah. It's, like, uh, it's kind of like being on a bad date. Oh, oh, my mom, she's so sick. I need to come back and care for her. Oh, I feel so bad. Can I, can I wish your mom well? Oh, yeah, yeah, here's my mom. Hello, hello. I don't hear your mom. Oh, really? She wants to hung up. Oh, she's, she's so sick. She's sick. She doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> so, so there's no one on the phone. So it's it's possible that Matt just decided that he was pissed and that uh, he wanted the whole three million. Or it is it's possible. It's harder to get away with that these days, so rough. It is. Now you got a call. You got a call history. You can just be yeah. Like, that's, you know. that's wondering. But uh, <laughs> but it, so it's possible he faked the call. Or it's possible he really did call the backer, and by then the backer hung up. But either way, he said I went back over to our cabana and told Leon that the settlement was now off, and that Leon said to me, "This is ridiculous. You got me out of bed." After two hours of sleep, I don't remember anything, but I agree to everything. I even offered to get the money brought here now. I shake hands, and now you tell me this? Leon left liquid. I spoke to Matt and said him and Leon should sort this out after the RES Super Bowl. Because it's some tournament series. I was wishing I had never got involved. Leon was happy to pay the $3 million. Matt was a whole gentleman offering Leon a discount, and somehow this has all gone wrong. I will never get a job in politics. So, this is a little bit weird that... You know, if there was a backer objecting, you know, why doesn't Matt call the backer before pitching this to Leon? But okay, so I, I'm sure you guys can already see where there's some people who are now thinking that Matt is the one who screwed up because uh, Matt offered a deal to Leon. They they shook on it, they hugged, and then 20 minutes later, Matt's like, "Nope, nope, not happening. Nope, nope." My, my backer, who's on the phone, who you can try to talk to, but the line will be dead. Uh, he's saying no. So. A lot of people have kind of turned on Matt here. When I say a lot, I don't, I don't mean the majority, but now there are some people saying that uh, a lot of this is Matt's fault for making a deal and then going back on it. Well, I don't agree. This is why. There should not have been any negotiation here. If you lose three million heads up to somebody that you borrowed, then you pay it. It's very simple. There, there should not be a negotiation. And the problem was here that... Matt felt that uh, he wasn't sure if he was going to get paid. He won $3 million, but he won $3 million that was loaned. So he's thinking, well, great, I won all this money, but what if I never get paid? What if Leon screws me? So he was very nervous about this. He went to this Rob Young guy. He said, what should I do about this? They decided to propose this settlement where Leon uh, gets to play the, for the final million again. And then, and then uh, Matt had some cold feet. Now, I agree, Matt was very wishy-washy about this. He should have either... He, once he decided this, he should have stuck to it. You, you don't... It was stupid to offer this to Leon and then go back on it. That, that, uh, that's what was kind of the catalyst 
to this whole thing blowing up. But he's not at fault for that. It was just a stupid way of handling it. The bottom line is Leon lost $3 million. He should pay $3 million. It doesn't matter if Matt is a jerk. It doesn't matter if Matt offers something and takes it back off the table. The bottom line is the fair thing to do is pay the entire $3 million. If he wants to be pissed about the way this was handled and never play Matt again, that's fine. That's his prerogative. But uh, he should not be able to punish anyone by paying less because he's angry. He lost the $3 million fair and square. So I will agree Matt handled this part of it poorly. I agree he was wishy-washy. I don't understand this whole thing where uh, he agrees to it and then supposedly talks to a backer and can't agree to it anymore 20 minutes later. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The $3 million should still be paid. And that's what people are. some people are losing sight of here. So he goes on to write this. Rob Young wrote this, that is. I returned back to the UK a couple days later. My phone rang, and it was Leon and Matt on speakerphone. Leon said, Myself and Matt are here at the Rio cage. We have agreed to a settlement, and we'd like you to be a witness to it. So they've, they've agreed to a settlement again. Great. He says, I have given Matt... One million dollars. Can you believe that? One million dollars! <laughs> I've given Matt one million dollars... And he accepts this as full and final settlement for the game. So Rob writes, I said, huh, one million? Are you serious? Matt, what the fuck? Matt came on the phone and says, yes, it's fine. We're all settled. I want to move on. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But at the end of the day, they just wanted me to witness the settlement. And I was sick of being involved. So I said, fine, I've witnessed it. That night, Matt Skyped me. He was absolutely fuming. He said he didn't care about the money now. He was going to use the $1 million to ruin Leon's reputation in the poker world. Matt told me that him and Leon had sat down discussing settling up, and Leon said, this is a lesson for you. You shouldn't loan money to drunk people, and that Leon spoke to him like he was just a kid. I asked Matt, why the hell did you accept a million? And Matty told me that Leon proposed a million dollars, and he was so mad with how Leon had spoken to him that he just t- took the million dollars. <laughs> Have you ever heard of this before, where someone takes a very unfavorable deal to them because they're mad at the other person? And has <clears throat> plotted some grand scheme to then use that money to ruin the guy's <laughs> reputation? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I'm so mad at you, I'm going to give you a great deal. I'm, I'm so pissed about this. How dare you talk to me this way? I'm I would so- let someone talk to me like I was a child for a million dollars. Well, not if they owe you three million. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, like in a vacuum, I would definitely let that happen. I, I just think it's so funny. He's like, oh, I'm so mad. He's talking, oh, he's talking to me like a child. Uh, okay, $2 million discount because you did that to me. It just seems implausible. I mean, I don't know the guy, so I don't know the way he is, but it seems really weird. That's so weird. Like, you'd think if, if he's being spoken to disrespectfully, you would think that this would make him be less likely to accept a good deal. Not more uh, – good deal for Leon. Like uh, – why would he ever concede anything to Leon if he's pissed? You, you, you would think it would be the other way around. Yeah. So a couple days later, writes Rob, Leon messaged me to say that a lawyer had turned up at the Rio and served him with a court action for $2 million. I messaged Matt. He told me his lawyer had told him he could no longer speak to me. I have sought advice from close friends in the poker world whose opinions I respect. I'm comfortable with the advice that, I was, that I've given Matt at Liquid and have confirmation from persons present in Ivy's room, that Leon's condition had deteriorated to such an extent at one point that he folded the winning hand. And, and I, I think what he means by that is not that uh, Matt bet and he folded fearing he was against a stronger hand. I think that, like, 
I, I'm assuming that he means that Matt showed down a hand that was inferior to what Leon was holding, and Matt and Leon mucked it. Which, if that's true, is hilarious. I mean, everyone has done that at some point. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> and obviously, you're more uh, prone to do it when you're drunk. But. Yeah. However, I was not present while the game took place, so all I could do was suggest a solution based on the facts presented to me with no bias towards either, either party, and I'd be happy to appear in court in Nevada and repeat this word for word under oath on behalf of either Matt or Leon's attorney. So, first of all, I, I think I believe this whole story. Like, I, I'm not doubting Rob Young's story here. I think it's probably true or very close to true. Yep. And I, I, Matt obviously screwed this one up royally. We're you know, making, offering a deal, taking back the deal, and then oddly accepting a $1 million deal, cause, which is $2 million short of what he was owed, because he was so mad at the way Leon talked to him, he decided, I'm going to accept this and then use it to ruin him. I'm actually going to just eat these $2 million and then it, with the plan that I'm going to ruin him. Uh, and that's why I'm accepting the lower amount. So a lot of people now have turned on Matt. When I say a lot, again, I don't mean most, but uh, there are, before the whole poker world was united that Leon was a piece of shit, now it's like, well, you know, look what all that Matt did to him. Okay, we understand now. But you have to cut through all this BS. And look, it should have just been very simple. You owe someone $3 million that you lost to them in poker. You pay them $3 million. It's very, there's no way around that. Unless you were cheated, which he was not. So if the game was honest and the game was fair, which it seems to have been, then... You pay the three million. That's it. That's had he bought in those chips. Let's say he didn't borrow it. Let's say he bought those chips from the Aria and then lost them to Matt. Matt would have them. There'd be no discussion. That'd be it. So let's say Matt was holding the chips the whole time. Let's say Matt already had the money, and then he felt like he needed to give some kind of concession to Leon in order to make Leon play him again, or felt bad, or whatever. So he went back to Leon and said, "Hey." I feel bad about this whole thing. I know I have your $3 million already that I want off you, but how about I give you five hundred k back, and we and I put up five hundred k myself, and we play a freeze-out, which is essentially what they, you know, the deal was. And then they say, okay, and then 20 minutes later, Matt says, oh, you know what, I, I, my backer says, no, we're not doing it. So that'd be kind of a jerk thing to do, but uh, would Leon have any right to reach into Leon's pocket or bank account and then just steal $2 million from him for this? No. He wouldn't. Just because someone is a jerk or is rude or is wishy-washy or offers something and then takes it back that they're not obligated to do, that, that doesn't mean you have any right to take money from them. So the only difference here from the story I just told you here and the actual story is that Matt wasn't actually holding the money, but he should have been. And I've always been bothered when you loan someone money and then they don't pay you back, and then you become the jerk for wanting to collect it. Or they start putting conditions on, or they, 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 they want to make a deal where you have to accept a certain amount uh, of a discount. And if you don't, you're a jerk, or there, there's a reason why they don't have to pay you. No, if it's a loan, it's very simple. You pay it back. That's it. That's it. There, there's no way around this one. Yeah, this, this whole story, though is a perfect example of someone just getting in the way of themselves. You know what I mean? Like there's so many, uh, uh, cliche, cliche sayings that are appropriate here, like cutting off your nose to spite your face, shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> I mean, it, you know what I mean? Like it, Matt's own behavior, at least based on this story 
is really what caused this whole situation to get all fucked up. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. So so he he screwed it up. I'm not, sure. I'm not I'm not excusing, you know, Leon telling him to go blow out, you know, and not paying him the the money he owes him, but I mean, really <laughs> it, this guy should be 3 million richer right now. Yeah. Or, or his backers should be, sorry. Yeah. I it, it's insane. <laughs> It's insane. Imagine how mad his backers must be. Oh, I know. <laughs> if, they, if they look at this and they're like, Maddie, this is what you fucking did? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you win all Are this you, money. I mean, then seriously. You, just, you know what I mean? Yeah. You win, all, you win millions of dollars off this guy. And then, and then, in this, then you just screw it up so badly in the, the collection portion of it that you end up uh, two million short. Ruff, let's say you had given uh, Maddie or, you know, Aussie Matt two million dollars to go play in these high stakes game, you would shaved off a tiny little bit of the, the dandruff fortune and gave him $2 million. Right. And you know, maybe he's down a million or whatever. And then you read this story. Like, what is your reaction as if I were his backer? Oh, I know. I, I I would, I would be furious. I, I I would be furious here. Yes. I I would say, what are you doing? I say, first of all, I'd say, first of all, you, you, how could you have not called me and discussed this with me before agreeing to anything? That, that's what's so strange here. Even if the backer objected to it, he should not have agreed to this with Leon before discussing it with the backers. And so I don't know if the backers objecting was a story or was the truth, but whatever it was, he, he should have just come up with something and stuck to it. And the funny thing is it does sound like here if he just didn't offer any discount that Leon was just going to pay in this case. So the whole thing fell apart when, when he offered something and then took it back. But the, but, but here's the problem is that still Leon owns, owes it. Leon can't just say, no, I'm now I'm paying you a million because you, you were a jerk to me. That's well, the, and, yeah. And, and, and the comments in, in, uh, down below, some of them are kind of good. Like, uh, Paul monks on this, uh, blog article said poker pros have been winning and fleecing money off of drunken businessmen and amateurs since poker was invented. Rules about drinking and protecting people from themselves are rarely going to come into play when it comes to Ivy's Room or other high-stakes environments. I mean, seriously, like, can you imagine if the requirements for being able to win money off someone at poker is that they, they can't be intoxicated? Oh, yeah. They have, they have to be in a perfectly fine mental state. I mean, it's just oh, that's not that's not how we, that, that's not how a lot of these people have made their fortunes playing poker. There's been times I exploiting drunk people and all that shit. There's been know? times I've I've won online where I I can't see my opponent and sometimes I don't know who they are, but I I can tell they're drunk or, or likely drunk. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. uh, drunk opponent stories was a New Year's story. This was on uh, December thirty first, two thousand ten. I played uh, earlier in the evening, like seven p.m. or so. I've I was playing uh, heads up against someone, and at thirty sixty limit hold him, and just got crushed. I lost, lost like every hand, and I lost six k. And I was like, "What a terrible way to end the year!" Mm. So uh, th- that it was a very uh, that New Year's was not a festive New Year's. Uh, ben was only two months old. So we, we didn't go anywhere. We were just at home. You're thinking about giving him up for adoption after <laughs> you lost that money. Just, I can't afford it anymore. Yeah. So uh, Ben's mom actually went to sleep before midnight. She was still suffering after effects of the uh, the pregnancy. She was very tired. She uh, she went to sleep already. So I was just there by myself. I just watched the ball drop on the, the three-hour-ago ball drop on TV as it hit 2011. And I fired up uh, Bodog again. 
and there was a six-handed game going. And I sat in the game. And oh my God, the players were horrendous. I mean, I could not believe how bad every single player was at that table. They just, uh, they were playing nonsensically. Every single one of them was terrible. And uh, needless to say, I, I crushed the game. And I won $10,000 in that shorthanded 3060 game. A single table of 3060 shorthanded, I won $10,000, which is extremely difficult to do. But that's how terrible everyone was playing there. Prof, I think you should give the money back. <laughs> so, and and I, so it was obvious to me these were probably people, uh, probably a lot of them on the East Coast who had you know, been drinking for a few hours by then. Or maybe even ones on the West Coast have been drinking up till New Year. Whatever it was, these were people who were drunk because of New Year's. And then they fired up online poker and sat down. I happened to get a number of them at once. I didn't have a single person there who, who was sober. And, and I crushed the game. I won 10K. I was so thrilled that I not only got my 6K back, but I got another 4K on top of it. I, could, I, I didn't think that was even remotely possible that that night I would come out a, a winner. But uh, I, I didn't feel like, oh, I should give the money back to these people. I thought, wow, what, isn't this great? I, I, I happened to be up against a lot of people who stupidly drank and opened online poker. Why? Because it was their decision to do so. That was that was what they did. Just like if if someone plays poker in a bad emotional state or when they're tired or when they're sick, anything else that prevents them from playing as well as they otherwise can, and they lose money, it's their fault. Nobody owes them money back when they do that. So I, I think just, yeah, just about everybody who's played poker and had some nice winning sessions can honestly say that some of these sessions came at the expense of drunk people or drunk, tired, you know, whatever excuse you want to give. I mean, honestly, that's where a decent amount of money is made. Yeah. Or people on (laughs) tilt too. If people who are just, uh, yeah, not in an emotionally good place because they've taken a lot of bad beats in a row. And yeah, there's, there's so many different ways you can beat someone who isn't playing their best. You know, you, you get guys on tilt and you stack them five times in a row. You know you get up from the table, you give him a hug, and you give him his money back, right? <laughs> right? That's how it works. Yeah. The, I, I, I've always said, like, sometimes I actually will feel bad for someone like, very briefly. Like, oh, wow, this person lost a lot of, mo- lot of money. They're, they're either, like, feeling awful about it now or they're going to feel awful about it tomorrow. And I, I think about, like, the times I've lost. And I feel, I'm, like, I, I, I'm feeling bad. And then I snap out of it and go, wait a minute. When I lose, no one feels bad for me. All, all they can think about is what a wonderful day they're having from taking my money. Mm-hmm. So I go, never mind. I don't feel bad for anybody. <laughs> so, yeah, th- this is ridiculous. So, I I think Matt handled this terribly, but I think that uh, still he deserves every penny. Now, Trader Risk, you've been kind of quiet. What is your opinion on this? I agree with you, but I have another question. If you were the backer and he called you and said he made the deal for the two million and a one million uh, heads up, would you have told him to go for it? Well, that's an interesting question. I I would have asked Matt a follow up question, and that is, why are you doing this? If the answer was, well, uh, I feel bad about it, I would said, no, no, that's not, I didn't loan you this money, or I didn't back you here so you could feel bad when you beat people. You. You have to get it all. But if, if it was, well, I think if I do this, he's more likely to play me again, and I have a big edge over him, and, and I'll, I'll keep winning more against him, millions more against him, so it's in our best interest to do this, then I'd probably say okay. If it was just stupid guilt, then I'd say no, uh, don't do this. If, now, if it was, I, uh, I think offering this 
raises the chance that we'll get paid, then I'd probably go for it too. Just because uh, you know, getting two million plus this uh, rematch of the last million is better than getting zero. If, if the person, especially someone who has a history of not paying. I agree with something you said earlier, Druff, is that it seems really weird to me that um, if he is backed in this, which, I mean, I believe he very well could be, um, why why did he not talk to his backer before agreeing to the $2 million and the $1 million heads up and do the hug and all that stuff? Like, why why didn't he have that conversation before? Yeah, and that's never really been made clear, and it's it, it, it is strange, and... So I, anyone who thinks that Matt handled this poorly, hundred percent with you on this. <laughs> but right. but it's a, it, it does not give you it does not give Leon any bit of a legitimate reason to pay any less than the entire three million. So that's uh, here. Egos got involved, and Leon decided he's going to teach him a lesson. And you know, Leon was was insulted that something was agreed to and then gone back upon, but. Uh, it, it didn't matter. This, this was a favor that was being done for him. This is like, I'm offering you this favor. No, you know what? I'm not going to do this favor for you anymore. Okay. You don't want to like the guy anymore. You don't want to play with him anymore. That's fine. But you can't just take money from him for that reason. I've, I've had many people who've pissed me off. They don't owe me money for that reason. Right. I, I can't just take money from them because I'm mad about how they've handled something. So that's, that's the problem. A lot of times someone who owes someone else money feels like they're in the driver's seat and they can punish the person who they owe money to if they don't like the way they're acting by withholding money. And it doesn't work that way. You can't do that. I agree. That's bullshit. <laughs> okay. So that's where it stands right now. I'll give you guys an update in future weeks or months or whatever when more comes out. So we are going to call up Action Ashley. See if she's still around. Um, this is a PG show. Are you sure we can do this? We can call Action Ashley. She just won't give us action. Okay. We can ask her about that nickname if uh if you'd like. We can we can find out. Um I, I this is this is what I think though. This is honestly what I think of where the nickname came from. Being a female in poker, I, I think that uh she's hoping to kind of make a name for herself, maybe get some sponsorships, maybe uh you know, things like that. She she hasn't right. you know, she's not a big name by any means. I don't think she's won anything big, but I, I think she's trying that. Now, I think it's a little harder to do that when you're already married and have a family. Like, a, And the, the problem with that sometimes is that the fanboys who could, uh, or the potential fanboys who could just, like, imagine themselves being with you, that kind of goes away when you kind of think, okay, this girl's, like, way off the market at this point. Like the, the, But, uh, you know, she, she's a decent-looking girl. I've, I've seen the pictures of her... Uh, I, I, I think that's what the whole point of that name is, is my guess, that she just wants to have some kind of identity. You know, Tiffany, or, or a lot of women are, you know, rightly or wrongly, are perceived as being tight or perceived as, uh, I'm talking about poker draft, don't get carried away. <laughs> okay, calm, calm, cool your jets a little bit, okay? Or are perceived as being timid or whatever, so, I mean, you know, maybe it's her way of kind of leveling people about the way she plays. Or, yeah, that's true. She uh, can, who knows? Maybe yeah, she's it, just having fun. That, that is true. She could use that name and then actually be very tight. And yeah. then uh, people will give her will give her action. They go, oh, well, that's action. Ashley, she's, she's putting in action. She must, uh, she must, must be uh, trying to run me off the hand. Oh, no, she has you know top that, set. What? No, I was, okay. Oh, yeah, but you know what? I mean, the people who do that the best, I know some guys that are poker pros that are just amazing 
at being gregarious and and act, acting like they give action. When you but when if you, if you just look at what they play and how they play, they're tight as fuck. Well, yeah, and, and uh, you this, know? I, I did this before too on uh, on Absolute Poker before they they cheated me and saw my whole cards and stole my money. Uh, I I won a lot of money on there the, ten years ago with this this new account I made called Electro and Electro I typed in all caps. I was very brash. I was just uh, I and, and I really made myself look like this crazy action player. Yep. And and the and the fish actually loved it. The fish loved the trash talk back and forth. Uh, they they you know when, when when I would bad beat them, you know I'd make comments and then they'd make comments to me when they bad beat me, and they, it really looked like we were just like two gamblers trying to outdraw each other. But in reality, you know, I had a very uh, methodical version of the way I was playing, and and they they didn't recognize that, but they they loved to play me on there. The fish loved playing me because they really they didn't see me as just some quiet grinder trying to take their money they saw me as uh, some some guy like them just some crazy gambler so it was it was very effective and uh so i loved that account that's why i was so sad when i had to abandon it because i was being cheated okay let, let's call up uh, action ashley and find out about job poker hello action ashley hello <laughs> hey what's up guys have you been listening to the show where we're discussing your nickname Yes. Can we you talk want me about to it? Clarify. Yeah, we, Can we, we talk need, about it, Ashley. Yeah, we need to find this out yeah. before we begin here. Okay. What kind of false so, advertising is this name? There are a couple different not, ways it could be false advertising. <laughs> the crazy thing is, is I didn't even give myself the nickname. So um, I actually got the nickname from an underground poker room that I first started playing at when I had very first started poker, um, and. I got the nickname from a hand and it was because literally I'd folded for probably a good hour and a half and <laughs> hadn't played a single hand. I was completely card dead. So I got the button and I told myself, I was like, look, I was like, this has been a crazy action table. I said on the next time that I get any hand, like any pair, any like high suited connector cards, or even if I get like suited connectors, like low cards, I was like, I'm going to push it. Like I've got aces. So I just kind of told myself that because I didn't want to sit there and just not play anything and just get really bored. So I did. I ended up getting 7-8 suited. Um, I ended up, the uh, one guy's three bet, it came around to me and I just made a huge re-raise, um, came around to the big blind and he called and then the other guy just snapped and jammed all in. And I was like, okay, great. Well, I'm pretty much pot committed at this point. So I was like, I call. So I called and, you know, having a good flop equity hand like that, you know, it's, it wasn't a bad hand. So, and it was a cash game. So I was like, eh, if I bust, I'll just rebuy. So the guy ended up having queens. Um, big blind ended up folding and he goes, how many times do you want to run it? I said three. Well, I ended up hitting a flush on the first board. The second board, I hit two pair. And then the last board, I hit a straight. <laughs> so I won all three. And he just was like, "This is absolute." So, 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 I so he ran. This. So he ran. He ran queens so, against against seven, eight, three yeah. times and lost all three. <laughs> oh, gee. I think we got to re, we got to rebrand you. We got to rebrand you, <laughs> Luckbox, Luckbox Lucy or something. Right. <laughs> you would think, and the fact that it was against queens and I was the only lady sitting at the table, he's like, "Man, I guess Lady Luck really is you." And he ended up telling me, "He's like, what's your name?" And I said, "It's Ashley." And he said, "Well, we'll just call you Action Ashley because you never seem to want to back down." So that that's how I got the nickname, and it just kind of stuck. 
all these years. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular at Windstar. I play there all the time, cash games. So almost everybody at 2-5 and 5-10 knows me. And when I go and play there, everybody's like, oh, hey, Action Ashley, what's up? And it's just stuck for a long time. You know, a lot of the regulars that I played with at Underground Rooms, they all go there. So kind of everybody knew and the name just circulated. And it's just been my name for, I mean, nine years now. So I've stuck with it. Okay, but so- I, I hear all the time about, oh, is it a stripper name? And I'm like, no, I'm married. I have three kids. Um, yeah. well, hey, hold on. <laughs> there, there are some women entertainers. That are yeah. married and have kids, you know. I mean, in, in fact, that's I'm definitely probably far from that criteria. In, in fact, yes. in fact, there's there's some strippers who who like to claim that that that's why they're doing it, and that's why you should tip them so much. That's why you should throw more. You should throw fives at them instead of ones because they have kids to support. So supporting right. single mothers everywhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, so so anyway, I, I will say though, from what I've observed of, of Ashley on Facebook, she she does seem very wholesome. That, that's 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 kind of the the impression I've gotten from her. I've never met you before. That's just <laughs> well, that's just you. from what I, I can see. Okay, so so anyway, um, I will say that uh, prior to recently, I, I did have some mm-hmm. disappointment, which I, I even expressed to you privately at one point about the yeah. uh, association you had with with Jow Poker. Because uh, I, I didn't think Jow Poker was it was a very wholesome undertaking, and we we had uh, Tam Wen on this show at one point, and he tried uh-huh. to explain himself. And the funny thing was Tam Wen. And I'm friends with Tam, so Tam yeah. was actually convinced that that he had convinced us. So he was he was so outraged when afterwards he found out that uh, no, we weren't removing the critical threads about Jow Poker from our site, and and no, we didn't right. say all these wonderful things about him afterwards, like. We we actually didn't say anything bad about him personally. We actually were just saying that you know, Jow Poker, we still don't trust it. Anyway, so Ashley, uh, you, you got involved with it as an affiliate, and and for those mm-hmm. who who don't remember the Jow Poker segments, we've talked about it a number of times in this show. But for those of you who who don't remember it or didn't hear those shows, Jow Poker is a fairly new poker site with a strange angle to it where it's a combination of multi-level marketing and, and poker, and you can't sign up to it without doing so through an affiliate, at least the last I saw. So you couldn't just go to jowpoker.com and download the software and play like you can on other sites. Here you actually have someone refer you. And, uh, yes, you have to have a referral code. Right. You have to have a referral code, and then that person gets a piece of, of your action. And then for someone to be an affiliate, they have to buy into the affiliate system. And this is something we had a problem with, that you had to buy into the affiliate system by paying $250. And we've said before, look, if you're trying to get your, your site going, if you're trying to get uh, players in your site and trying to get the affiliates to do work for you and bring players there, then just pay them on commission. Why, why charge them two fifty? He says, "Oh, you know, there's, there's the administrative costs." I'm like, "What? What administrative costs? It's, it's all done by computer. It's very simple. There's, there's very little." Like, a, so okay, it's like the Avon so lady. Do you want me poker. to clarify some of that? Um, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, okay. So the first thing that you stated about you have to have a referral code. Yes, you do. Um, I mean, you could probably just type into Google a referral code, and it'll probably pop up. You know. 50 different affiliates that have promoted it on social media. So that's not hard to find. Um, When it comes down to the funds and paying for it. Okay. So I got asked, Tam's been a friend of mine for quite some time. You know, he's known me in poker. I've known who he is. Um, He actually recruited me. Um, I believe I want to say that Jow started, I think it was in February of this year. So I became an affiliate 
in July. Um, it was actually July 8th. Um, I had just gotten back from a trip. We had uh, gone on a cruise, my husband and I, and I told Tam, I was like, look, I'll discuss it with you because he'd been asking me for months if I wanted to look into it. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I want to try it out first. So well, they had a free This is like roll, having so the I- Jesuits at your door. Christ. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So you, <laughs> I went on and he told me about a free roll. I was like, look, I'll go see what the site is. You know, I play online. I play on Ignition. I play on ACR. I play on Intertops. You know, I, I've, I've played pretty much everywhere I can. I've played even old school back in the days before Black Friday. You know, it's, it's just my thing. I do like online. I like playing live too. And I will definitely tell you, I prefer live. But as far as going onto the site, so I played a free roll. I didn't think it was horrible. It didn't really do anything for me. It wasn't make or break. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. They told me that it was a software from Poker Stars, which, okay, if, if you ever played Poker Stars back in the day, yes, they told me that it was the same software as that, which, um, I can tell you right now, that's not true. Well, I was going um, to say, by the way, for those of you, I played on Poker Stars back in the day. I was, I think Poker yeah. Stars started like mid '02. two. I, I came on Poker Stars in early '03. And one thing I'll right. say is the software on Poker Stars today is actually not that different from the software back in '03. It was that good to where even back in '03, it was pretty similar to today. Yeah, they've made some changes. It looks more modern. There's a, there's some a lot of new features, but it, it it's basically the same thing. So yeah, oh, so, they yeah. didn't have no spin and goes back in 2002. No, they did not. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so they they told me that, and I was like, eh, okay, whatever. That I was like, you know, that's kind of a bunch of crap. Like I don't know if you know, but like I played that kind of stuff, and so I just kind of whatever about it. Um, so move on. I, I played it. I was like, cool. What's this program? And I started reading and I was like, dude, there's, there's no way I'm, I'm paying for this. Like, you've got to be crazy. Like, you know who I am. You know, I, I would like to think I'm a pretty good up and coming, you know, I've, I've been playing cash game profitably for nine years and I've been playing tournaments for probably about the last two. And it's, it's enjoyable to me. I love it. It's what I do on the side for a job. I own my own business, a home building company. So we go through everything and he tells me, he's like, well, no, you're not going to pay for anything. Like I'll, I'll cover it. Okay. I I don't know how he covered it. I will still tell you to this day. I will never probably know that. I don't know if he paid it out of his pocket. I don't know if he got like 10 or 15 different free people to sign up because he's an ambassador. I can't tell you what that entails. Um, I just know that he wears jail stuff, promotes it, but I don't really know if he gets anything extra for it. Um, so I looked at it like, all right, well, if you're going to pay for it and I'm just going to make some free money on the side, cool, that works for me. So I did it. Um, I promoted with, you know, my name, Action Ashley, and had people sign up and stuff. I recruited multiple different people. Every person that I recruited as an affiliate, there was one person under me that paid, and it was the very first person, and it was because... You know, I mean, people know who I am. They trust me. And but like you said, you know, I, I am a good, wholesome person. And I believe in truth and honesty. And that's the biggest thing. And I think that's kind of why, like, I wanted and I agreed to come on here was to clarify things. Because I don't want my name tarnished because I've worked really hard on it. I have a good reputation in the poker community and with people and a rapport. And I just, I applaud myself on that. You know, I like being the person that everybody knows and enjoys at the poker table. Whether you think I'm good or not, or you think I play a lot of hands, or you think I'm a tight knit, I mean, it's whatever. But I want a good rapport about myself. I don't want people to say that I'm a shady person or I was affiliated with something shady. So to start getting all of 
the information thrown at me and people sending me two plus two forums and stuff on poker fraud and everything about the company, it just didn't sit well with me. So I wanted to do my own research even deeper than I had done prior to getting started. So y'all had brought up that one of the CEO and managers was involved in a scandal um, when it came to theft and whatnot. So I actually contacted the gentleman that he supposedly had scammed over in this housing ordeal. Uh, I never got a response, but I will tell you that I, I do know that it happened. It actually happened in Minnesota, and my husband's from Minnesota. We have family up there that is with council and with state stuff. So I, I know what went on. Um, do I think that's the person that he is now? I don't know. I don't know the person. I don't know Sony personally, who's one of the CEOs. I don't know him. Um, I've talked to him a couple of times and I just never really got clarification on answers. And that was kind of enough of shadiness for me. Um, did I ever get money stolen from me? Did I ever not get paid? No. Was I paid in different ways that people are probably like, okay, well, that's really crazy that they paid in PayPal. Yes. Do they do it anymore? No. They got rid of it because a lot of people complained or they said things of, oh, this site took my money or da-da-da, and they got shut down. So now they're doing things like Bitcoin and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, personally, I was personally shocked that uh, PayPal, that wasn't a – permanent option for them right right <laughs> we, we we actually that was the first thing we said we, we were predicting that that was going to end like really soon when we first did a segment about child poker yeah and and it ended pretty quick it didn't last long just because you have to understand too when when people lose or they lose a hand or they get what they so call as a bad beat which you know drives me crazy when people say it's a bad beat and i'm like that's nowhere close to a bad beat but you know, they, they lost their aces or something. I'm like, dude, I've lost aces and kings in the last five tournaments I've been knocked out of. I mean, come on. So when that would happen, people would complain and they report it and it would get shut down. So unfortunately, there's nothing really that they can do about it. And, you know, if you live in the States like I do in Texas, you know, there's not any technical legal site to play on. You can play on all these sites, but the payout is what's illegal. So you just kind of deal with it. And that's what we got screwed with, you know, after Black Friday. So they're trying to incorporate that away from it, which, you know, I kind of applaud them for. They're doing okay. But for me, I didn't make anything. And in the entire time that I did it, I brought on, and I've got the numbers, I brought on 60, 62 people. I brought on seven affiliates, one with pending, in four months. Okay, so I mean, I, I did a really good job for him. I brought in a lot of people. I wait, 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 how many affiliates did you bring in? You brought in sixty. I, I, no, 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 seven affiliates and sixty-two retail players, like just people that would oh, okay, come on okay. and play cash games and things like that. So you know, I mean, a lot more difficult to get an affiliate than you think, especially when you're sitting here telling them that they need to pay for it. Now, yeah, did yeah. I no? Do I know what all the other deals that everybody else got? No, I can't tell you that. I know some people paid for it. I know some people didn't. So I can't tell you who did and who didn't because that information never got shared. Um, I can tell you I personally never paid for it. Um, so that's just me being honest with everyone because I didn't. I didn't, and I think because they knew that I'm a player that goes to play a lot that I could recruit. Okay, so and so um, no. Interestingly, not- Ashley, that's exactly the same thing that Druff says about sex <laughs> that he's never paid for it. No, I right. believe you. I, I believe you. I'm not sure I believe you. <laughs> okay. A- anyway. That's horrible. Okay. So, uh, Ashley, uh, I, I've got a question here. Um, 
besides the fact that the CEO wasn't giving you straight answers about uh, this mm-hmm. real estate deal and that made you feel uneasy, what uh, what else on Jow Poker did you come to not like or not trust over time? You said they did pay you, so that wasn't a problem. What what other things did you find objectionable? Um, the biggest one was tournament. <laughs> so as of right now, if anybody has stayed tuned or anything, so they, they rebuilt their site. Um, they rebuilt it. They changed it. Um, and they're offering right now a Aussie package to the Aussie millions. Okay. So if anybody knows anything about poker giveaways and vacation packages and things like that from sites, I've won two of them. I've won both of mine on inner tops, uh, the only ones that I've ever played. And I won both. I ended up winning the one for Aruba for PPC when it was a huge scandal, turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. So that was fun in and of itself, but I won that package. Then I won the package to St. Martin, which ended up getting canceled. And I got the full cash value for because of the hurricane. So I I won both of those and I was like, oh, cool. You know, if they're going to do a package deal like this, like I really want to look into it. And, you know, I've played tournaments for packages on ACR. I didn't win those, obviously, but I've played them. And I know how sites are supposed to do it. And I know kind of the criteria. So I go on there. I read all their TOS, terms of service, and their policies and things like that. And we have with Jow, if you were an IBO, what they call, you know, affiliate, and I couldn't even tell you what IBO even stands for. Uh, so when you're one of those, you get added to what's called the WhatsApp group. So if you know the WhatsApp app, that's how everybody communicates on there. So you communicate with the CEOs. You communicate with the network people. Any questions that you have, you can post on there, and they'll respond to you. I would never get a straightforward answer when I would ask questions. Um, it was kind of all beat around the bush. Um I I asked multiple times because so when you get contracted as an affiliate, they tell you and you have a contract, but it's not really a contract, if you know what I'm saying. So it's just basically, hey, this is what percentage you're going to get paid. So mine, I was at a 10% um, personal rake back. So I got 10%, which to me is really shitty because I play on inner tops. You know, I did. I'm not even playing on there now right now, but... I got 33% just on intertops alone from being a recreational player, and I wasn't even a recruit for them. So I made more on another site than I do currently as an affiliate. So that already kind of hacked me off a little. I'm like, why am I putting money on here? Even though I'm winning on the site, like, why am I investing? Well, okay, but, but we're, we're getting we're getting a little way. What, what was the problem with the uh, with the tournament thing? You were saying something with the package of the Aussie Millions. What was the, uh, yeah. the issue there? So they. They offer, you know, a guarantee that it's the tournament, and they stated on there when they first came out with it, and it was probably up there for a week, and I don't have pictures of it because it got changed, but I do have what I wrote out in the WhatsApp, and I've got screenshots of that and all the responses from uh, Jason, who's one of the, uh, I believe, investors or, you know, kind of like Sony is with the company, and they kind of run everything. So Sony runs the poker side, Jason runs that as well as the sports betting and whatnot that they have. So I go on there and I read, and it states that they're going to give you a package seat for the Aussie Millions main event, which I think it's like 1250 or 1850 or whatever Aussie for the main. And then you play, and then they said that they would give you $500 of travel when you're there, 
and you have to show up and play in the event. And then you show receipts for travel and things like that. And then they would reimburse you after the event happened and they assured that you played in it. (laughs) So this right here, and, and I told them, I said, this is a huge red flag. I said, I play on tons of sites. I said, I've won packages. I know how this is supposed to work. I said, there's no way you're going to convince me to play in this, pay $108 or whatever to play in the event and try to win this package. And you're going to expect me to fork over all this money and then just take your word that you're going to reimburse me after. Yeah, that's and, that, that, I agree. That's very shady, and, and that's uh, the the only time this is ever acceptable is if it's like a very large corporation. You know, is not going to screw you. You know that they're just you know that exactly. they're going to pay you back, but not not and some online poker site. site and things like that. It, it it didn't really add up or make sense. Now, typically, so any site that you usually play in, they pay for your buy in, and they pay for a portion or whatever of your travel expenses, or they credit that. And then the rest of it, it covers your hotel. You know, like I've, I've never had to pay for a hotel stay. I got like $500 once towards travel expenses. And of course, like that might not have covered everything. So I just used miles and I pocketed the cash, you know, whatever. I, I get that. But they didn't apply anything to that. They stated afterwards that you would have it, but then you'd only have the value left over from what they had to apply towards it. But it didn't include hotel or anything. So I started doing my own research and looked up how much it was to stay at the Crown Melbourne in Australia because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I play in a tournament package, like, I plan to win it. I've won plenty of them. I I know how to do it. So I I was like, cool, I can win this. And I started looking up legitimately how much it would probably cost. And right after a new year for Christmas, I was like, look, I don't want to shell out too much money and things like that. Like, what would this actually cost if I won? And it didn't add up. We're talking like I couldn't ever get it under $5,600. And that was for like flying the crappiest coach, multiple connection flights, and staying in the cheapest room that they had. And, and, and have this, you done like that trip to Australia before? No. It's, but, a, rough, it's um, a rough trip, man. Yeah, it's, it's right? a rough trip. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm, like, I'm not even kidding. Qantas and all the others. Well, it, well, it would be long. Well, not only yes. that, you're saying that the main event, there's only like like $1,800 Australian, and, and you'd have to spend like 5600 U.S. to get there? Yes. <laughs> and Australian conversion, you're not anywhere close to that. I mean, it's way lower. So you have to understand, 5600 U.S. is what you're spending, and it's not covering that. And they're saying they're only guaranteeing 4000 So I brought it to their attention, and they're like, well, you know, it's almost like they hadn't done any research. It's kind of like they just threw it on the site. Because when I asked and I brought up the questions and I screenshotted pictures to them of costs and how much it would be and if you did this and plane and, and booking rooms and all of that, not including food or anything to stay there for the duration, which the minimum you would stay would be five days. And that's if you, you know, you made it all the days. It, it just, it couldn't fathom how much you'd be spending over this guarantee. And you would think that anybody with this kind of knowledge would have at least done some kind of research on an average. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean yeah, I, I understand all. It's, it sounds like they, they they didn't know what they were doing. And they just they oh, it would be cool to have an Aussie no, Millions what? package, and then uh, uh four thousand dollars up to travel allowance. Okay, there you go. And then like they, and then also it, it just seems so ridiculous to spend that type of money to travel somewhere so far, and then play a, a an event that isn't that high of a buy-in. If you're going to spend that much money to get Correct. somewhere to play, to to play something that's a fraction of the travel expense to get there and stay there is it doesn't make any sense. But uh, now, now I want to ask about their withdrawal procedure. So, so PayPal is gone, okay. and uh, you say they're paying Bitcoin. Do, at the moment, do they pay in a reasonable amount of time with Bitcoin? Like if, if I, if I win on there, could, could I, I get my Bitcoin? I couldn't tell you. I'm probably the only person in the poker world that doesn't do Bitcoin or doesn't invest in cryptocurrency. Um, I just, I've been an investor for years. I invest in real estate and, and stocks and things with like gas and mineral rights and whatnot, but I don't, I don't invest in crypto. So that I can't tell you. I've heard that people are getting paid out, but I couldn't tell you the time frame. I can tell you for a cashier's check, it takes five to 10 days. Um, you got to pay a fee to get one. I think it's like $10. Um, so, 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 so in general, I was getting credited, but yeah, so, so, like I said, that option's gone. So, in general, they they are paying people right now, from what you can see. Of course, you don't know if all the money is uh, is being held. That's you know in people's balances supposedly, but they they're supposedly yeah. paying right now, and and they're paying the affiliates. Uh, they do seem to be disorganized as far as the uh, the tournaments go, and uh, um, the. So the thing with the affiliate pay is they don't pay you as an affiliate like via check. They credit it to your Dow account. So and hope what you they lose would do, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they hope that you're going to reinvest it and put it back into the site. So they credit your account and hope that you don't cash out. But couldn't couldn't you cash so, out immediately? Couldn't you say, okay, now I'm cashing out this amount? I could. Yes. Yeah, so I mean that's fine. That's, that's, to, that, yes. that's how a lot of affiliates get paid. So I don't have an issue with that. Uh, they. Yeah. This whole thing with the with the affiliates paying to get in, and you said that it is interesting to me that some people paid, some didn't. And my guess would be that they're probably the ones that they let off without having to pay are ones that they think are high value affiliates. Like let's just say he would never do it, but let's say Daniel Negreanu said, oh, "I want to be a Jal Poker affiliate." There's no way they would charge. They him would never charge they, him, and they, they'd probably pay him. Right, to right. So because he'd be a very, very high value affiliate. So then you, you know you go right. down from there, and and you know they must have thought you were a high enough value affiliate to where they're not going to charge you. But just you know average Joe Poker player they've never heard of, who who they don't mm-hmm. uh, they don't know if they have any faith that this person's going to bring them uh, much business. Uh, okay, we might as well at least get 250 from this guy you know, right off the bat. So even if he doesn't produce anything, we've just made money off him anyway. So I, I think that's probably what they're doing. And, and that's why you're seeing the, the difference in, in who gets charged and who doesn't. And I, I don't believe for a second they're, quote, expenses. That, that That's what this is covering. It's a typical multi-level yeah. marketing trick. And, uh, and here's the deal. The back office system, I mean, literally, like – Whenever you sign up and you become one, um, it they give you a back office. And basically, it's just like a JAL network that you sign into. And you can see everybody that signs up under you. And it gives you this matrix, okay? So if anybody knows anything about matrix and pyramid, obviously, it's called the pyramid because it breaks down. So you're at the top and you have people underneath you, et cetera. Uh, pyramid? So you can see, really, I know. <laughs> so... Okay, multi-level marketing is a pyramid. And if anybody knows this, I mean, you know what it is. I mean, I know what it is. I'm not sitting here being stupid. I never argued with anybody that ever said that. And I told hey, actually, them, I'm like, oh, actually, that is a pyramid. 
Ashley, did you know if you ever looked at uh, you use emojis sometimes when you text, right? Uh-huh. Did yeah. you uh, you ever looked at the poop emoji? It's in the shape of a pyramid. <laughs> yeah, shit. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's true. I mean, when when you sign up, the biggest issue is if you're an affiliate and you're paying or anything like that, and you're thinking you're going to make money at this, you're not. And that to me was the biggest thing that I wanted to affirm to people is that you, that you're not going to make money doing this. So, so why you, that, that's a good question. You, let, let, let's stop here. Why do you feel that an affiliate on Jow Poker is not going to make money? So they pay their 250 okay? Yep. Why, why do you feel they're not going to recover at least $250, $250 after that? You can, but it's going to take you time, and it's going to be more difficult than I expected. Um, when they explain it to you, and this is the part that you don't really get until you get into it. So they tell you, you know, become an affiliate and you want to do this because you get personal rake back. So on anything you play on the site, you get rake back. Well, most people think, okay, cool. I'm going to, if I play $200 on the site, cool. I'm going to make, you know, 20 bucks back if that's 10%. So you start accumulating that. And if you play that, you know, even just say half a year, okay, cool. You've already made, you know, over a hundred dollars. So you look at it and you sit here and you analyze and you're like, okay, cool. I can make that money back. And that's with not referring anyone. Then you think if you refer somebody and they play even a hundred dollars or whatnot, then you make a percentage on them. The problem that they don't really tell you and you don't think about is anybody that becomes an affiliate and Anybody who was playing on that site enough and wanted to make rake back became one. And most of them, like, didn't pay. Or, I mean, the people under me, I can tell you, there was only one person that paid. The other six didn't pay anything. They who is that got sucker? signed up for free. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, who, who was, not, not specifically who was it, but what, what separated that person from the other six? What made them say, okay, this person has to pay the other six, get it free? It was the first person that I signed up, and I guess they didn't give me credit. And then when I started signing up a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, we need to get her some affiliates instead of just retail players. Mm. So now here's the kicker. The retail players that you have underneath you that are a cash player, you make more percentage on when they play more. When they become an IBO or an affiliate, you make less of a percentage, but then as they build their downline, you make more. Well, the problem is, is if they don't sign up to any affiliates, guess what you make on them? Absolute squat. Um, so Except you make way more when they were playing just normal under you and didn't become an affiliate. That's very interesting. See, I didn't think of that, but yes, that, that's a very good point. If that, if that, since so there's that's various what ways, I'm to right? Okay, you're not going to make money. So, so because the people that are playing on the site and are playing enough that they want to make their rate back are going to be an affiliate so that they can make rake back. And then you're making less money because you're signing up as an affiliate, but then they make it sweet because they say, Oh, well, we'll give you $25 of every person that you sign up to be an affiliate. Well, what's $25 when I could be sitting here making hundreds off of them playing, but you have me sign them up. As an yeah, affiliate. I see. I see what you're saying here that that is basically anybody that you, 
you, you can make money off the cash players you sign up who just you know sign up and play. Correct. But then once someone's been there long enough, they, they go, wait a minute, I want I want Rick back too, so I'm going to be affiliate now too. And then that disappears. Now you're only getting them as an affiliate, and unless they sign up other affiliates below them, you make very little off them. So yeah, that's exactly. Uh, so, so so then it so gets I'll reduced. That's that's a big hole. Yeah, when a big... I signed up in July, <laughs> I signed up on July 8th. Okay, so literally I had three weeks of recruiting. I recruited less than 20 players in that time. And I made $225, and I only signed up one affiliate, okay? The rest of the month, I signed up more affiliates and more retail players, and I made $96. Which month so was that? you tell me. Wait, which month that was that? Was in, that was so August? In July, I made 225 In August, I made 96 In September, I made 95 So it it constantly went down. And then last month in October, when basically I just pretty much had given up, I made 20 bucks. So, so, so the, whole, the whole body of work you've had with Jow Poker then, you, you've made uh, less than $500. Less than $500 in four months. I signed up all these people to come play, and the majority of them played. I mean, I, I have friends that play, so if I was playing on it, they trust me and where I play because – like I said, I have a good rapport and I'm only going to play stuff and I'm honest with everyone about everything, which is why I wanted to come on and tell the truth. Like I didn't want people to sit here and do what I did and sign up and think that yes, you can make money, especially with the reputation that I've built up of myself and my poker playing and people know that I'm good to come on here. I mean, I played in poker night in America. I got invited to play on the show with Doug Polk. I mean, people don't get that unless they're a good player. I mean, was Tuckman commentating when you were on there? No, I wish he would have been. It would have been a lot nicer. Unfortunately, we had Alex Keating commentating, and um, oh my gosh, and uh, why am I spacing right now? It'll come to me here in a minute. But yes, he was commentating, and it was just horrendous. You know, Alex is a fantastic player, but as a commentator, he needs some work. Okay, so, so we were—that was interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying here. That, uh, and this this really is a big hole in in their whole model, and I don't think it's accidental. And and to where you everything sounds no. so, everything sounds so wonderful, but the truth is here that uh, they end up keeping most of the money that gets generated rake wise. Where it it seems like from what they pitch that there's going to be all these different income streams you have. And that uh, mm-hmm. you know, so much of what gets uh, raked on there will will be going back to the affiliates and various players and all that, to where you know everyone's sharing the wealth when, when the site does well. Correct. In reality, I'm, I'm shocked, Ruff. I am seriously <laughs> shocked to hear that a pyramid scheme is not benefiting everyone that signs yeah. up. And, and, mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. In reality, what kind it's of world. Do we fucking live? The amazing in? thing here is it's, it's it sounds like you're like the, you have multiple income streams, but then one actually eats the other and and and, uh, and cancels out the other rather than the only, and all you're the, doing the only stream involved here. Drop the only stream involved here is them pissing on your back and telling you it's raining. <laughs> You know, that's the only stream that's going on here. Yeah, so that's uh, you know, I have to say when when I saw the their pitch, and of course I was very skeptical, but when I saw their pitch about all the different ways you could make money a, as an affiliate of it, I just thought it it just seems like they're offering too much here, and either they're offering too much and it's not sustainable and the whole thing's going to fall apart, or there's some catches here that are not being disclosed and they're actually paying you a lot less than it, it appears, and it looks like the second one is. Yeah. Uh, 
that's pretty much your catch. And what sucks you in is, and what sucked me in, is the fact that in the beginning I did make. I mean, if you look at it and you sit here and I made $225 in the first month and that was in three weeks. You look at it like, wow, I made that and I didn't even recruit a whole ton. Okay, cool. What does it make you want to do? Okay, makes you want to recruit more. makes you want to push the site more. makes you want to do more stuff because you're thinking, oh, wow, if I bring triple the amount of players, cool, I just tripled my money. When entail, it's actually, in turn, it's going to flip because the more people you recruit, the more people that become an affiliate, the less rake back you're going to make and the less percentage you're going to make, and it's actually going to drive your cost down. Yeah, and the the other thing, of course, to be concerned about, I know they're paying out right now, and that's that's good, but you never know when that's going to stop. And the CEO, given these accusations about the shady real estate stuff he was supposedly involved in, that you don't, that's not someone you could trust to be holding the money in a separate account to where if everyone no. wants to withdraw, that they can. So you don't know how much of the money that's on deposit is really there. And, of course, that's a concern for every poker site you could play on. All these sites, you know, with ACR and Bovada, you know, who knows what they're really holding. But the, the thing is, a, a newer site, a newer, smaller site, they're in much more danger of, of uh, folding or stealing player money to keep themselves going than one that's been established for a very long time. Now, yes, some established ones I do agree. it too, like, like, like Full Tilt. They were very established and look what they did. But, uh, but still, it's much more danger that the smaller ones do it, and, and especially when the person who's running it has some alleged history that, uh, and it seems like he doesn't want to and explain we'll it. we'll probably never know the full detail of all the history, but what I can say is, you know, when I ask questions and things, like about a tournament, for instance. And I just keep getting, well, just trust us, we're never going to screw our players. I mean, that was the response I got. (laughs) I've got screenshots of it. When I get a response like that to me, I mean, I'm in a poker industry, I could tell that to somebody else and they would believe me. But I also think that, like I said, it's all about rapport and about your reputation and about what people think of you. And I've worked really hard on that. And to me, that's what I'm based off of. I'm based off of my character and what people think. I don't think that anybody thinks that about Sony or the site. Yeah. And when you have things like that that follow you, until you make it right, unfortunately, that's the world that we live in, is you're going to do that. Nobody's going to trust you. Nobody's going to believe your reputation. Whether it happened or not, if that happens and you don't fix the situation or the altercation, it's going to taint your image and taint your reputation. Well, yeah. and you, Do you're... I ever think that it's going to boom for them? No, because I think that that's always going to be a hindrance. I, there's a lot that's a hindrance to them. There, there, there's a lot that can get in the way. of It's, it's very hard to take a site, especially nowadays, a, a new poker site, and, and blow it up huge. And uh, there's a lot that works against it there. And even if they can enjoy some initial, you know, very moderate level of success towards some games run and, and, and it generates a little money, that's not uh, – going from there to something very large is very difficult to do, especially now yeah. with, with, with the market being just very saturated. So uh, another question here about Tam Wen. What exactly is his – role is you said some kind of ambassador is he one of the top managers there and how does he feel about all this you said he's good friends of uh, you're friends with him so how does he feel about uh your issues with uh with jow poker and is he having issues right now i personally i'm i'm not going to quote 
Tam on anything because Tam is a friend and I even hope after this, even if he is an ambassador for them and everything like this coming on here, wasn't to bash him ever. Um, I respect him. I respect him as a player and you will never, ever hear me say anything bad about Tam. Um, he is a good guy and I think he's getting a bad rap with a lot of this stuff and he's trying to go to bat for him because he's trying to make money at it and trying to do what any business person would do um, in marketing and trying to promote something. You know, you try to promote a brand, whether it's good or bad. If you're affiliated with it, you try to just do the best that you can. So I think that's honestly what he's doing. And I applaud him for that. You know, he's, he's stuck with it through good and bad. I just, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm a mom, I have a life. And to me, that means more. And Uh, let me ask you a question pursuant to that, Ashley. So, but at what point, at what point does it, uh, change from trying to be a businessman to, and I don't know that we're at this point with it yet, but let's say that at some point down the road, they are outright, you know, ripping people off. Um, at what point does it change from, uh, being a businessman trying to make it successful to, you know, kind of deceiving people and, and, and trying to get them to put money into something that they're never going to, never going to get anything out of. At that point, I don't think that Tam would do it any longer. Um, okay. The only thing that I'll say about that is, um, you know, I, I'm not going to speak personally on his behalf because he is trying to do this as a business ordeal, but I do know that he's struggling as well. Um, I do know that he's not making as much as when he first started. He's experiencing the exact same thing I was. Um, we've all voiced concerns about that. Um, I know that he's trying to work with him to try to fix it, but I wasn't going to sit around for that. Do I know what he's doing in the inner workings? No. I do know that he's an ambassador for the site, just like um, there's a lady, Kathy, uh, Poker Life, and she's an ambassador for it as well. They're the two. What that means or entails to them, I guess you could say it's kind of like they go and play poker anywhere and they wear Jow apparel and things like that and promote the site. I don't know if Jow gives them anything for it. I don't know if Jow buys them into stuff. I don't know if Jow pays them to travel. I couldn't tell you that. I, hmm. I don't know. Well, Ashley, you're um, a savvy, you're obviously uh, a savvy, smart businesswoman, and you've looked at their business model, and you've said, this is yeah. shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I experienced it firsthand, so right, to me, right. I'm always the person that's like, look, until I test it, I'm not going to sit here and give you facts, but I can give you facts now, and that's ultimately what I wanted to do, is I wasn't going to comment on anything or let anybody bash it or sit here and rave about it until I tested it. And right, but I, I guess... The point that I'm trying to to make is that you're you know you're smart, you're you're in business for yourself. You know how these things work. You you actually yes, tried it yourself. Um, you know, at some point, if, if Tam is a friend of yours, you know, you might want to schedule an intervention or something. You know, <laughs> right? Well, and I've I've told him, and I think he knows, and um, I don't know if it'll dwindle over time, but I know that. He's not happy with the results either. I know he's not playing on the side as much. That's all I'll say. Um, he's kind of given up on that as well because another thing that they do and things that they've changed is, you know, we had talked about the 250 becoming an affiliate. Now what they're saying is that they won't charge you to be an affiliate. You can become one at any time, but you have to make a $250 deposit. Right. So instead yeah, and, 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 of getting the money up front, now they're saying they want you to put it into the site, all because of what they know. Oh, you're going to spend it. They're nine out of ten. They're going to get it. You're not going to run that up, and so they're going to make money still. Yeah, uh, this was kind of our opinion of of Tam when we talked to him the first time, right, Druff? That he, yes. he seemed like a nice enough guy, but he he seemed, um, you know, 
probably a little too willing to believe in something and kind of look past the yeah he was obvi- obvious problems right he, he was very he's very gung ho about it and uh, I'll say this though you ask the average person that is aware of Jow poker and has observed it you'd say who who was who's the face of it who's kind of associated who who's the person you kind of think of as in charge or the main guy His there reputation is going to take a big yeah. fucking you hit when it goes yeah to yes he, he's he's the one everyone talks about he's he's the one who who everyone sees as as kind of the the man who's running the whole thing which which I know isn't true but uh and to me I think that's I think that's really unfair to him because a lot of the background stuff that you don't know about is people like Jason and Sony, who are running the whole show. No, I believe know that. All but... of the inner workings, and they're not really getting any of the heat. It's the people that are promoting it, and like when uh, you post it to a Facebook that seems page, really. Ashley, that right? seems really conveniently arranged. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know? uh, it's, uh, but it's he kind sounds of like, like they can't... keep it hidden until yeah. you get added. Into the well, WhatsApp it's, it's kind of like you're out. setting you're setting up a bunch of saps to put their reputation on the line and take the hit. I mean, right. the, these uh, Tam is kind of <laughs> sounds like he could kind of end up being the Micon of uh, of Jow Poker. Yeah, I kind of well, except, uh, except could, if you know? Jow goes down, I think Tam's going to get flamed a while for it. Um, just being associated, but yeah. do I think he'll be able to overcome it? Yes, because he is yeah. a good guy. And do I think if it does? He'll, he'll accept it and just say, you know, I, I tried to make it work just like Ashley or anybody did. And and we all did try. I don't think it's lack of anything. I just think the way that everything pans out, who's running it and things like that, I just don't think they're ever going to build up steam. And you're never going to be able to recover unless you're doing things the proper way. No, and they're it, not it, running it like other sites. And it's just not it's not going to work. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like it's it. It's too so. foregone. Yeah, I, I agree. Ashley, please don't take this the wrong way. But, but fuck Jow Poker. Like, honestly, I, I never want to hear or talk about Jow Poker again until we're talking about the fact that they they went uh, went tits up and they screwed everyone out of until money. Like, that's, that's the next time that I want to waste any fucking time on Jow Poker. Okay. Well, so, I, I think I've given you enough clarification. Yeah, you it. did. And, you know, I, at least I was truthful and people can get the full effect and no 100%, you know, they have numbers, they have figures. Yeah. I have proof of it. I did it. And that, that's all I wanted. And, you know, and I don't think it's going to give them more business, clearly. But I definitely don't want anybody to be in the situation like I was and think that they can make money out that, of it. That's good. I'm, I'm, glad you, run, you're not. I'm glad you came Girl, on I here. Do have a, I do have a couple of questions, too, when you're done. Okay. So let me know. Sure. No, I know I'm... I, Drop, do you, did you have any more follow-up questions? I, well, no, not about this. I actually just had a, a, a personal question, and then oh, and then I, I got a couple of those. Too, okay, but, so so um, so okay. uh, <laughs> so Ashley, forgive me, but I'm I'm interested in the the salacious aspect of this. So, are the rumors true that a at a at a company party at a bar, a, an official from Jow Poker motorboated you? <laughs> What? No. Is that true? That's not true? God, no. Okay. No. All right. I don't I thought, even know I, who that would be. I thought Somebody we had another, we, he, we had he's another just, Jacqueline Moscow. Yeah, he's, he's, just, he's just hoping we can get another one of these going. Good Lord. Okay. No, I'm just looking for actually, something to have some fun, okay? No, I've, I met I met Jason once, and that was at Chop Talk, and it was during the main event. And there was no was inappropriate touching or anything like that? No, I okay. didn't even hug him. We were just like, hi, and introduced ourselves. That was it. Um, and then, like I said, never talked to him again. And So definitely I mean, not a motorboat. What's that? 
No, no definitely not. Not even like uh, did he did he motorboat you with his eyes? I don't you know. know. I, mean? I mean, am I trying to give myself flattery or? <laughs> Okay. Here's 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 a, a, a I, I don't know if it's relate a semi related question. Is, oh my god! You got something related to that? <laughs> maybe very loosely. Uh, d- does your husband play poker as well, or only you? Oh, how did I know that question was going to come up? No, my husband doesn't touch cards. That's that's so. There's actually a really interesting story behind that. Is um, when. When we first got together, so most people don't know, but my husband's a professional streamer, so he streams and plays games on Twitch. Oh, nice. Um, That's what he does. He's done it for two years. Before that, he was military. Um, He's a veteran. You know, he served over over eight years in the Air Force. So we did long distance, but we met back in the day on Xbox. Hmm. So we had never seen each other. We just talked for a month, and then I randomly, you know, I mean, I own my own business. I have good money and income, so I booked a plane ticket out to see him, and I said, hey, I'm going to come meet you. Uh, he lived in New Mexico and Albuquerque at the time. I still lived here in Fort Worth, Texas. Well, said, well, hang hey, on a I'm second. I'm going to come meet you. Hang on. Had, believe it. Had you, had you seen, you hadn't seen pictures of each other? Like, why couldn't you just send we a picture? We had seen pictures of each other because we were friends on Facebook, but never actually like met in person because so all we ever did really was talk on a headset. If he's a professional streamer, has he ever been swatted? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's never happened to him. You okay. know, my first girlfriend ever was from Fort Worth, Texas. Really? Hmm. Really? Yeah. Well, they say met all her, your exes live in Texas. Met her down. Well, I mean, not even really girlfriend. They, that was, I was probably like twelve. Met her. <laughs> met her down in the Caribbean. Still remember How did her you name. Even have a girlfriend at the age of twelve. Well, yeah, I mean, question. I I probably like held her hand or kissed her or something. I mean, or I kissed her and then that was it. Yeah. But it <laughs> was the first motor. girl. The first girl that made me feel a little funny. You know so, what I mean? so, so Ashley, had you before this had had you met other guys online in the past? You dated other guys you'd met in some sort of online way, or was this the first one? Never. Oh. Um, I was actually I'd been married before, um, ended up divorced, um, and that was a whole pretty rough situation in itself. But we knew each other through gaming, and he was married before, and ended up you know getting divorced as well, and had two kids. So when we got together, I knew that I was, if I was going to make a long-term edit, it was going to be as a stepmom. And we ended up getting getting married, and we dated for gosh, three years long distance, and got married, did long distance married while he lived in Alaska, because uh, he got orders there after New Mexico. I was here, so I was flying up once um, once a month for about a week to a week and a half, and we did that for two years and got married while he was there. And then after he got out, he moved here to Texas and then we had a child of our own. And, and so he, so he had and, no desire to, to like, once he saw you were playing poker, he didn't have the desire to try it himself or have you teach him something. No, actually he has always been a lover of the slots and I taught him <laughs> crafts. So to me, and it's crazy because we're, <laughs> As weird as it sounds, you know, like I'm friends with Alan Kessler and Alan and I, every time we always see each other, like the last time at Choctaw, we all played in the slot tournament. I won the slot tournament, won like a thousand dollars in it. And Alan's like, I can't believe it. And I'm always winning at slots. And he's just like, what are you doing? And my husband and I both play slots. 
So that's kind of like a really funny thing that I always, you know, get on Alan's. Well, I, I, I would watch out with the slots, though. Those, those can eat you alive if you don't. Like, the way Kessler does it is fine. He, 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 he does, what he does is kind of boring, but uh, he does it in a way where, where he's always, uh, you know, he, he usually has an edge on the casino or at least or at least kind of break even so where he can do it and not lose money. Uh, over the long right. run, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, if you're not doing that, the, the slots can kill you there. But I, I'm just kind of surprised because most guys, if they're you know exposed to poker, kind of like through someone very close to them, they're they, the ones playing, and it's not the female. No, no, no. Or, or if, if they're not, then eventually they'll they'll pick it up. In fact, I I got into poker because uh, not not anyone I was dating, but because my brother and and uh, and a mutual friend that my brother and I both had. They both started mm-hmm. playing uh, Limit Hold'em at at the Hustler Casino in uh, back back in two thousand, and so so in oh very beginning of one I started playing. That was why that was why I got into it was through them. Otherwise, I wouldn't have found it until later. And uh, well, so I got into it because my dad is a former police officer, so he was a cop for twenty three years. And every Friday night growing up, he used to have quarter diamond nickel games at his house playing poker with all of his cop buddies, and so. I kind of grew up around it. Um, I watched them play, and I just really had a passion for it. And I've always been good. You know, when I went to college and things like that, all I did was numbers. I did accounting. I did marketing. I did finance. All of that kind of stuff. So I've always been really good with math and probability and numbers. And to me, it was such an edge, and I had a huge knack for psychology and trying to read people and understand their developments and whatnot. So for me, that was perfect poker it incorporated the two things that i love the most about behavior and trying to read people and also about numbers so it was huge and i learned it i taught myself and it's been great ever since i love it and i mean for me i asked my husband if he ever wanted me to teach him and his response was hell no i'll let you stick to the game of skill i'll stick to luck on slots and throwing (laughs) dice and It's funny because everybody's usually saying, you know, the phrase lady luck or blow on these dice or throw the dice for me. I swear to you, if you ever see me at a craps table and I'm throwing dice, I must be lit out of my mind because I just, I'll never do it. I roll a seven every time and crap out. Well, if you're drunk drunk at a casino, Ashley, and you're you're playing craps, um, you can just ask them for your money back. Yeah, that's right. the that's that's the new thing. That's, Clearly, kind of yeah. like Kirk, right? You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Ashley, th- yeah, thank you for coming on here. No, 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 draft, draft, draft. Oh, wait, 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 something else. Let her go before we okay, let her go. Sorry, sorry, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're interested in getting involved in some business opportunities related to poker. And oh, I, I you're have, not going to offer me some crappy side, are you? <laughs> oh yes, no. I have the the business opportunity of a lifetime for you. Okay, what's that? So especially because you're in Texas, how would you like to own your own live poker room franchise? <laughs> Are we talking the classified legal poker rooms? Yeah, all all you need is $300,000 in, in <laughs> equity, and all you have to pay up front is $100,000, and you... <laughs> can license the wonderful name of Mint Poker and open your own Mint Poker Club. I think I'd rather save the money and go play the super high roller bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, come on, Druff, help me out here. Yeah, this, we, we need to get her involved in the, this Mint Poker thing. Yeah, we've, we've tried very hard. We've tried very hard to push that. It's just not... Uh, it's, not it's not happening for us. We, we've tried very... We even have... Uh, 
We, we, we well, tried Chico to call Loco's them. Chico opening up some in Mexico. Yeah, we, we, we only got one guy in Mexico to open up with, with drug money. That's the only thing we've uh, we've succeeded with so far. Other, other than that, we we can't seem to find affiliates of Mint Poker as, as hard as we've tried. But uh, okay, it was worth a shot. So anyway, Ashley, thank you, thank you for coming on here. This was uh, I, I think this was eye opening in, in several ways, and it was nice getting to know you. Uh, Ashley's actually someone I accepted on Facebook. This shows you how wholesome I thought she was. I, I don't accept I don't accept many people on Facebook who I don't know. When people I, I get right. fr- I get French requests from people like randoms that that either listen to the show or or, or, or see me in the Real Grinders group or whatever, and, and I just I, I don't accept them because I, I don't know them and I, I don't want them spying. On, but like I looked at Ashley's profile and and I just I had seen her posting in the Real Grinders group before and I go you know she's she's not someone who's going to stalk my profile or, or be difficult or uh, wait a minute you're worried about so someone you stalking you this is what you think <laughs> so, so I, you're worried about someone stalking you aren't, aren't you the one that has like five different facebook accounts that you used to, to that's why that's why i'm worried i'm worried about accepting people like me oh so, my god <laughs> you know that that's what makes you the most concerned is when you do it yourself so yeah. So, true. so it's just like they say that the people who you know, the the people in relationships who are the most jealous tend to be the ones who are cheating themselves. So, yeah. right. So, yeah. So, well, I, I can tell you, I don't usually accept anybody on Facebook unless you basically have like eighty mutual friends with me. That's <laughs> kind of like my cap. If you're under that, I'm usually declining. So. Yeah, though I will, I will accept people occasionally just for entertainment value. That it wasn't really you, but I, I've, I've accepted some people who I'm like, you know, I don't trust them that much, but just they post so much stupid stuff. I just, I, I feel like I have to for the daily entertainment. Like it's, it's just worth yeah, the risk. Comical entertainment. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's worth the risk to do that. But yeah, anyway, it's a train wreck, friend. Yes, I, I have a few of those on my Facebook that. Uh, and then, then it's always the tough decision of do I get involved in their drama? Like, like it can be entertaining, but at the same time, they can like lash out at you or delete you. Or okay, so sometimes it's better to just watch. Other times, I, I participate. Uh, it's it, it's tough. It's a tough decision. But uh, I, I do I do have certain people on Facebook who just every day it, it's a different crisis. Every day it's like like. They 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 have the worst luck ever in life. They they really like every day is pretty much like a a one in one thousand chance of a bad thing happening to them. And it just happens every day. It's amazing. So anyway, I try to look at the positive sides. So I mean, you've seen it, it's really really hard to get at me with something to where I become vindictive or malicious or anything. That's that's just not me. I try to always see the good and stuff. And you know if. Things didn't happen the way that you wanted them to. It was meant to be for a reason. And, you know, I just try to look at that. And life seems to be a lot easier when you're looking at the positive side rather than the negative. So. Yeah. By, by the way, you said you went on a cruise. Where, where was the cruise to? Which one? <laughs> well, there's the last one. I just went on a cruise. That's why we missed last week. That's why I wasn't here. So the one that we went to this past um, in June, July, we did Labadi Haiti. Um, oh. Mexico, and oh gosh, where was our third place? I didn't know they went to Haiti. That's I would think that's kind of dangerous. So Labadi, um, it's actually on the side. So Royal Caribbean is who we usually cruise with. Um, and is, is that, that the, the cruise to Haiti? The, the cruise to Haiti is that the one where you have to bring five bags of grain when you get off the? the... <laughs> you would think so. I mean, if you're going to the side, yes, but. 
I mean, you don't even need a passport or a visa. I mean, if you were traveling there normally, yeah. Of course not. They don't give a fuck. They got, they've no, got bigger they, problems. They could care People less. want to leave. They don't care if anyone's coming in. <laughs> right. Well, Royal Caribbean actually bought off a part of that just on the coastal area, and they, like, built a beach and made it really, really super nice and really, you know, touristy to just come there and shop and do that kind of stuff. I so, so it's like a reverse Gitmo. Exactly. But they have the largest, uh, not largest, longest um, zip line over water um, called the Dragon Zip Line, which you can Google it or anything. But my husband and I did that. And we, we had a blast. It was probably one of the most fun things we've ever done. It was like $95, probably the best $100 I've ever spent. This that, is a scam. And, I, I was in Alaska and they told me I went on the longest zip line there was. <laughs> but, <laughs> not over water, probably the longest zip how, line. How high, are you over, over how, how high are you over the water? You started up over 500 feet in the air. Um, what? I mean, not 500 feet. Good Lord. Is that right? That, that, God, be, that would be insane. That'd be, I know it's over 500 feet long, but, I mean, it was ridiculous that the length of water. You'll just have to... You'll have no, but to are, are you, like, way water. Are you way above the surface? Like, if you fell in, let's, let's say the zip line broke and you fell in, would you just splash, or would it be like, like you'd be falling a long way and hurt yourself? Well, you start up way up in, like, the mountains area. Like, they have to drive you, like, all the way to, like, the top where you start. You go over, you know, land. And so, I mean, if you fell there, yeah, you'd probably die. But, (laughs) I mean, then when you come over water, I mean, you're up a pretty good ways. But then when you're coasting over it, I'd say maybe 20, 30 feet up. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm the fact checker here. So I looked it up for you. So Mm -hmm. you're correct. You you start at uh, 500 feet above the beaches, yeah, and okay. you will reach speeds of of up to 40 to 50 miles per hour. Yeah, and the uh, the zip line is uh, 2,600 feet long. That's half a mile. That's a pretty. That is a pretty fucking big zip line. That's ha- half a mile. Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it was it was literally like one of the most exhilarating things, and you got done with it, and you're like, really, I only got to do that once. Like, damn it, I want to do it again. <laughs> It kind of it kind of sucks because you want to do it, but that was that was a blast, and we had a lot of fun. And you know, and, oh, the other place that we went to was um, St. Martin. So, in, in St. Yeah. Martin, did you go see the the planes landing uh, at that beach there? Yes, at the beach. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, was, I, I went there last year, St. Martin, and I was actually in in Cozumel. I was actually just there last week, and I was also there four years ago on a cruise. The only thing I don't like about Cozumel is having to, from where the cruise ships port and stop, you have to take that ferry that takes you all the way over to Playa if you want to, like, go do anything, you know, to Playa del Carmen, oh, the an main island. island. Yeah. It's an island. And, you got to get off it somehow, right? Oh, my gosh. Well, I if I would have known, like, how bad it was and how rough the seas were at the time, for me, I, I kind of get, like, seasickness a little bit, which I don't usually on the cruise ship because it's not moving much and we go during the summer when there's, I guess, a lot less waves. But it, with swells, it, it makes me feel horrible. So I was basically almost up-chucking the entire time. We were <laughs> riding this ferry there and back. So that was pretty brutal. Well, you could have rented a car. I, 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 romantic. I rented yeah, a car. I, I, just, I just rented a car there when I was there last week. I rented a car and just drove to where I wanted to go. So In Cozumel? Nice. What are you talking about? Yes. I rented a car in Cozumel and drove to, to, to the other side of the island, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. 
the other side of the island. Yeah, she's talking about leaving the island. Oh yeah, 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 you had to like go from the island of Cozumel. So you basically go across like a little channel. Oh yeah, yeah, I know about that channel. To... Yes, yes, it's it's awful. It's 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 very very. Uh, it oh it is very very it choppy, and pe- people are always uh, puking on that ferry. Yes, I know about that ferry. Yes, it was horrible. So that I can honestly say, I, I would not want to do that again. I would basically just stay on the island of Cozumel. I wouldn't go anywhere else. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, it's funny because I looked that up. I was actually considering leaving the island too because I was I was there four years ago. So I said I'll leave the island this time. They go, oh wait a minute, no, I, I, I saw that ferry. It's it's kind of slow and and everyone gets sick <laughs> on it. So I said, forget it. I'm not doing it. I'm just going <laughs> to rent a car. Well, and the, and my husband thought it would be smart to put me at the top. Um, so that I hopefully I couldn't feel the moving as much, and and we'd sit on the back, and if I had to throw up, I could just throw over the side of the boat, and <laughs> I would feel wait, the wind wait, wait. If you're, and if you're feel better. The, yeah, yeah, on the top, the you top, don't. That's where it moves the most, <laughs> right? Or well, your husband, is, you got to talk to. Your well, also if you're on the top and you you peek over the side, you could like no middle ground. Wait, hold on, hold on. You you could end up puking on someone on the second level. If you, yeah, if you, you could puke all over the everyone on the uh, the trip. Well, the ferry, when you're at the top, so the inner area of the cabin is closed down, and you come up, and then it's open, and you can sit at the back and, like, feel the wind in your face and see the ocean and what you're doing. So he thought it would be wise for me to just kind of, like, sit by the bar on the side and get the wind <laughs> in my face, and if I needed to puke, I could just puke over the rail, basically mm. into the ocean. Yeah, that, that didn't work out so well. I still had to get a bag. I still felt horrible, and, ew, yeah. <laughs> anything, when you're, here's a, here's a pro tip. Like, if you're you're doing anything... And you're making uh-huh. plans in advance about what you're going to do when you puke. It's probably not something you want to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. But he knows I get motion sickness, and he's just a trooper and just totally fine the whole time. So that made me laugh. <laughs> okay. Well, well, thank you, Ashley, for coming on here, and it's good to get to know you. And uh, and I'll, I'll keep you on Facebook now because because this interview went well. I will not delete you. So. And so, sorry to hear you had to go through that whole motorboating experience. It sounds horrible. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, clearly I, boat, I do so well with boats, you know. I guess anything works. You sound like you've, you've gotten over it, and, uh, you know, it's good that you're able to get past that. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Okay. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Ashley. All right. Bye. That was Action Ashley. and uh, Not a stripper. Nope. Confirmed. And, uh, yeah, Jow Poker, apparently you're, you're not going to ride the road to riches by becoming an affiliate there. Who knew? I'm shocked. We... I'm shocked. Hey, did actually, you know what? Did she actually deny that that was a stripper name? Or did she just say, no, everyone just says that to me? Well, yeah, she said someone else came up with it. She didn't say how well she's used it. That, that's, okay. that just wasn't discussed. So, it, But it, I don't think she actually denied it. She didn't. She, it just wasn't discussed. So yeah, I guess technically it wasn't denied. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I want to talk about this, uh, the collector guy, and there, there's still stuff going on as as this show has been running. Yeah, you saw that R.I.P. collector link that was in the chat. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like drama's been happening involving the collector while we've been doing the other interview, and <laughs> he basically said he's leaving. Yes, yeah. See so you later, and you win. I don't think he's going to call in. Right? Well, okay, but he's been he's he still messages me. I think he's still online right now. He was unhappy that the segment with Ashley was going a long time. So okay, here's here, here's what's going on. I want to explain who this guy is and and the whole story. It's it's kind of strange, but here here it is. He contacted me first privately, and he said, I want to post about my collection efforts 
and successful collection efforts, he said, involving poker players who had debts and that he would offer to collect from you know, poker players who owe money that uh, just wouldn't pay for a long period of time for a percentage. And he said, I want to post about this on your site. Can I? He said, I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want to you know, post about this and uh, you know, have you get mad that I'm doing it. So I said to him at first, I said, well, uh, first of all, I, I can't have you as a sponsor here. <laughs> Someone who just, uh, I don't know what collection methods you're using, but uh, first of all, if it's something that involves like violence or threats of violence, we can't have this here at all. If, if it's something that's nonviolent, but still is, is kind of questionable, you know, or something that semi-illegal, whatever, um, if you want to talk about it, fine. You, you can come out and discuss, hey, this is what I do, but, but the site is not going to endorse you in any way, and you're, you're not, you're not going to be a sponsor, and you're not going to be someone I say uh, that I'm backing in any way. But if you want to come out and discuss it, that's fine. So um, so th- that's where it was left. So he went and posted on uh, November 5th, and this is while I was on my cruise. So I, I couldn't – I had the internet on my cruise, but you know, I was on vacation. I wasn't going to sit on the internet all day. So I, I was posting occasionally on Poker Fraud Alert, but I wasn't, I wasn't able to really get that involved in, in this thread, or really any thread during uh, th- this past week. So he started a thread on November 5th called I Collect Poker Debts. And again, he called himself TEH Collector for The Collector. I got super sick of seeing scammers and scumbags not pay their debts. I decided to do something about it and offered to collect some debts legally for some people. So he's claiming he does it legally, which... Uh, it's, it's kind of questionable if that's, but, but it, it does not appear it involves any kind of violence or threats of violence. So I'll give him that. Uh, I'm not a, sh- a show up with hired thugs type of guy. I don't even leave my house. I have successfully engineered multiple paybacks of debts. I will gladly offer two or three references of who got paid as proof and will answer questions. If you have any, I'm fed up with scammers. So he claims he's mainly doing this. Because uh, he he just doesn't like scammers. And so he said that uh, two people that he got money for are people that we've discussed on this show. In fact, even someone we had on the show. One is Mark Klang, who we had on this show. He said that he was the one who got uh, Paul uh, Duglozima, known as Zima421, that he's the one who got Zima to pay. And he said Mark Klang will vouch for that. And he said, Jacqueline Moscow, your favorite here, Calwatt, that uh, she was paid back for uh, OFC debts and that she will vouch for this. So he says, I'm simply very, very, very persistent. I refuse to stop until people are paid. So uh, he says that uh, he hasn't met any of these people in person. He says, I've never met anyone in person, nor will I. He's also very anonymous. He, he will not tell me who he is. Um, he, he's just you know, someone who does everything from his home and, and does not – this doesn't involve any, any violence, but apparently what he does, he's just uh, when, very persistent, what he says, which is kind of code for – he's going to track down everyone involved in your life and also everything, everything involved in your life and just 
be very persistent and make a lot of phone calls and be a huge pain in the ass until you go crazy and go, oh my god, just I want this guy off my back. Fine, I'll pay what I owe. That, that's that's what he's trying to make happen, and 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 I guess has made happen. Uh, and, and I guess he got that uh, with to, to happen with Paul Duglozima, and he got that uh, you know to pay back Mark Lang for that whole blackjack thing, and and also Jacqueline Moscow who was owed money for some uh, open face Chinese money that she won uh, on credit, and then the person owed her and didn't pay, and uh, you know he got her paid as well. Uh, it was uh, very Druff, I've been doing some research on this guy. Yeah, uh, am I allowed to out him? And say who he is. Uh, I, at this time, I don't think you should. But uh, his his initials are T T. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. But uh, and the, the only real question I have is how he's able to be still collecting debts from prison. <laughs> Travel Thomas, remember? Uh, okay. <laughs> he thought- has been on the the good list. He's been sucking dick at the the jail. He gets access to the library computer, and he's <laughs> continuing his debt collection business. That would be funny if that's who it was. But uh, and this guy's uh, his, his renaming is a T, so maybe you're right. So okay, anyway, the, the collector here—that's that, what he does basically. And it was verified to me. Mark Klang and Jacqueline Moscow both did verify to me that this guy had successfully collected debts for them. So the question becomes, this is a moral question. The question becomes, is this right? Is this proper for, for him to be doing? Now, let, let me explain what I mean by that. But first, I'm, I'm going to branch off into a personal story. I'm going to make it all about me. Okay? Uh, some years ago, my girlfriend ran into a Craigslist scammer. Not 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 a professional scammer, but just someone who scammed her on Craigslist out of opportunity. Um, it was surprising the way it went down, too. I, I kind of understand how it happened because it just didn't seem like it was going to go this way. But basically, she she found some furniture she wanted to buy. And it was a pretty good deal from some, someone selling some like slightly used furniture, but obviously much cheaper than it would have been if you bought it in the store. So... She and she was buying this from a woman who seemed like she was you know very professional and had had a good job and uh, you know lived in a rich area. It, it seemed like like the opposite of what you'd ever expect a scammer on Craigslist to be. So she wasn't even slightly suspicious of this. So she went down to buy the furniture and or to pick it up. She she and her brother went down to pick up the furniture and and it was there. And yeah, of course she wasn't going to be so stupid to pay any money with a, you know, without the furniture being there. She wasn't going to show up and give the woman money and say, okay, no, deliver it later. It was, you know, I'll give you the money when I show up and get it. So she shows up and the furniture's there. They, they load it uh, onto the truck. And then my girlfriend notices that two chairs are missing. You know, the deal involved uh, a number of pieces of furniture and, and two of the chairs that were part of the deal were not there. They, they just were not there at all. So she asked... Um, what about those two chairs? And the woman said, oh, you know what? I don't know what happened. We must have not gotten, grabbed those out of the storage unit. I'm so sorry about that. Okay, no problem. Just uh, give me a call. Come by in a few days. I'll have gotten them out of the storage unit. You can just pick those two chairs up. Okay. I mean, it's a, it was two chairs. It was only a small percentage of the, of the whole transaction of what they were worth. You know, who would have thought that this part would end up being a scam? 
So she said, okay. She, my, my girlfriend didn't say, Hell, give, me, give me the money back of what these chairs are worth in the meantime. She just figured, okay, it's a small percentage of the whole transaction. Uh, this woman seems you know, pretty normal. Fine. So she left with everything but those two chairs. Called the woman back a few days later. Hey, you got the chairs for me? Oh, I've been so busy. I couldn't get down to the storage unit. So I'm saying, okay, well, I'll call you back in a few days. Call back a few days later. You got the two chairs yet? Oh, um, yeah, we're probably going to do it next week. Wait, wait, stall, stall, stall. Eventually it became clear to us that these two chairs just didn't exist anymore. I think they once did, but I think they got lost or something. I don't know how you lose two chairs, but whatever it was, this woman just didn't have them anymore. Or maybe they had broken and she didn't want to admit to it. Whatever it was, these two chairs were never going to appear. And it was just a stalling job with more and more ridiculous excuses. And then the woman started to get uppity and arrogant with my girlfriend saying, you know, I'm tired of getting all these phone calls from you. I'm very busy. You know, I'll, when I find them, I'll get a hold of you. They, you know, it's really nasty. When, you know, my, this was what was paid for. This, this was part of what was paid for. It's not like this is a bonus or something. This is part of what was bought and not delivered. So eventually the, the woman just told my girlfriend, you know, stop contacting me. I'm not going to answer you anymore. I will call you when I have those. Tra- and by this point, it's been like, like two months. It's insane. So I said, give this to me. I'm going to take over. And, and I pretty much did what the collector did, except in this case, uh, you know, this was obviously someone very close to me, and I was very 100% aware of what was happening, and it verified 100%. Like the, there was no question that this had occurred, that the, we'd been ripped off. And the, so, so I just went to work on this woman, and I, I, started, um, I started repeatedly calling her. I, I tracked down where she worked and called her at work. I, I tracked down information about her, like that she had, uh, she was going through a nasty divorce and a child, a child custody situation. And I said, "Look, you know, if, if you want, I'm going to, I'm going to contact your ex-husband and his and his attorney, and I'll tell them that what you're doing with your time is, is scamming people on Craigslist. I'll go in court and testify about it." Drough, I'm starting to think that Ashley made a bad choice friending you on Facebook. <laughs> and look, I told her this can all stop. Just give us the. And I came up, we came up with a very fair, fair value for the chairs. That in fact was more generous to her that uh, you know we actually uh, undervalued them just just yeah. it's a very small amount of money we were asking for back and this woman wouldn't do it at first she until i got very very persistent and uh finally uh the, the final straw was when uh, she thought she had gotten rid of me by uh you know she she, it turned out she was switching jobs anyway. Nothing to do with me, but she was switching jobs. So she thought, okay, well, at least I can't find her at work anymore. I, I social engineered her previous workplace into giving me her new information. <laughs> and then I, I called her up at her new work on her, on her direct line there. And she answered the phone. And just all I said to her was, so when am I getting my two chairs? And she just flipped out. She's like, oh, my God, how did you find me here? She, she went crazy. And I said, look, again. I just want either the chairs or what the chairs are worth. And that's it. I'm being very fair here. I just want the money back for what you did not deliver or deliver them to us. That's, it. that's all I want. Just, just, just be a fair person, be, honest, be an honest person, stop cheating us, and I will go away and never hear from me again. And she says, oh, why don't you sue me? Why? I said, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to bother with this for this small amount of money. I said, this is the way I'm choosing to handle it. You chose to cheat us. You chose to cheat, treat us disrespectfully, to lie to us. To, to you know, be rude and nasty to to, you know, to to I said it was my wife. You know, she was my girlfriend. Whatever I said to my wife here, you were you were being you know, rude and nasty about it when it was your fault, 
and, and scolding her for calling you about this. I said, you know, you, you just have to be honest. If you really lost them, say, sorry, I lost them. You know, here's what they're worth. I'll give you this money back. But what really happened here is this woman just, she already had the money in her hands and didn't want to part with any of it. She didn't want to give any money back because she already had it in her pocket and, and just felt like, F you, I'm not giving it. I don't, I don't care if I lost these two shares. I'm not giving anything back. So uh, I, I felt completely justified in what I did because all I was doing was harassing a person who scammed us, who knowingly scammed us and cheated us, into doing the right thing. So could I have sued her? Yes. It would have been a huge pain in the ass, though. So I, I I chose to do it a different way, and and we and she backed down and finally paid. When I was enough of a pain in the ass, she paid the money back. I never made any kind of threats. I never, uh, you know, nothing like that. Never visited her. Nothing like that. Just just like this guy, I, I never left my home. But I I did this though with the full and complete knowledge that a scam actually had occurred, and that I was demanding the money get returned. So. As far as things like that, but also keep in mind, I was not harassing anyone that was close to her. I wasn't calling her mother. I wasn't calling her sister. I, you know, I wasn't doing that either. I was, I was only bothering her directly. And, uh, yeah, I was threatening to contact her ex-husband and the attorney, but not to harass them, but actually to give them helpful information. So I, I never did that, by the way. Because, you know, but uh, I'm, I'm saying that uh, I never contacted anyone in the whole thing other than her. So... Let's compare this here to this collector guy who is is doing something a bit different. And that is, now he says that he does his own investigation to make sure that he's not uh, collecting something that really isn't owed. That that he he needs to be sure that the money really is owed and that the person really isn't paying. So he's not just, you know, harassing an innocent person or harassing someone where there's some kind of dispute, a reasonable dispute of who's right or wrong. Okay. See, he claims he does his own investigation into that and makes sure of that before taking on these tactics. But but the two things that, that could be objectionable here, and, and I'll tell you about someone who really has an objection to him in a second. I already mentioned it earlier in the show. Are, number one, that apparently he, he, he will call people who are associated with that person, you know, family members, neighbors, coworkers, whatever. Uh, and number two... Uh, Without a direct personal connection to it, unless the person has admitted uh, that they were guilty and owe the money, or unless it's 100% obvious and clear that they really do. Like, like for example, uh, take Jennifer Larson of Lock Poker. If he were to find her and screw with her life and just, you know, put, you know fuck with her as much as he could until she started paying back some of the lock poker victims, I, I would think that's fine because every, everyone knows she's guilty. There's no question. Okay. We've, we've seen years of evidence of that. Um, or, or somebody who just admits outright, yeah, I did it. Sorry. And then they just don't pay. Uh, so harassing the person who did it themselves, that's, you know, I think that's fine. If you really know for sure, not just he think it's true, but you for sure, you know, that person is guilty. Much like I for sure knew that this woman from Craigslist was guilty with scamming my girlfriend. As far as calling other people that know them, that that's where it can start to be. Uh, that, that's where it can start to stray from that because um, it, it depends what you're doing. If if you're just making one phone call to various people in their lives, saying, "Hey, you know, the person you know here is a scammer. They're scamming people. Whatever, you know." 
it's, it's a little bit of a nuisance, but at least it's not a, it's, it's not a terrible thing. But if, if you're like, let's say, and I don't know what tactics this guy uses. He doesn't describe his exact tactics, so I can't say what they are. Maybe if he wants to call in, he can tell us. But uh, like, let's say he has figured out that you really care about your girlfriend, but your girlfriend had nothing to do with the scam that you committed or the, or the money you owe. Okay. But you really care about your girlfriend. And he realizes that he can keep calling your girlfriend 50 times a day and harassing her. And because you care about your girlfriend, eventually you're going to say, fine, fine, I'll pay my debts, leave my girlfriend alone. And I think that might be the type of thing he's doing. Again, not with threats or anything like that, but just making anyone's life miserable that, that you know. So he's a fucking telemarketer. <laughs> yeah, so so if those he's fuckers call me all the time and make me miserable. So if he's doing something like that, then then that becomes a problem because at this point, innocent people are getting harassed who don't have anything to do with it. Now, if his girlfriend has some involvement in the scam, or let's say another invo- example is let's say someone's living with their parents and their parents are supporting them, and they're living under their parents' roof, the parents are supporting them, and then they're scamming people from you know their parents' house. There, it's, it's, it's justified to call the person's parents, because the parents, even though they may be a legal adult, the parents do have uh, some responsibility, even if you want to say not legal, you could say at least at very least moral responsibility by enabling this, by you know, basically supporting them and, and letting them live there to enable them to have all day to scam people on the internet. So, you know, say, look, this is happening from your house, you're the one supporting him while he's doing it, you know, you, you're involved now too. That, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense, like oh, just just because you're dating this person, now we're going to harass you, or just just because you're uh, uh, the neighbor of this person, now we're going to harass you, or just because you're the mother of this person, uh, we're going to harass you. That, that that then that starts to become something that's different, and so I, I'll, I'll say at the same time, I can sympathize with the victims because when somebody rips you off in some way. And they just won't pay. And you know they can. You know that they can pay, or at least they can partially pay, and they're just choosing to not pay you. And it can be maddening. You can see them entering high-stakes poker games or, or, or going on expensive vacations or buying uh, other expensive, expensive items, and yet they're not paying you. And, and they're dodging you. And, uh, and it, it, it's very maddening when someone owes you money, and yet legally it's very difficult to force them to pay. Uh, if Yeah. Sometimes, you know, so a lot of times what someone morally owes you and legitimately does owe you, it's, it's hard to prove legally. It can be hard to collect from them. So I can understand in these situations where sometimes if you want to step outside uh, what, what the, the, the traditional legal system to get what's rightfully owed to you, I'm not going to begrudge that, and I've done it myself. Uh, the problem is, or the potential problem at least, is that th- he's a third party who's kind of taking people's words for it and, and then doing this himself, and in some cases it, it could be going after someone who doesn't deserve it, or in some cases maybe he's harassing people associated. So even if the person does deserve it or is guilty, that if the, maybe the people associated with them are, are suffering when they really shouldn't be because they were not at fault. So that's, that's where there can be some problems. On, on the other side of things, you can say, well, uh, look, the, the scammer, he can put an end to all this. He can be the one to just pay up what he owes and put a stop to this and uh you know you've got to feel bad for the people who got ripped off in the first place so so th- there's there's various sides sides to this here um 
he's he's messaging me right now. By the way, he said, uh, I, "I guess Mark Klang appeared on Chicago Joey's show and vouched for him." And if Mark Klang told me too that this, I, I'm no doubt that he collected for Mark Klang, no doubt that he collected for Jacqueline Moscow. These are true. Uh, he said, "If you'd answer me, I'll tell you lots." And he he wants to call in. So so, okay, collector, uh, I see. You've, I, I I accept your request here. In fact, I'm going to add you here, and we can put you on. Apparently, with no voice changer too. Trader Rusker, are you still with us? By the way. Hello. <laughs> That's a good. Do I need Do I need to turn the radio or off or your show? Yes, you do. Are you the collector? Yeah, I am. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, turn, turn the radio off. Okay, yeah. Okay, it's off. Okay, beautiful. Okay, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. so so collector. Uh, for, so before I go on here, and I, I've, you've, you've, I know you've been fighting with our, our sponsor, uh, Eric Benzamok, and the. Uh, I haven't been fighting with him. I don't even know who he is. Well, okay, I guess he, he he's very disgusted with you. He 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 has offered, and he told me this that I should say this publicly, and I will. He has actually offered that. Uh, that if if you do any of your collection a, efforts in the state of California, where where he's an attorney, that that oh. he will represent anyone against you for 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 taking the actions you're taking. He's he's very very uh, unhappy with your tactics and your methods. So, but but before we get to that, uh, can you tell us? Since I was speculating, can you tell me what what do you do to get these people to cough up money? Okay. I'll tell you exactly what I've been doing and the ones I've walked away from. Um, most of them had been referrals through Mark Klang. Uh, there were oh, there was actually only one that wasn't a referral through Mark or Jacqueline. There's one guy who uh, was referred through Mark Klang, and he has me on four separate debts. I trust Mark implicitly with the referrals. I get screenshots text messages screenshots uh facebook messages emails anything that shows that a scam has taken place um a hundred percent of the time it has um after that i i have a little group of uh what's the word i want to use here young hackers it's these kids who like to hack and you throw them 10 or 20 bucks or upgrade them on a forum and they'll just they'll go mad they'll phone someone a hundred times in a day for 20 bucks so i have these kids backing me and they help me find information um i'm a really good doxer if you know what doxing is yes yeah so i do, i'm quite good at doxing i can find information i actually got that lawyer's phone number and phoned him but he denied it was him on the phone so anyway that's a whole other story um and then I get the information, and I just I just start calling and emailing, and I call and I call. Like for example, with uh, Dugluzima, uh, all it took was one call with his mom. I called his mom at her work, and the only thing I ever say is, "Your son owes Mark Klang X amount of money. He needs to pay." Okay. I don't threaten. I don't raise my voice. Nothing. I talk at this level. And I just say that's it. That's all I ever say to anyone. Okay, so so, so here's here's my question for you though. Here's my question. Yes. Um, so you you call someone who's associated with someone else. I'm not talking about the person who who you know the the scammer, but the 
the the person yeah, associated with them. Uh, how often do you or or these kids that you talk about that you give twenty bucks? How often are the associates of them called? Because that that makes a big difference to me. I know it makes a difference, and it's I do it's over the line. I mean, it can be forty fifty times a day. The associates can be called. I mean, we go to town. We get that money. We want that money paid back. And sometimes the guys who owe money don't have a phone. Well, I understand, and this and this is where it. And I've, I've had to decide. I've had to deal with this myself. I'll tell you where I've had to deal with it. It's not even always with scams. I'll sometimes get the you know running a forum like this, which is uh, as you see, there's, there's a lot of. Uh, different personality types on my forum and some some people who uh, are, are not all that stable and including some listeners of the show. I've, I've had some people that just have decided to, to harass me or, or, or do bad things and, and I have to uh, take steps to put a stop to it. And, yeah. uh, and and when I've had to do that, I've, I've sometimes had to decide for myself um, if, if calling them directly or finding out information about them directly if that is not enough, if they still say "f you," I'm still, you know, I'm still doing what I want here, and, and still coming, you know, keep coming at me and and, and doing a lot of uh, harmful things. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about trolling me on the internet. I'm talking about you know real life things that that, that are causing I trouble. Uh, as far as people associating with them, how far is it appropriate to take it? And and uh, if it's someone who, who's supporting them, like the example I gave, they're living with their parents, then 100% I'll call up and say, hey, guess what's going on in your own house? And that's a, I think that's 100% fine. Uh, if, if it's someone, though, who's just associated with them, but I, who I think they may care about getting contacted or knowing what they're doing, um, the most I, I would do and have done is just like sent a message or made one phone call and say, Hey, this is what's going on. And then if the person says, okay, well, I know now, you know, please don't call me again. While it's tempting to think, okay, well, if I just harass this person all day and night, uh, I, I bet this can, they'll, they'll pressure the person that's been harassing me to stop. I think, no, I can't do this because this person doesn't deserve it. They, they didn't cause this. I, I, I've let them know. So, so now they, maybe they can put pressure. Hey, I got this weird phone call. Can you, can you stop whatever you're doing? But, mm-hmm. but when it, once you're actually harassing them with 40, 50 calls a day, then now a new person's being harassed who didn't have to do with it rather than just being informed. I think there's a difference between being informed and being harassed. And uh, now, is what you're doing perhaps effective? I, I believe yes. I, I, and, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I can sympathize with the person you're trying to collect for who legitimately might be owned money. And and might mm-hmm. be owed money by someone who can pay and is choosing not to, and it and it's very infuriating when that happens. And uh, and, and and to them, you know, they, they're tearing out their hair trying to get it to to work. And finally, they go, okay, well, here's a guy who's willing to help and and take some small percentage. I don't care how he does it, as long as he's not you know physically harming anyone or or, or anything like that. Which I know you're not. Uh, great, you know, if if he just makes some phone calls and is a pain in the ass, fine. Uh, but that's that's. I know that's the area that that uh, that the attorney here has has the problem with, and and I, I can understand that too because I, I've, I as I said I found myself in that position, not about debts, but you know about other matters where I have to can, draw the line. Can at, I cut you off for a sec? Yeah. Okay, I just want to say something regarding hassling associates. Um, out of the X number of debts I've gone after and successfully collected. Only once have I ever gone past 
just the guy who owes and the parents. Um, usually, it's just focused on the guy who owes and the parents. Because truthfully, when you place one call to someone's mom, they'll pay. Because nobody wants their mom called. The only one I've gone over the line with, and I mean I went over the line and phoned everyone. Do you know the name Brian Moon? I, I saw that being discussed. I don't really know who he is, but I, I, I saw that being discussed. Brian, Brian has scammed and stolen and done really evil things to people to the tune of a million dollars-ish, but he's also personally affected a lot of uh, women who he's dated and, you know, physically, mentally, financially. So with him, I pushed it harder. Um, and I'm going to keep pushing it on O'Brien. Um, beyond that, I haven't gone... I haven't gone ape crazy on anyone else. Now, you said before uh, on the forum, you said you're an older guy. You said that. Yes. Uh, and I'm in my 50s. You're in your 50s. Okay. So, yes. and, and you said something about having some kind of health problems. You don't think you're going to be alive in five years. Is that, is that true? I No, it's not. I won't think. I won't be alive in five years. So. Um, I have, the minor parts are, I have Parkinson's. I have a heart that functions at about 50%. Uh, just. A lot of physical issues. I see. So, so, so now, aren't you worried that if, if you uh, if you get involved in, in these sorts of things and, and you get in some, some kind of trouble, aren't you worried that this would be uh, tough to deal with uh, in, in your current physical state if you have to deal with uh, any kind of legal issues? Oh, I just I just plead out. I plead guilty. <laughs> I've been, I've been to prison six times. What have you been to prison for? All all uh, assaults. When I was young. I uh, got many, many, many fights. I see. Now, I'm detecting a, a Canadian accent here. Will you confirm I'm that you're Canadian. from Canada? I'm from Vancouver. I, it's the, I said on Chicago Joey's show my first name and where I'm from. I don't really care if people find out who I am. My first name is Trent. I'm from Vancouver. I live in the Kitts area. I mean, if you got live players from Vancouver listening on this show, they'll know my voice. So, so you play uh, live poker in Vancouver? I don't anymore. I see. So you're, you're not that concerned with being found yourself. Now, aren't you worried that maybe some people will use your own tactics against you? What are they going to do? Well, I have I, no family. I. Whoops. Sorry. Hang on a second. I have no family. They're all gone. I'm an only kid. My parents are gone. As far as friends, whatever, you know. They want to go after my friends. That's their choice. But there's just nothing to go after. I have uh, a stipend from the government for my medical. I mean, it just covers groceries and rent, basically. There's no money to go after. You can't sue me. I don't have anything. I don't have any assets. You know, I don't own a house or anything. There's literally nothing mm. to come after me for. Well, and if they show up and want to beat me with a bat, what do I care? I'm done soon anyway. <laughs> well, this is a, an interesting, unique situation. Uh, it, it's like, you know, I, I can totally understand both sides of this, to, to be honest. Uh, but And I already said the one pro- that the main problem I have with, uh, with some of the tactics here. And, you know, you had asked if you could post on my site. And I said, okay, you know, th- I think this is... Uh, 
worth, you know, a worthy discussion topic if you want to bring this out here. Like, I don't like telling people you can't come on my forum and uh, sure. and discuss such and such thing. You know, like, I, I pretty much let people discuss uh, about anything. I, I just don't let blatant spamming. Like, if, but yeah. uh, but you know, it seemed like you, you had a, a story, and whether people agree with what you're doing or or, or think it's terrible. Uh, yeah, I said, okay, that's fine. You, you want to just come out and discuss it, you can. Uh, to make it clear for all the listeners, and I, I'm not saying this in like in a wink-wink, nudge-nudge way. I'm saying this seriously. This is not someone who's who's sponsoring the site or sponsoring the show, who I endorse in any way. This is someone, I don't, I don't know him. I've said, you know, he asked, can I post what I've been doing out here on the forum? And I said, yes, because it's, it's a free speech environment and people can uh, come out and tell their story if they want, whether it's uh, you agree with their lifestyle or, or their choices or their actions or not. But, uh, you know, and why are we discussing it on this show? Well, it's, 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 it's been a big topic on the forum over the past week or so. And I think it's something that uh, people listening to the show would, would want to hear, especially we talk about scammers all the time and, and how difficult it is to, get money from them, but we don't really discuss very much. And I've said before, I've given people advice myself as far as collecting from people who rip them off, and I've talked about being persistent and constantly, you know, not, not just letting them go and say, hey, you know, pay me when you when you get around to it or when you finally get some money. You, you, you've got to really hound them. So I'm, I'm a big proponent in, in hounding people and even can, making life inconvenient or difficult for those that owe you money that are purposely not paying. Uh, but we've never really discussed on here how far it should be taken when it comes to third parties associated with them. It's just a, a discussion topic we haven't had here, and I thought it was something that was uh, worth discussing, especially because you've you've done this and uh, and been successful in, in collecting debts. But but at, you know at what price and and did it's, it's some people receive harassment who who didn't deserve it? And and I would say you know in some cases yes. Now calling someone. As far as how I feel, I think you know, calling someone's mom and saying, "Hey, by the way, you know, I want to let you know your your kid owes a lot of money. He's been scamming people on the internet." I think that's different. That's that's giving information. That's as long as what you're saying is true. It's a hundred percent true. And Clang and Moscow will vouch that that's as far as I go. I just provide information. There has never been a threat made. Okay, that's no. I, I believe you're not making threats, but uh, I, I don't know for sure. But I, I I believe that it's my gut feeling. I'm just saying that when it comes to like hammering someone with calls who who's not the one who did it, or in yeah. some case, or if there's uh, a case where maybe you were misled, and I'm not saying this has happened, but I, I think it it's a, has a potential to happen where you could be misled in some way that that someone someone owing money is more clear-cut than it really is. Maybe there was some kind of dispute, but uh, in reality, it's it's not clear-cut of if the money's really owed, where, whereas the person is claiming... Like, like, like for example, you know, someone someone plays some open-faced Chinese game on, on, on an app, and then uh, th- they have decent reason to believe they were cheated. They don't have 100% proof, but it's not just a, a conspiracy like they're just inventing so they don't have to pay. And I'm not referring this to Jacqueline Moscow. I don't think she's cheated anyone. I'm just saying that uh, um, like, like something like that where you can say, okay, I can see both sides of it. I can see now why this person is, is skeptical of this, given such and such information, so it's not Let totally clear. Let me take off for a second. Yeah. Off. The guy who cheated on uh, the app the Chinese app. There was a big thing on two yeah. plus two about him. Yeah. What's his name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, whatever. We'll call him Ronaldo. Anyway, 
Ronaldo got a hold of me. He wanted me to chase some death for him. But uh, he's an arrogant idiot. <laughs> like, he is. I hope no one pays him. Well, we, we talked about him a good deal on the show. Uh, and- That's the guy from Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. I, I yeah. yeah, like with him, I was really on the fence what his story was. Like, I, I didn't think that Jacqueline Moscow had cheated people from the whole thing when I listened to it, yeah. but, uh, but, but his, I was kind of on the fence. I, I did see some, like, from the other side, I, I could understand in that video he put out, uh, to state his case wasn't really very convincing. Yeah, well, as long a, as he never, as long as he never makes another video, I don't really care what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, was a terrible, it was, it was a terrible video, but, uh, but, but that aside, it also wasn't very convincing. It just it, it, it attempted to make it look like it was convincing, but it, I, I wasn't convinced, and uh, I wasn't convinced the other way. I wasn't when it, when I looked at the whole thing. I said, you know, I, I could believe that he was cheating, and I could also believe that he wasn't. I, it's a, it was kind of a toss up. So like that's a good example. Since he, I know you ended up not helping him because he thought he was arrogant, but yeah. that was that was oh. a good that was a good example of something where. Either way, it's kind of hard to tell, but on the surface, if it's ex- explained to you in one way, it really could look like a sore loser just not paying, and, and then that person would get harassed when maybe they, they have a good reason not to pay. So, Well, I, I don't know if you've seen the most recent post, but I'm actually leaving your forum um, because I'm only doing this now through people who are either referred by Mark Klang or vetted through Mark Klang. Um, it's just I got some inquiries and uh, some trash talk and this and that, and I'm just uh, the inquiries were sketchy and the trash talk. I don't care. Like I just don't have any need for that. I it, you know I can take it or leave it as far as this job goes. You know, so I just decided to t- get away from doing this publicly and just do it for Mark. Uh, you know, in a referral or a vetted method. But I want to add something else here, Jeff, for you. This is specifically for you. Yes. I, I genuinely appreciate what you've done. You've benefited nothing from this. You just let me post, and I appreciate that. Now, I have a sideline business whereby if someone is being online bullied or can prove a situation, which I will explain right away, in life, I will deal with the party who is bullying them. And I want to explain this situation because this is, this is in my city and this is, this happened. A, a woman I know was domestically abused. And when I say abused, I'll send you the pictures of her. She was beaten to a pulp. Anyway, it went through court and the guy got nothing. He got, he just literally laughing at her, laughing at her. So anyway, I did some things to him and sent them out to many people and his work and everything. And he got, uh, he was, he's actually uh, a small bit actor and he was sponsored by a company and he's not sponsored anymore. And uh, I haven't seen him have any roles. And I purposely put a dent in his life because of what he did to her and laughed about it. How did you know, how did you know this woman? Where do you know her from? Oh, I've known her for years. Okay. Yeah, it's just someone I've known a long, long time. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a different story. If, 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 like, if you knew that there's somebody who, uh, you know, someone you're close to who was, you know, really harmed by somebody else, and then you've decided to, 
take some action to to give some justice to someone that uh, you know deserves it that somehow didn't get that justice to the court system that's fine i'm not not going to uh, criticize that and in in this case you know some wife beater or something who got off there and you wanted to help your friend by screwing screwing with the guy's career and then were successful okay great you know that's uh yeah but the reason i said that is because if i'm gonna shoot i'm gonna shoot you my email through private message and if somebody ever fucked with you like you were talking about just shoot me a message if ever you need a hand okay because you were good to me so you know all right. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, so, I, I don't know. You can stay on the forum or leave if you. That's that's up to you. I don't. I don't ever beg anybody to stay. And, and uh, oh, you know, no, provided no. people follow the, the rules here, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't throw them off. So, but but the question for you is, wh- why are you leaving? Just because there's no reason for me to stay public because I'm just doing it through Mark Lang. Okay. There's just no reason to be on forums or anything. It was my personal mistake going on Chicago Joy's podcast because and starting a Twitter account because stuff just poured in and I just want to limit what I do because like I said one guy who uh, Mark referred me to he's got four or five himself that he wants to be chased down so I have enough work that way well okay, I, I've got, I've got I to say this it, it's it's uh if you're going to do this, this probably is the better way because eventually it's going to happen if you take enough of these, especially through strangers, that yeah. you're, you're going to end up going after someone who's innocent, that, that a convincing case is made to you that someone is uh, has done something wrong when they really haven't or where it's kind of marginal to where you really shouldn't be getting involved. So I'm Absolutely. Not, and I'm not, I'm not talking about you know, obvious scams or obvious uh, welchings or, or, or refusing to pay loans. Like, I'm not talking about stuff like that where, where you can look at it and say, okay, it's about 100% that uh, the other person's at fault. I'm, I'm, but eventually you're going to run into one where a very convincing case is made to you and then you find out later that uh, you were just being used as a tool to harass someone that yeah. they didn't like. And, that's, and that, that, I, that I will happen after enough that. of these. And that's my mistake for making myself that public. And I regret it. And that's why I'm just going through Mark now. I trust Mark and I have no concerns going through him. Like, for example, did you see the post on the forum about the guy who tried me to go after an 84-year-old woman for a debt? No, I, see, I, I didn't get to... F- Oh. I didn't get to the, all of that. Yeah, I was, he, I've been. He uh, he got a hold of me and he wanted me to chase this eighty-four-year-old woman for a seventeen thousand-dollar debt. Wait, wait, so, wait, someone someone on my forum did that. Yeah, I'll, do you want me to find the name? You you can I, send you can send it to me privately. I want to see send this it privately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he, he and then he messaged me again, and he said uh, because I just flat refused. And he goes, I'd like you to reconsider. He goes, because so-and-so from so-and-so place uh, is perfectly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She moves around lots. She's perfectly healthy for 84. She plays bingo, bets on the horses, and drives her own car. Like, that's supposed to make me chase an 84-year-old woman? <laughs> well, see, so. that's, that's the problem here. This, this is the slippery slope. I, I'm, I'm glad you didn't choose to harass the 84-year-old woman, but that's. No. Uh, I'm just saying that this is the problem is that uh, eventually uh, something's going to be run into that uh, to, to where it shouldn't have been done. And, uh, and, and in addition, you know, it's some of the tactics here I can't uh, say I, I fully agree with, but 
anyway, that's that's the uh, that's the story here. So, so you're not you're not concerned about uh, about the the lawyer who's sponsoring our, the site that that he's uh, unhappy and that he would actually uh, help sue you I, in, in California. If I know you're not in I California, can, but gar- I can guarantee, goddamn tea, I will never pursue anyone in California. Okay, well, he has he has my word on my dog. On that. So, so why is that? Why, why are you? Uh, the, I thought you're not worried about lawyers. So why, why are you backing off of California? And I, I'm not trying to change your mind, but no, 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 no. Because he's a sponsor of your forum, and I just don't want to get a bad vibe going for your forum. Oh, I see. So, so you're doing this. So, so you're actually doing this for for uh, for poker fraud alert that because he's a sponsor, you're actually uh, you, you're you're keeping this out of California. You're, the state of California has been uh, has a relief. They have a get out of. Uh, Harassed free card from you, yeah. The whole, the whole state you've been really good to me, so of course. Okay. So well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, this this has been uh, a unique uh, situation here, and uh, I, I do thank you for coming on the show and sure. explaining yourself. And uh, and uh, any other questions? Uh, Cal, what do you have anything? No, the only thing I can think of is it reminded me I've got a, a buddy of mine who used to be in the Hell's Angels. Yeah. And uh, someone was, uh, nothing really ended up happening, but something that could have been a problem. And he's like, he's sitting at a bar talking to me. He's like, look, man, just say the word. I know cool. people who, lo- who like hurting people for fun. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually have a really good friend in the Hell's Angels. And yeah. I, you know, he knows exactly what I do. And yeah. I said, I said, what I do isn't scary. I said, what you do is scary. And he said, no, it isn't. He said, the person with nothing to lose is the scariest. That's actually yeah. true. That is true. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I've, I've run into that before. I, that's the pro- I've run into that before myself with, with, with ones who, you know, who, who've, I've had to deal with that uh, sometimes are people with nothing to lose and nothing going on. And, uh, and I think, okay, well, how do I put a stop to what they're doing if if uh, they have nothing to lose and they don't really have anything going on that that I can uh, I could cause problems for them with and it's it, it, yeah. it I'll sometimes find things you know but it, it, you have to dig very deep to find it and then sometimes with some people there's just about nothing so yeah. so that, yes that that could be that can be very difficult to deal with and uh, so I guess you're on the other end of the of the one who. Uh, it doesn't fear the consequence of, w- of what you're doing here, but well, there's just a, there's no reason to. I mean, I got nothing. I'm going to be gone soon. There's just you know, it is what it is. This okay. is my life. Well, uh, now how, how did you get on Chicago Joey? Was it through Mark Lang recommending it, or how, how did that happen? Oh, no, I, I just phoned in because I thought it'd be cool to phone Chicago Joey. I didn't actually expect to get on. Oh, okay. So and then next thing you know, I'm on there and like, holy fuck! What, what did Chicago Joe? What was his opinion of this whole thing? Nothing. He just kept saying, "Does he have a producer or something who must be off screen?" Because he kept saying to some guy, "Are we violating terms of service?" <laughs> he just kept saying that over and over. So, well, I'm, I'm glad we don't have a terms of service to violate here. Otherwise, <laughs> we we would have violated that like a million times over. Yeah. So well, it's been off being on here. And like I said, you ever need anything, I'll give you an email you can shoot me at. So. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Sure, buddy. All right. Take care of yourself. All right. Good night. All right. That was that was the collector, T T E H collector, and uh, 
I, I, I wonder if uh, I, I don't know if, if uh, Eric Benzamokin, our uh, attorney sponsor here, I, I don't know if he has uh, changed his mind at all. Um, I, as I say, there, there's some things that are in this guy's arsenal that, that I still don't agree with in, in the way he does things. Um, I don't so much, and, 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 and as a, I also explain that I'm also sometimes worried that perhaps someone who's supposedly a scammer or supposedly someone who owes money really doesn't, and then that could be a problem. So that's that's the that can be the issue here. The and that's different than taking action for your own personal things or or things that are from someone who's very close to you where you know for sure it has occurred and you're just trying to get justice in some way. So those those are my problems here. But uh, uh, you know what I want to do, Druff? Yeah. Do you do you get a lot of those fucking robo calls? <clears throat> yes. And they're so annoying now because they're uh, they're spoofing the uh, your local uh, cell phone carriers. So it looks like it could be coming from someone near you, and it's just so irritating when they call it. We got to figure out some way to like sick this guy on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get this. In fact, get when, him to hire his script kitty buddies to just fucking harass the shit the, out of those guys. When when I get phone calls and I see the caller ID is something with my phone numbers same prefix and just the different last four digits i don't even answer because i know what it is yeah the, the the problem is that i i get a decent number of them that have like my local area code and some local um cell phone number prefixes that are here and i get a decent number of calls from people that i legitimately have to answer that can come up that way they're not always in my phone and it's just really irritating all i do now is whenever one comes in i just hit the button and you just don't say anything. And if it's one of those robocalls, they'll just hang up. <laughs> and if it's actually a person, they'll be like, hello? And you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. you know. But it's irritating as shit. And it's illegal. I don't understand how they're doing it. I guess they just haven't been caught. That's the problem. And he, Well, here's, here's how it's happening. Some of these are originating from other countries. Uh, and it's very hard to tell where they're originating from because they're voice over IP calls. It's, it's so easy to get... Uh, Subscriptions to voice over IP services, or even ha- you have your own that uh, can make these calls super cheaply and from anywhere in the world. And it's, it's not like in the old days where you could just trace a phone number. You know, reported law enforcement they trace the phone number and, and they locate the person to a physical address. So you, it, it's not like that anymore. So, so it, it's really become a huge problem because we have this. Uh, first of all, it's super easy to spoof caller ID, which it, that could be fixed. But uh, for whatever reason, they don't seem to be uh, wanting to change anything with that. It would require uh, a lot of change in, in, in switching equipment. That would be, I guess, such a large task among all telephone switching equipment that it would be uh, nobody wants to do it. So it's too easy to spoof caller ID is the first problem. The, the second problem is that it, it's too easy to get a phone number anywhere in the world, no matter where you are. So you could be in India and come and you know easily get a local phone number of anywhere in the U.S. So it's uh, it, there really isn't a solution. In fact, I made fun of this. I think it's still up. It's on, I think it's on ToddWitellis.net. Let me see. Yes, there there is actually a ToddWitellis.net. I think if you go there, I think you'll see. I made fun of a contest the 
FTC had. Yeah. Just go to toddwatellis.net and you'll see an article called the $25,000 MS Paint Picture. And I wrote this uh, about three and a half years ago. And it was about the uh, FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, robocall challenge, where they had a challenge where they'll give a $50,000 cash prize for anyone who could come up with a working solution to stop the robocall problem. And I thought at first, oh, that's that's a good idea. This, you know, instead of the government spending super inefficiently as it always does, here they're giving a relatively small amount of money, fifty thousand, a small amount of money to them, to the government. That's a tiny drop in the bucket, but to to people who might need that money or or might uh, like to have that money, um, maybe just putting out a contest where you, you can have thousands of people working at it, you can get someone who can come up with something very innovative and good. And to them, the fifty thousand will be great, and and to the FTC, it's it's almost nothing that they're spending here. So that's uh, I thought, wow, what a great idea. Well, the problem is they were offer they were asking for a solution to a problem that could not be solved with the current technology. So no matter what people came up with, it was not going to work. <laughs> so that, I wonder. I wonder if they spent more than fifty grand just reviewing the fucking. Potential yeah. submissions. Well, if, if you read this blog you know, after after you're off the radio, it, it's, it's actually funny of what won <laughs> uh, and, and and what they presented the public. And keep in mind, this is public money this, that's being awarded here. This wasn't a private foundation. This is the FTC. Mm. Uh, they, they gave very little information about the winners, other than this, like these. One of them was like a lame MS Paint picture that looked like it took about five seconds to make, and th- that was one of the winners. And, and the other one was uh, was something else that was like an existing product that still didn't really solve the problem fully and, and, and could create other problems. It was kind of creating like a telephone. The second one was like creating like a telephone capture where it calls up and says, uh, you know, if you really – like if you're not on the white list of callers, then you have to answer a question. Like if you really know this person, uh, you know, what is their middle name? It's something you have to answer that you would – to know about them, but then you could it, it could prevent uh, people from getting through who don't know you that well. So there, there just there just was no way to do this with since caller ID can be spoofed so easily, and there's no way to stop that with the current telephone switching technology. That there's no way to stop robocalls. There's just no way if that, if that's going to be the case, and any way you try to figure out around that is going to create other problems. So they, they, they were offering $50,000 for a solution to a problem that can't be solved. So that that's the government I know and love. Um, you got to go... Uh, there's that chat bug where someone's coming in and out. Oh, okay. That's, that's another gotta deal with bug that. I know. Yeah, the, Dupe Samaritan has this... You know, this Dupe Samaritan guy, and I, and I like him, and he's been on the show before. But I'll tell you this. Uh, he seems to have a lot of issues... With his system or his computer, whatever he's using to access this. Uh... No, 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 no. What? We're not going to blame this on him. We're going to blame this on this old piece of shit chat software. Okay. Well, no, no. Let me let me tell you. I, there's, it's more than this, though. It's not. It's not just this. There was something else I found with him a few years ago. Before I put in some uh, some ways to prevent uh, DDoS attacks. Which, which, you know, now have been part of the site for a few years. He was actually the one who kind of caused me to do it, and I don't think he did this on purpose. But 
I, I started having these problems where the server was getting super slow, and I and so and I th- and I thought is someone DDoSing the site or DOSing the site? So I, I I looked into it, and I saw that there was someone who was accessing the radio show MP3 files. Like repeatedly, really, really, really fast, over and over and over and over and over again, and it was bogging down the server. And I took that IP address that was doing it and looked it up against the forum users, and dupes the merit and was the guilty party. And it turned out that uh, he wasn't doing this on purpose. There was just something in the way that he was, uh, you know, attempting to download. I think even his system was automatically trying to download the files or whatever, whatever it was. It was screwing up big time, and, and it, it had the effect of uh, of the equivalent of a, of a DOS attack. So since then, I, I put something in that prevents this. I won't go into what I've done, but it's this uh, now when this happens, it, it, it gets stopped automatically. But, but now, now he's in the, ch- the the chat going, you know, in, out, in, out, in, out, and it keeps giving the message. You know, he entered, he left, he entered, he left, he entered, he left. So it scrolls the chat. So yeah, it, but I've seen that happen too. I know it's not just him. I, I know some other people have been stuck that way too. The, the chat is a piece of crap. But if, if for some reason, it's always him. Not not always him, but I mean, for some reason, he he seems to be. It, it seems to involve him when when there's all these type of things. But I don't think this is him doing it on purpose. I don't believe he's screwing with us here. I just think that. Uh, and it could be a coincidence, but he, he was one of these people that was, I believe, unintentionally bogging down the server a few years ago and actually made me write something to uh, to prevent that. If, if, it's always things like that, that that make me make modifications to, to Poker Fraud Alerts. It's always when people do things, or whether intentionally or unintentionally, that, that make me have to change something to make it either more secure or make it easier to undo damage. Like there is a person, I won't say who he is. Some people know who it is, who is a radio listener, but he was on the forum briefly and people liked him at first, but then people started to troll him and he kind of had a freak out and decided to delete every post he had made on the forum. And he actually went back to every single post he made in the past and edited them all. just like a period. And that was really annoying because then it it killed the context the context of a lot of threads because you'd go through them and all of a sudden you know what he says is now just a period and then people are responding to him you don't understand what they're responding to so the way I feel about the poker fraud alert forum is that once you've posted something it, it's part of the forum and it's going to stay there. Now, if you, if you nicely ask me, if you want me to remove something you've posted and you have a good reason for it, and you nicely ask me, I will do it for you. But uh, if you just want like everything you've ever written off the forum, I'm, I'm not going to do it for you. I just, uh, you know, you, like, you know, you can't take someone with, with thousands or even hundreds of posts who say just delete everything I've written because you're part of a conversation, and I can't just remove that part of it. It won't make sense anymore. The problem is, I found out that V Bulletin, which is our forum software, has no way to just revert people's edits like that. You can't just say, hey, this guy edited 300 posts today, revert them uh, to before he did that. There was no function to do that. But I found that it did have a history function, that it actually kept a history of what was in each edit. So it, it was phys- technically possible to do it, but, but V. Bolton just had no way to do it. 
So I actually uh, had to th- think of and kind of yeah, figure out a, the, the database query to uh, to do this, to accomplish this. So uh, an idea, and then I actually posted it on a vBulletin uh, forum for anyone else who <laughs> needs to undo something like that. Because I had seen some other people had requested it. Like, yeah, hey, like they also had users that had freaked out and done this. So... I actually t- I told this guy recently. I said, you know, I wrote in this feature because of you. And I actually I actually put I actually linked him to the V Bulletin forum where I told others how to do this. And I said, this is all because of you that I I undertook this little challenge. So anyway, but you know that that story you're talk or talking about with the uh, cell phone numbers, yeah, and uh, the robocalls and everything. It reminds me of. Um, so I think I told you I did uh, some time at the. Uh, you did time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at the Silicon 500 things, like a venture capital startup thing, right? And there are all these different groups there that everyone's got their own little idea, their own little tech project, and they're kind of working on it, and they're all bright-eyed, you know, thinking they're going to change the world and everything. And I don't know about you, but I, I tend, to, especially with my friends these days, I talk more via text than I talk on the phone. And one of the pitches, uh, okay, so let me back up. One of the things that they do at the Silicon 500 thing is they get up there and they pitch their product. And they're basically practicing for pitching in front of investors and all that kind of stuff. And this one uh, uh, young girl gets up there, young lady, whatever, gets up there and she starts pitching her product. And basically her idea is in uh, business to uh consumer marketing via text message right yeah and i'm I'm hearing her like give this pitch on this thing about how you know customers can be directly engaged i mean it's basically you know email spam but but via text yeah i was gonna say that sounds like spam to me yeah it's yeah and it's that's like the one refuge that i have like my email box is fucking polluted with spam all over the place and I get these robocalls all the time, but text messages are, are pretty good. Like I yeah. never get any. Right, I don't that. get much either. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just uh, watching her give this pitch, and I'm just thinking in my head, God, I hope she fucking fails. <laughs> like, please, <laughs> nobody fund this fucking thing. You know? Yeah, that that would be how awful. horrible would that be? If you started getting all of these robo uh, text messages, yeah, it, it would be terrible. It's yeah, and that'll probably come soon enough to where we start getting a lot more uh, text. Well, I don't spam know because the cell phone carriers have to have to pay for it, and they they probably have a vested interest in not letting it happen. No, but I am getting a, I'm getting probably two to three a week now. Really? Yeah. Like what kind of shit are you getting? Like penis enlargement shit, or no, like sports. Sports hmm. uh, things and yeah, I, some, I was getting what, a few sports things. It's funny though, I. I was getting a few sports ones, but I was also getting a f- around the same time getting sports phone calls that where, th- where they're asking me to, uh, you know, this live guys. Be some kind of like service you guys signed up for or something. I never got any. Well, I don't know, but but like, I get these guys calling me up who who I never gave my number to, and say, hey, can I speak to Todd, please? And, yeah, and it's like Americans. It's not uh, it's not foreigners, and they say, hey, I'm calling, and it's like a seven zero two number from Vegas. And you know, hey, I'm calling from such and such uh, sports touting service, and you know, we we can give you some great picks. And I, I, 
I just shut them down. How do you get my number? Oh, they are on a list of people that we think would be interested. And so, uh, so, so I, I, I immediately somebody, tell them so, some something you signed up for sold your number. Well, it's something where it could have yeah. even it could have even been stolen from from a casino yeah, records. Yeah, who knows? So, so I, I just tell them stop calling me. I don't want this. Do not call me again. And so, like around, I, I got a few of those. And finally, like on the second or third call, where I really gave it to them for still calling me. Not only did the call stop, but the text stopped too. So, so, uh, well, that's good. You but, finally got taken off the list. Well, I, I had, uh, I, I have had some aggressive companies. These are companies in the U S and some are legitimate companies, not even like, you know, some of them really have, uh, uh, sizable companies that I'm surprised were doing this. I, I was getting cold calls trying to, to get me to, uh, be involved in certain, uh, businesses that they were, uh, business opportunities or whatever. And, and I had to, in, in one case, I had to really go off on them and really threaten that I was going to make a lot of trouble for them if they didn't stop calling me. I start getting these answers like, oh, well, well, we'll make our best effort or we'll, we'll take you off our list. It can take 48 hours. And if it's still a problem, give us a call. I said, I already went through this. You guys are still calling me. Oh, well, let us know again. I go, no, no, no. This is going to stop now. Yeah, I should have had this collector guy screw with him. That's that's what I should have had. But but I, I had to like I, I I had to really like hammer it into them that I'm going to be like the biggest thorn in their side, and that that they're just going to regret ever having called me if they don't get these stopped. And then they got it stopped. So, uh, but it, it, you know, it used to be when it was real people that were calling you to do this telemarketing stuff. You could do uh, Louis C.K. and just start masturbating on the phone or something. You know, make them uncomfortable until they leave you alone, take you off the list. But now. These robocalls, I mean, Druff, they don't give up. Oh, yeah, those I don't you know, even try. They, they, those they I don't try to stop. And I, I start jerking off and try to make them feel <laughs> uncomfortable, and they don't care. Those I don't even try to stop. Those I just uh, <laughs> I just don't answer. Like, the, the thing is, though, a lot of them are, are since they do this prefix thing, like, I'm not going to say my phone number out here, but let, let's say my phone number was, uh, you know, 213 546 7890. Okay. Um, if I see any call coming through with two one three five four six and then four other digits, then yeah, I just yeah, I just don't answer because I don't know anyone else with that exact prefix. So so the chance of it being a legitimate call is very small. Now where it gets a little tougher is if you're getting a call from a, a home looking phone number or a business looking right. phone number, like like in your area wherever you live in the U.S. You know, there's yeah, those an are the ones I got to answer. Yeah, okay, I do get business right. calls. Right, You're like like an area code and prefix for like if you were to get a home phone, there'd be like one of a few prefixes they could assign you, and uh, and, and businesses in the area they're going to have one of those few prefixes too, and so the problem is yes, when you get those, then it could be one of many things from lo- your local area, and those you need to answer. But fortunately, I haven't gotten those. I've been getting like the fake cell phone prefixes that match that match my cell phone prefix, so I just don't answer them. So, but yeah, it's a pain. Well, I still, I still think we should sick this uh, collector guy <laughs> on those fuckers. Okay, so since, since I mentioned our, our sponsor Eric Benzamok, and uh, he also gets involved with a uh, poker death situation, but uh, in a very different way and uh, in in a completely legal way because he's an attorney and he can actually be one to help decide. Who is in the right and who is in the wrong if you have any kind of legal dispute or or debt dispute or anything where where you think someone owes you money or someone thinks you owe them money and uh, no one can come to an agreement and you need a neutral third party to help who uh, who's qualified to do so. And uh, he is our sponsor and uh, 
as I've said before, he really is the perfect man for that job. And for more detail, here is the spot. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew, and it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money or if they think you owe them money, he's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally, and he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California. You can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar, and he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he, he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your dispute. So you're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then he can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin. Eric at eblawfirm.us. I meant to mute Skype during this, and then I noticed that Skype was not muted. But I I thank you for not uh, making obnoxious sounds during this commercial. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I always do that, man. No, I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just saying I'm not gonna you, mess with your sponsor. No, no, I'm just saying I'm I'm glad you no, I usually mute it anyway in case something accidentally happens. But I, I, I uh, thought I hit okay. mute and then I, I came back. I, I this was actually perfectly timed to play this ad because I it was kind of in the middle of the show, so I got to go to the bathroom and take a break and uh you know, have my, my two and a half minutes of, of not talking, so I walked out of the room, I come back and go, Oh crap, I, I, I muted myself but I didn't mute Skype and I thought, oh my god, what what if just what if obscene things are happening in the background when you thought you were muted but we're not? Oh come on! I had if a, there's uh, anything obscene going on, I'm going to make sure it gets on air in the proper form. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see what else we have here. This is we're only through like three topics here, and uh, oh, uh, beer and poker. I, I don't want to go too long with this topic right now, but. Um, he said, "Beer and poker." Asked Druff, "What are your thoughts of Kershaw losing to 
Max Scherzer for the Cy Young Award. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think Kershaw deserved it more. He he was out for some time with injury, uh, but Scherzer. I, I think they don't like to give it to Kershaw like every year because they. Uh, and I know Scherzer's won it recently too, but I, I think that the more variety they can give, even if it's variety between two guys that they feel like they want to do that. It's it's kind of like the manager of the year, I, I felt. Even though Dave Roberts made some mistakes in, in the World Series, I thought during the regular season he definitely deserved manager of the year. But instead, uh, Lovello of, of Arizona got it in the National League. And again, it's because I, I, I think because Roberts got it last year, they wanted some variety, so they found someone else they could give it to, who also did a good job. So... Yeah, that's the way it goes in baseball. It's not super important. You know, it'd be nice to have seen Kershaw win it again. But Kershaw, he he did give up a lot of home runs during the year. That was his one kind of Achilles heel. So uh, this wasn't his best year. He still had an excellent year, and I still think he should have won the Cy Young. But uh, the home runs were a little bit concerning. So... Let's see here. Let's move on to the next topic we have on our list. Did I? Oh, I lost the agenda. I lost the agenda already. Well, I know. I know what the next piece is because I did not lose the agenda. We are going to talk about the congratulations to Chris Ferguson, <laughs> the World Series of Poker Player of the Year, sponsored by Kings Casino, where they do not ply you with drinks to take your money. Yes. People were concerned during the regular World Series, as I call it, or I, I guess I'd more call it the real World Series, the World Series of Poker at the Rio in Las Vegas. I, I never considered the World Series of Poker Europe or these other the circuit events, I don't consider them the World Series. I, I just see them as like completely different tournaments. I, I know the World Series likes to market them as being part of the World Series, but to me, the World Series of Poker is the once-a-year gathering we all have at the Rio that lasts about seven weeks of about 70-something events that you play for bracelets. To me, that's the World Series. The, these offshoots of the World Series, including the World Series of Poker Europe, they're not the same thing. But because, shouldn't we involve more than one country in the World Series? But but they are. There's uh, tons of people from other countries come play it. That, oh, that's, that's true. So that's that, that's the point. Is that, that unlike uh, the World Series of baseball, where it's two countries, right? Yes, but but uh, <laughs> it, it is true that the best players from other countries come to the U.S. to play baseball because uh, it's so lucrative to do so. So that's sure. that that is true. That uh, you you are really seeing most of the best players in the world playing when you see Major League Baseball. But the yeah so so people were saying oh you know Chris Ferguson oh he's about to get ahead oh no he's a little bit behind and what a lot of people didn't realize was it didn't really matter who was a tiny bit ahead when the Las Vegas World Series of Poker was done because there was so much left to play in the year there was a lot of time left and a lot of tournaments left to play in the World Series of Poker Europe and sure enough. Chris Ferguson, who has a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time, uh, he decided to chase this. And he played a whole lot. And he won a World Series of Poker Europe event and clinched 
World Series of Poker Player of the Year, which upset a lot of people. And then the World Series also had had a hassle on their hands because they didn't exactly know how do they handle this as far as promoting it. Do they congratulate him? Do they just sweep it under the rug? Yeah, obviously they have to give it to him. They can't refuse to give him the World Series Player of the Year because of what he's done uh, with Full Tilt. But who's the, who's the woman that came up with? Is it Jess or something that came up with the the new ranking system? No, she said that actually it wasn't her. I guess she, Seth Polanski said that that she did, but it turned out she didn't. <laughs> so I, okay, well, I don't whoever understand. Whoever came that. up with this is probably like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, they're probably like, oops, we should have stayed with those. Uh, scumbags over at uh, the whatever the hell it is hand and mob yeah so the, no no the, the what is it the poker what oh the gpi gpi yeah yeah, yeah. yeah Seth so is probably like yeah those guys were scumbags but we probably should have just stuck with them yeah so a lot, a lot of people got angry about this uh, uh these these were tweets on november 2nd when it was announced that chris ferguson had clinched the world series of poker player of the year title from Neil Stevens on Twitter, Chris Ferguson being allowed into and to win major tournaments reflects on the moral standing of the entire poker world. Nick Wilthall wrote, it's nauseating seeing Chris Ferguson winning money from poker players. Uh, then someone said, can you fill me in? I'm so lost on Twitter. And then someone responded, someone named Dan Sweat responded, Google Chris Ferguson. He used full tilt as a Ponzi scheme, stole tens of millions from his fellow players, has never apologized. Uh, then there is this picture that uh, we talked about last week of, of Phil Helmuth standing with Chris Ferguson, pointing to Ferguson holding the bracelet up. So that really got some people angry because, uh, number one, it's showing like as if Helmuth is endorsing him. And then it also looks bad because Helmuth was part of UB, which also screwed people, even worse. I mean, not for as much money, but they screwed people in two ways. So to see these two together, if, if the helmet's going, oh, look at this, look who won here, and a big smile, that's... Uh... And both of them obviously profiting. Yes, right? yes. And, and Phil and Phil Helmuth wrote this when he, he tweeted out this photo. Welcome back to the World Series of Poker winner Circle, Chris Ferguson. And he put hashtag Chris Ferguson's sixth WSOP win, hashtag WSOP bracelet hunting, hashtag positivity. Well, yeah, sure, it's, you, you can be very positive when you've made many millions of dollars off of these scam poker sites that screwed everyone. If you're, if you're the one who made all the money, of course you can smile. Of course you can be positive. So, uh, so Daniel Negreanu, even though he likes Phil Helmuth and he's, he, th- those two are friends, they'll sometimes uh, snipe at each other on Twitter. So Daniel tweeted back, couldn't find the time to grab a selfie with Harvey Weinstein, Chris Brown, or Bertie Madoff? Next best thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless you, Daniel. And hey, you know, I, I know that they are kind of friends, but I, in your heart of hearts, do you think that uh, that Negreanu respects Helmuth? I you think can be friend with some. You can be friends with somebody you don't exactly respect. I, I, I think somewhat, but I, I think he's also annoyed with him sometimes, and uh, yeah. and I think he also kind of feels like he has to say these things, otherwise people will give him a hard time for not saying it. So, you know, this kind of separates himself that like he can be friends with Helmuth and still say things like this. Yeah, so, he's probably in a position where he can just say whatever the fuck he wants to, whereas some other people might not be able to get away with it. Yeah. And then Jason Mercier says, is Ferguson bringing you positivity, or are you bringing it to him? I'm confused here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
so then Chris Ferguson, who doesn't, you know, he doesn't tweet that much, but he responded. If you want to look at Chris Ferguson's Twitter, by the way, it's Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Ferg, F-E-R-G, 1963. Chris wow. Ferg, 1963. I didn't see him as a Twitter kind of guy. Yeah, well, he's really not, but he, he, he has his account. Thanks, Phil. Need a few more to catch, to catch up to you, though, sir. I appreciate the warm welcome. Just wish everyone else would be warmer as well. (laughs) Yeah, good fucking luck with that. (laughs) Why is everybody so cold to me? Why? Just because we stole all the money they had to deposit at Full Tilt? Come on, you got it back from another company who bought Full Tilt? What's the problem here? Why are you cold? Come on, guys. Lighten up. Was there any good uh, responses to that tweet? I I didn't look. I didn't look. Um, I would think that. There well, would be. Well, let me see. I would the, think that. Let me of see. All the, the Twitter trolls out there. There's got to be some good stuff in there. Let me see. It shows. Let me see. Let me click on this here. Oops. Click on the wrong thing. Okay. So. Yeah, I, there's only ten responses. Surprisingly, I guess not many. Um, I guess not many people follow him. But uh, there's a response uh, from actually a, a guy who listens to this show, Brian WSOP. I know he listens to the show. I saw him at the main event. Brian WSOP, he and I had almost like the identical main event where we uh, we pretty much had identical chips and uh, we busted at almost the identical time. We were both slow rolled by the guy we, that busted us, except he was busted by a, a more known person or, or soon to be known person. He was actually uh, busted by John Hesp, who slow rolled him. So anyway... Brian WSP wrote to Chris, Chris, just clear the air already. Other insiders have told me you're not at fault, but not talking about it leaves you the impression you don't care. Uh, someone named Sean Dees wrote, Chris, trying to have a deep one-on-one with the poker world as a whole so you can get back to uh, solid ground. If not, you will forever be shunned. Uh, Manny Tarich wrote, not coming from a negative place. You do realize the impact Full Tilt had on people? Why not address it once, give your thought, and put it to bed? So... People are actually being, you know, they're not being that mean to him. They're just trying to say, you've got to say something. They're saying. I I got to assume that a lot of people didn't see that because there there are tons of people out there in the poker world on Twitter that would have had a field day with that. Well, I'll tell you why people didn't see it. Without looking, how many people you think follow Chris Ferguson? I'm going to say 1,300. 241. I was going to say less than 1,000. Yeah, 241 followers right now. He only has 11 tweets, and he only signed up in July 2017. Yeah, but but this was in a a reply to an existing tweet, right? Yeah, yeah, but there's, yeah, somehow it just... Anyone that clicks on that tweet is going to see it, whether they follow him or not. I know, I'm just, I am a little surprised, but he, he, uh, you would would almost think this is a fake account. It isn't, I'm pretty sure it's not, but he... Yeah, it's, you see a Chris Ferguson with 241 followers, you think, okay, this couldn't really be him. But, How but old is it? It's it's July 2017. But oh, it, so it's a pretty new account. Yeah, but but still, if if it had propagated much, you would have a lot more followers. It, July it is sounds, still. It sounds like something you know as oblivious. <laughs> Uh, as I would expect Ferguson to, to yeah. tweet, so it's probably real. Yeah, it appears to be real. I, we don't have verification, but it's uh, it appears to be real. He even put his full birth date, born on April 11th, 1963. So, uh, so yeah, that's... Uh, I, I haven't really seen the... I, I think the World Series 
put out a tweet about it. They they are probably unlikely to promote this very much. I was going to say, I can't wait to see how they handle this. Yeah, they're, they're, well, I think how are have, their fucking PR people going to spin this one? They're going to have to put up a banner for him, I think. They, they may not put it in a prominent place, but it's probably going to be another banner. He already has a banner for being a, a main event champ, but they're probably going to have to do a banner for him and just put it somewhere. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh, the the thing is here: if you allow these people to play, then they have to be allowed to win. So. You can't say you can't be player of the year, but yes, we'll take your money entering these tournaments. So yeah, I mean it's true, and and reasonably they probably can't ban him. There are plenty of people in poker that have done worse than that. Well, they actually know, they actually can ban him, and supposedly like Russ Hamilton is banned. Uh, I don't think he would try to play anyway. But suppo- like I, something was said at one point, like if Russ tries to play, you won't be seeing him here or something like that. So. They, they, Actually, I take it back. They could ban him. Yeah, they right? can. Because it's for a private company. Right. They for, could just say, we don't like you. That's what I'm saying. They can ban him for any reason. But uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're choosing not to. And, and once they choose not to, then at that point, anything that is won by these guys, they, they, they have to be able to win. And if they win an award, they're not required to promote them. But they, uh, they can't refuse to give the award. That's... Uh, I agree that they have to award him player of the year if they've let him play all these tournaments. So it's uh, it's upset a lot of people, but th- this is what happens. And, and Chris Ferguson, he doesn't. He, this is really someone who had the means and time to play a ton of these because yeah, you know, he doesn't have a family. He he doesn't seem to be working. He made so much money from his yeah, time in full his nest with everyone else's money. Yeah. Where so so what's he going to do? He might as well travel the world and play these things and keep. Racking up caches and then, you know, eventually hit one. I wonder if he likes it. I wonder if he likes rubbing people's nose in it, you know? Yeah, I, I wonder about that. You, you'd think that, uh, you'd, you'd think that maybe this is like a big F you to everybody. Like, I won this. What are you going to do about it? I'm, I'm here to stay. Too, tough luck. So that's, uh, that's what happened. And, uh, when you have someone who can invest the time and money to play all these tournaments, then and then they're a good player, then there's a decent chance they're going to win. Because a lot of player of the year is really about volume. You can put in the volume, especially at the World Series of Poker Europe, then you you have a reasonable shot of winning. So speaking of Daniel Negreanu fighting on Twitter or making comments on Twitter. Uh, he has a little Twitter battle going with someone who clearly doesn't like him, unlike Phil Helmuth, you know, they're friends. This is something that is not uh, friendly banter. This is something that's gotten pretty uh, bitter. And Daniel started it. But it involves Daniel Negreanu and James Woods. Now, James Woods, of course, the actor, longtime actor who also plays poker. And he's also known to like much younger girls. He had a girlfriend who was 20 not too long ago. I think he was like 66 wow. at the time. And she, this is one of these 20 year olds who actually looked younger than 20. Mm. And uh, that's something I never understood because if you're a much older guy, and 
even if not much older, like, let's say you're around my age, you're mid-40s, okay? And, and you want to date a girl who's, who's in her early 20s. Okay, fine. But wouldn't it be better to date someone in their early 20s that at least looks early 20s or preferably is early 20s but looks a little bit older, like someone who's 21 but looks 25? If you're, gonna, if you're 45, for example, and you're going to date a 21-year-old, uh, wouldn't you prefer that she looks 24, 25, then looks 17? Druff, if you're in your 60s and you're dating someone in their 20s, you want them to look young, obviously. No, young. I mean, that's obviously what he likes. Well, no, but, but see, okay, there could be the argument that, uh, that young women are, are the most attractive, that they're at their most attractive point at, uh, you know, say, early 20s or whatever. So, so some guys, you know, say, I don't care if I'm 68 years old. I'm not attracted to 60-year-old, 68-year-old women. In fact, I'm not even attracted to 50-year-old women. I, I, I may be 68, but I'm attracted still to the women in their early 20s, just like I was 45 years ago. So, so that's who I want to date. But, but, but the thing is, though, someone can be 21 and look 25 and still be really hot. They just happen to look a little bit, little bit older than their age. Uh, it's not like being 20, looking 25 means you look old. So wouldn't wouldn't a guy rather given that there already is this huge age difference wouldn't they at least rather that the younger girl looks like if she's going to be that young looks a little bit older so it doesn't look as as ridiculous than looking younger for her age like so like i think it's going to look ridiculous no matter what it it will but like like okay if i was dating now if i was uh if i was dating if i were You'd to date a woman talking ashley on facebook no if i was dating if i was dating someone <laughs> Near my age, I would want them to look young for their age. So, if, like, if I'm dating a, the woman who's, who's 43, uh, I'd prefer if she was 43 and looked like she was 37. That that would be much better than her being 43 and looking 43, or being 43 and looking 48. That I especially wouldn't like. Okay. So, but but if I was dating someone who who was uh, who was 20, then I would definitely want them to look a little bit older. I definitely would not like like if they were twenty and looked like they were sixteen. I would I would hate it. I I couldn't do it. But I think uh, that's what he's in it for. That's what he likes. He's you know he he likes girls that are young. He likes being able to be seen as a guy that can uh, can still pull in the the young ladies. You know. Yeah, but there's young and then there's young. That's what I'm saying. You can still you can still be in your sixties and date a girl in their twenties, and they don't need to look like right. they're in their teens. Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking Alabama young. Okay, I'm not talking like a fourteen well, so, year old or anything like that. Well, so that's what I was saying is that the girl that he was dating for a while, like a few years ago, she was twenty and looked like she was about sixteen. And the, the previous girlfriend he had, I think, was like twenty eight and looked about twenty eight. In fact, that that one was better. The, the older one was actually a lot better looking than the younger one. But uh, I. I I thought the previous one was much more in line with what I would have expected him to want to date if he's going to go for the much younger woman, like a woman who who doesn't look like a little girl, but uh, but is clearly like right. way younger than him. I just found a picture of her, the twenty year old girl. Yeah, here. didn't look that young. Uh, to me, she looked really young. I, I just right. I could easily see her in the high school where like the previous girlfriend he had clearly looked like a a woman in her twenties. So anyway, that's not what this is about. I just I I. I veered off into a tangent but it, it does look incredibly awkward like i'm looking at this picture of of them together and it looks it really does look like father and daughter no to me it looks like <laughs> grandfather and daughter that's what yeah, or in one of them it does look yeah. like grandfather like, like, like yeah. if i was with that girl it would look like father and daughter if if it was if uh with james wood it looks like grandfather he's, he's like uh you know he could be my father with, with how old he is so i just i don't know who this is more like i'm just looking at the picture and i'm trying to figure out who it's kind of more embarrassing for 
You know, because it, 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 it's kind of embarrassing for him because, I mean, you know, she's obviously just with him because he's famous and knows people and has money. And it's kind of embarrassing for her because he looks like her fucking grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know which is worse, you know? Yeah. That, that's, that's why, like, if, if I was that age and, you know, even if I was famous or whatever, I had some attributes there that, that girls of that age would still want to date me. I wouldn't do it. I'd know the reason. I'd know there's no chance a girl of that age could be attracted to me if I'm like, you know, in my mid-60s. I know there'd be no chance a 20-year-old could find me attractive. So, um, you know, if, if the girl's like 20 years younger than you, yeah, it could be a girl who prefers older men who, who who does actually find you attractive, who does actually like you, and it's not about money. And, you know, sometimes it is, but but uh, sometimes it isn't. In that type of case, you can say, okay, fine. When there's like a forty-year age difference, then it's almost always uh, about money. Sometimes it isn't, but, but she, she looks she looks good naked. She looks good on his arm. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying why I I couldn't do it. That would be that would be too much of a of an age difference for me to where I would I would know hundred percent why that's uh, well and anything long term. Sure, yeah, you wouldn't want to do it, but yeah, I don't know. I'm sure he's having fun while it lasts. Yeah. Well. So anyway, that's that's not what this is about. We're that that's actually a few years back. But this here's what's current. Uh, actress Elizabeth Perkins has named James Woods as uh, someone who sexually harassed her. So uh, she she was in uh, the TV show Weeds, and uh, so she. This is an article. She's a mother in weeds or something. Yeah. So this is the, and she's not young. She's like fifty six now or something. But she, this is what she held up a sign, saying James Woods, in uh, in a march in L A. called "Take Back the Workplace," which is a, a march against sexual harassment in the workplace. So, uh, the, in an article from the Daily Mail, this uh, the U K. publication, it's the heading is. Weeds star Elizabeth Perkins holds sign naming actor James Woods as she joins hundreds of women in stand against sexual abuse at the Me Too Survivors March in Hollywood. And so it says, actress Elizabeth, Elizabeth Perkins and Frances Fisher were among those who came out on Sunday to take part in a Me Too March in Hollywood, with the Weed star holding up a sign naming the actor James Woods. Uh, and I, I see the picture of her. She, you know, she's holding up a sign. It says James Woods on it. Uh, Hundreds of people turned out for the Take Back the Workplace and Me Too survivors marches to support victims of sexual assault and harassment inspired by a social media campaign that has portrayed such abuse as, per- as a pervasive feature of American life. Perkins marched at the front of, of the line alongside former local Fox News reporter Lauren Steven, who is among the, the women that alleged they were sexually harassed by disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. So uh, it says that she marched along... Perkins, 56, at one point, held up a handwritten sign that said, James Woods, Me Too. It is not known why she chose to carry it. So clearly she's trying to name him in some way, that he harassed her uh, at some point while she was working with him. Yeah, and I'm not uh, disparaging James Wood in this, but I'm or Woods in this, but I'm reading further in the article. Um, there's also a, uh, a woman that he was uh, texting with that uh, he wanted to take her to Vegas, and she replied, I'm 16. And he said, even better. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. 
So, so this this is what he says. It's no, a that lie was no, that was in person at a restaurant. They said, um, right? like no, he no, saw I, them. James Wood tried to pick me and my friend up at a restaurant once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're he wanted right, right, he wanted right. to take us to Vegas. I'm 16. He said even okay. better. Okay, so for the record, he denies and he says that's a lie. Yada yada yada. So so here is what Negreanu wrote yesterday on Twitter. Add James Woods to the list of men accused of chasing 16-year-old girls. And he put a link to that Daily Mail article. Yep. He appears to have a lot in common with Roy Moore. What is, what is wrong with these people? Disgusting. Do I believe these women? A thousand percent yes. So then James Woods saw this and responded. He wrote, Say it like a man to my face. You cowardly piece of shit. Hmm. Just coming at him right there. Say it to my face, you cowardly piece of shit. He wrote back. Uh, Say it as a statement of fact, so if you have any money left, you might actually be worth suing, unlike these other losers with no money and big mouths. And how old was Evelyn Eng when you were her, quote, mentor, you hypocrite? Mm. So, oh, wow. So then... The funny thing is, like, for a second, that actually had an impact on me. I go, wait a minute. You know, how old was Evelyn Eng? Was, was Negranu, you know, was he taking advantage of, like, a young Evelyn Eng? Then I thought, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Evelyn Eng isn't that young. So yeah. I, I went and looked it up, and, yeah, they're 14 months apart. So that at no point yeah, yeah, yeah. at no point could uh, Negranu have been a, an old pervert taking advantage of, of Evelyn Eng. They were always very close to the same age. So, uh Anyway, so, so Negreanu responded to that, saying, you know, I'm, I'm 43, she's 42, that's a fact, you piece of garbage or something. You hot piece of garbage, he wrote back. Mm. So so then uh, people responded. Uh, mostly people responding to James Wood's tweets were on his side because the, you know, these were people following they're him. His they're his followers. They're, yeah, they're yeah, his followers. Uh, he did respond to one of them. Uh, let me Let me go to find that here. Where he was basically saying he, he's dropping this. He said, uh, uh, where is it here? See, now he made a bunch of other tweets in the middle. Of that. Okay, I hear I've got a good one to read. Evelyn Ng responded to it. I'm choosing to take real James Brown's tweet as a compliment that I look young for my age, regardless of the fact that he's a moron. Did she write real James <laughs> Brown or real James Woods? Oh, real James, my bad. No, that'd real be funny James. if it was James Brown. Okay. I think he's dead. But, uh, yeah, he, she, um, I can't find anymore what she would. Oh, here he goes. He, someone responded to him saying, not even sure why you respond to clowns like Daniel Legrand who realize that you have to, realize you feel you have to protect your name, but against idiots like this, it isn't necessary. No one gives a shit what his kind thinks. He is, he is an invisible clown. So then James Woods responded, already scraped him off my shoe, thanks for the advice. So he's basically saying, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But uh, that's funny. That's funny that uh, I, I am actually a little surprised he even knows about Eve- Evelyn Eng, because she hasn't really been relevant at all lately in poker. I don't know if she plays anymore. So some, somehow he knew about her, but he, he did believe that she was young. No, no offense to her, but was she ever actually relevant in poker? No, only I, because, I know she got a bunch of coverage. But. Yeah, it's only only because she was like a 
she dated a whole bunch of poker yeah. players. And it's only she because she's like kind of good looking. Yeah, she she was a, a five foot eleven uh, good looking Asian chick in poker. That's why uh, people covered her. So well, and she also dated a whole lot of poker players. She did. Wow, right? She yeah. she dated some of them. Yeah, and and uh, it is true that. Like she played a lot of tournaments, but then you went and go. You'd like you'd look at her Hendon mob, and like she hardly cashed in any of them. So, right. so, so she had like a really bad tournament record. I don't know if she played cash too, but uh, she. I, I don't believe she was that successful in poker, but she was because of her association yeah. with the Granu and others. She and, and just because of her, her you know, she was. I mean, the, I'm sure she was competent, but I don't think she was someone that, you know, in a if if she just played online and no one knew she, who she was, I'm not sure she would make any money. No, no. And if she was a guy, she would have gotten no attention because she really, you know, if you look at her Hendon mom, she didn't really do anything. So it was just, right. it was just because she was a, an attractive 5'11 Asian girl that it, during the height of the poker boom, and that would... And, and by the way, God bless her. Like, I'm glad that she was able to get sponsorships and do stuff. Yeah, know? I mean, that's Why? fine. Yeah, that, that's, what? you know, if you, if you have something that the, that will get you sponsorships and then fine, go ahead and do it. So, uh, I would have done the same thing if they, if there was uh, such a market for me, but there was not. So, Hell yeah. Anyway, that that that's that's pretty much where it ended here. But uh, he must have he must have known of or heard of Evelyn Eng or something at some point, but not known enough about her to realize that she was uh, pretty much the same age as he was. Well, he's been playing poker for forever. I'm sure he has run into her multiple times. Yeah, there must have been something like that, or maybe someone just mentioned. I, I don't maybe know. Maybe a decade or two ago. You know? But if it's long enough ago, then he'd know she's not that young. He wouldn't know how old she was necessarily, right? Well, but but if it's long enough ago and she was involved in the scene, like okay, some somebody who like Negranu himself is not that old, and and it's clear he's not that old. He, it's not like he looks ancient for his age. So, uh, someone who was around twenty years ago in poker, you're going to go, okay, well, they can't be that young. Just, there's no way they could be that young if if they were around 20 years ago. Where whereas if if right. Negreanu had like a prodigy, if he had like a protege that that you know five years ago who looked a lot younger than him, then you could think, okay, this is someone. All right. So he so he saw her on TV or something. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably what happened. Yeah. And he just yeah. thought she was young for her age. <laughs> he All thought right. she was young, and I thought that was funny that he's like, oh yeah, what about this young girl that you were uh, helping? Yeah, she's a year younger than me. <laughs> Oops. So I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but clearly uh, these two are not uh, going to be buddies. And I, I wonder, like, what if they could put together at the same table at the World Series? Are there going to be any comments on either side or any arguments? Or are they going to just both uh, sit there and say nothing? I don't know. James Woods does talk a lot at the table. So he, he's not known to really be confrontational. But, like, if he gets put with the Granu there, I don't know. I could see it either way, where he either just like doesn't bring it up, or he uh, he gives them a hard time. Now, here, here's something you know, Negreanu. He's he's had he's been dogged by uh, gay rumors for years. For, for many years, people say that uh, have said Negreanu is a closet homosexual, which I I actually don't believe. Uh, I, I I don't believe it. Was, it was actually I was on the fence about this until the Amanda Leatherman thing. It was thanks to his obsession with Amanda that I was convinced. Because if you, if you're gay, you're, you're not going to become obsessed. With a female, it just it just can't happen. So, uh, but but he he didn't do himself any favors with this tweet, and he really wrote this. This is a real tweet. Just had someone throw me a hundred k to play in a juicy game and demanded I play a couple of orbits. I declined. Something 
22-year-old me would have been on his knees for. (laughs) So he admits he would have been on his knees when he was 22 for this 100K. I think he meant begging, Druff. <laughs> of course, it was he once. Meant, he meant begging or praying, okay? By the way, it was. It was he might have been protesting the national anthem. <laughs> oh, yeah, he could have been taking a knee. Yeah. One Step is the one who posted this, by the way. Are you surprised? No. He would have been on his knees for. Yeah, he just posted that uh, four days ago. Okay. So, Tom Dwan. It's a good segue here. We just talked about one step and uh, the ground being on his knees. Now we're talking about Tom Dwan, who uh, one step has had a very long time crush on. One step has, has really loved Tom Dwan. And TMLK too, right? <laughs> For a very long time. But uh, Tom Dwan may be off the market now. He may actually be engaged. That, that is he marrying is, into the triad? Yeah, that's, that could be happening. So, so this, uh, let me get, someone did a, a little piece on this. Uh, a, a guy uh, named Pete uh, Mazzanelli. And he, he said he's looking for uh, missing Tom Dwan. So I'm going to play a piece of this here. Yo, let's cut to the chase right now. Can you hear this, by the way? No. <sighs> I was hoping the answer could be yes. Okay, let's try it again. Gonna rewind it the six seconds I played and try again. Yo, let's cut to the chase right Okay, do you hear that? Yo? Yeah. Okay, good. Right now, I am Pete Manzanelli, and if you have been following along on my hunt, on my saga, on my journey, on my search for my dear friend, the missing Tom Dwans, then you know how close I've gotten to cracking this case wide open. I was at the Bellagio, Doyle Brunson wheeling by with clues, and they threw me out. Okay, I went to the Aria. Tommy Dwans was playing cash games on television. I went there, and he was gone the next day. We have been ships crossing in the sea. I have been so close. So close, but have been thwarted at every turn and every twist. That is until this week, because I stumbled across a clue, a nugget of information so big that it's going to blow the entire case wide open. And that is why it is time for another episode of Missing Tom Dwan. How's it this guy got the scoop? Of all the people that get the scoop on where Tom Dwan is and the, and the engagement, it, it has to be this guy. Boom, 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 boom. So as you probably saw, I was in Philadelphia's this past week. I was there for King of the Hill 3s. We had a great tournament. And one of the contestants there, Brandon Adams, okay? Brandon Adams is a close, close friend like myself with Tommy Dwan's. So right before his finals match against Danny Coleman's, I said, Brandon, I know you're about to play for $200,000, but I need to ask you a few questions about Tommy Dwan's. And luckily, he agreed. We are about to get started here for King of the Hill 3, but while we had a second, I have Brandon Adams here. I had to ask him some questions about my dear, dear missing friend, Tommy Dwan's. Right off the start, do you have any idea about his current whereabouts? I believe he is in China. Macau, I assume? I think he... I, well, actually, I'm not sure he's in Macau. He's in China. Okay, you can't give me an, an exact location? 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, is he being held against his will by anyone? He, as far as I know, is not being held against his will. As far as I know. <laughs> this is, this is uh, Brandon Adams is a friend of his, and he uh, even he's not sure that the triads aren't holding him. Now, up until this point, that's pretty standard boilerplates, people responding about Tom Dwan, they don't know, somewhere in China. But at this point, things got really, really interesting. I think he's doing quite well. Just got a place in Vegas and is doing his thing in Vegas. Okay, so this is a new new development. He might be coming to Vegas a little more than he has. Maybe some Tom Babies coming. Wait a second. Did he just say Tommy Dwan Babies? Because I think he said Tommy Dwan Babies. Tom Babies. some long, long future date. No, there's no, there's no expectation, but he's engaged. So. Oh my God! Did he just say? Did he just say Tommy Dwan's is engaged? Tommy Dwan's is engaged. But I had to hear like this from, from Brandon Adams. I couldn't. He couldn't text me. He couldn't tell me himself. But, but Tommy Dwan's is engaged. Oh my God. This is the longest three minutes of my life so far. <laughs> Who the fuck is this? This guy's hard to watch. I, I'm watching this, and it's at 3.05 ago. I feel like I've been watching this for 20 minutes. And I, I guess it could be a compliment that this guy packs in a lot of information in three minutes. I mean, for, for me, three minutes would be like a 30th of our intro, but jeez. Uh, okay, let's go on here. But don't worry. I kept my cool. I kept my cool. I'm going to keep my cool. Tommy Dwan is engaged. Oh, my God. I had to ask him a very, very important question. Who's, who's, the, who's, the lucky, who's the lucky lady? The li- I don't. I don't want to make it super public. If it's not. If it's not public. Okay. Has, yeah. Okay. Has, Is she involved in the poker world? Tangentially. Okay. All right. We got some clues. We got to sniff this out. Now, H- hang on a second. Now, one step. I have to say, you may be onto something. Because so far, we have not gotten confirmation from Brandon Adams that it's a she. He didn't say she is involved tangentially. And come on, he said babies, though. So there's plenty of gay people that that have babies through uh, uh, surrogates okay. and stuff like that. Just crush his dream, Druff. He's marrying a chick. Now, I personally have some ideas on who this lady could be, okay? Because as you guys might recall, Tommy Dwan's this summer was in Montenegro's for some high roller tournament. And they had, a, they had a party the night before, and he was flanked by this mysterious, bodacious, buxom, blonde bombshell that you will see in this photo right here. And I am led to believe that she is the one that has captured Tommy Dwan's heart just as I captured his heart so many years ago. Now, this is hard for me because Tom Duane is my, one of my best friends, my dear friends, and for him to now have another love in his life that's going to further push me out, that's hard for me to stomach. You get that, right? This guy stole One Step's routine. One, one Step's been doing this for over 10 years, and now, now this guy just muscles in, and and, uh, and and you know he thinks he's cute putting a, a Z at the end of every name. Tommy Duane's, you know, everything's with a Z. He even puts the, on his video... The little Z at the end of everybody's name, but that's uh, he's he's just taking one step's routine that he's been known for for quite some time. This this is uh, I I think I think Tom uh, not Tom, I, th- I think that one step should contact uh, attorney Eric Bensamokin and see if he can get a lawsuit going for uh, trademark infringement. Andrew, if I'm following along, watching the video. 
Yeah. And this is one of the few cases where, I mean, watching the video is way harder than than just listening to them. Yeah, we're we're doing the audience. The, we're the doing the audience is fucking off. Right. We're we're doing the audience a huge favor in in just uh, playing the audio. Trust me. I have so many questions, okay? You know, where are we going to have the bachelor party, right? How many minutes will I have for the best man speech? Hello? What, what shade of neon suit? You can't hear this anymore? No, it stopped again. Yeah, let me just... Sorry. Skype is the worst thing ever. Okay. Let's try this again. Am I going to wear to the wedding? So many questions. Tommy, Dwan's get in contact with me. I want to hear the news face-to-face, mans-to-mans from your lips to man's his ears. Do you think you could pass on a message to him for me? I'll try. You can? Okay, we just tell him I care about him, that I've been posting posters all around town looking for him, and that if he could really return one of my calls, I'd really appreciate it. All right, I'll tell him. All right, I'll that. I appreciate this. This is this is huge news, guys. Uh, you know, congrats to Tommy Duans on the engagement, but also call me back. Also, I'll be the best man, and I'll plan the bachelor party, dude. I can, we can make this happen. Do you, are you, do you think he'll be invited to the bachelor party? I would hope I'd be invited to the bachelor party. I, I hope so. Okay, excellent. Well, I don't want to get you too far out of your mental space before this match, but I really appreciate you checking in on my dear friend, the missing Tom Dwan. Thanks, man. And one more thing before I let... No, I don't want to hear any more. By the way, Brandon Adams, for those of you that uh, know of him, he actually used to post on Everyone Poker. He posted as WinsPot, W-I-N-S underscore P-O-T. That was Brandon Adams on, on Everyone Poker back in the day. And, uh, you, you actually should play the end of this if you haven't heard it. Okay, okay, I'll play it. Have you not heard go. it? This is a message to Jungle Man. This is a message to Horala Bobs and anyone else out there saying Tommy Dwan's owes you money. You want to know why he's a little strapped for cash right now? Because he's planning a fucking wedding, you idiots. So why don't you chill out, stop asking him for money at every second, and just let the dude spend what little money he has on a nice raw bar in a live band. Okay. Very beautiful. That's all there is. <laughs> I just... I can't believe Tom Dwan's going to be off the market. <laughs> I'm going to catch the bokeh. I'm going to catch the bokeh. <sighs> okay. So... I forgot about Heralba basically saying that Dwan owed him a bunch yeah. of money. <laughs> forgot about that. Well... One step, I, I think it's over. I don't think I don't think you have a chance anymore. The dream's I, dead, man. I think you're 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 zero point uh, zero 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 one percent chance has turned into zero point zero. Sorry. Okay, so if you've ever played in one of the New York area underground uh, poker games. Uh, you, you might suspect that perhaps, at least with some of these rooms, that uh, there's some organized crime involved in the uh, operation of these. Now, Cal Watson, I know you're not near New York City, but uh, have you ever played in any of these New York City area card rooms? No, not at all. Not at all. But, yeah, I mean... For sure. I mean, even even the underground underground games around here. I mean, there are a lot of bookies that play there. 
and uh, you know they're they're a decent number of unsavory characters. I, I would definitely tell you that uh, I I can count a number of people that used to be regulars of the game that are indicted for one thing or another. Yes. So <laughs> I played at the Mayfair probably like a dozen times. Um. Yeah, but it, I mean, it looked like a normal card room, really. Yeah, on, on the surface, they do appear normal. Like the the average patron there doesn't necessarily know, but the, the forces behind them are often organized crime figures. So uh, there is an Eastern European organized crime syndicate that was behind a lot of the stuff. In fact, uh, some of this had some involvement with Molly Bloom, who they made that Molly's game about. So uh, that I think that was referred to a little bit in the movie. But there is a, a sentencing that was handed down to uh, 33-year-old uh, Isak Aronov in, uh, in Brooklyn's federal court. He, he was charged in November 2016 along with eight others. Uh, he was sentenced to a year in prison uh, the indictment included uh, racketeering, extortion, loan sharking, and drug trafficking. And uh, Aronoff himself was said to have used threats of violence to recover debts incurred from uh, the underground poker games, or I guess some people probably played on credit. Uh, I guess they didn't use uh, the collector for that. I guess Aronoff himself just threatened to, to break people's legs. Uh, he said that the federal government claimed that the games in the that uh, Arnov was involved with uh, that the involves wagers totaling as much as one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that, it's not really clear what they mean by that. But uh, it, it's believed that what they mean is that the people had that much on the table in a no limit game, so they, you know that the wagers could have been that big if they go all in or something. Uh, he was actually facing up to twenty years in prison for his involvement in all of this, but uh, only got a year. And uh, to show you how nasty this business can be and how dangerous some of these characters are, an an indictment came down in August 2017 that several of these nine people who were charged in November 2016 were also charged with torching a building that was hosting a rival poker game in 2016. They were charged with arson. So it's a group of men torched the building in the early morning hours of May 2nd, 2016. Nobody died in the blaze, though two residents of the building and five firefighters were injured. And the uh, the poker game was on the ground floor of this building, and it was blamed on this uh, Eastern European crime syndicate. And... Uh, there were six men in the indictment. I don't think... Uh, so the, the people who were indicted here were uh, uh, Victor Zellinger, uh, Vyshelaslav, Mikhailiev, Leonid Gershman, Alexei uh, Svevkov, and uh, I guess there were two others too. So I don't believe this Aronov guy was one of them, but it was the same group of nine guys. Like it was, uh, it was, it was all connected. It just he wasn't one of the ones who torched the building, so it's a pretty uh, violent guys there. That first of all, if you don't pay your debts, they <laughs> they uh, they they threaten violence against you, and they're not just going to call you fifty times a day. Yeah, they're not going to call your mom fifty times a day. They're actually going <laughs> to they're they're going to 
threats they're going to threaten to uh to hurt you and that uh if you run a rival room that they'll torch the building so pretty amazing this guy only got a year despite all this i know he didn't do the building torching but uh you think that running all this and threatening people to recover debts, you think that'd be worth more than a year in prison, but that's what he got. So, this is something that, uh, never mind. I was going to do a different topic, but I'm not going to. It's not not worth talking about. Um, when did the uh, Inside the Evil Empire statement, or segment, not statement. This, again, is from a regular poster on the Poker Fraudler's Forum. I know he also listens to the show, and he worked for Caesars and has a lot of different uh, stories that uh, he likes to post up there in, in a series called Inside the evil empire referring to caesar's entertainment he claims it's going to be a 20-part series he has now posted part six this is part six lies damn lies and made-up statistics he says this story involves the evil empire and their use of bullshit stats to make themselves feel better about the absolute fail that was going on uh no need to concentrate on uh, EBITDA. I don't know what that is. When you can make up financial metrics that make you look good. My favorite made-up stat was something they called marketing efficiency. If memory serves, this stat was basically just marketing cost divided by gaming revenue. That's the basic gist of the stat. It may have had a few other things in it, but that was the main computation. So you may ask, why is this bullshit? Good question. Let's say my casino is running a 10 k marketing budget and getting 100 k of ga- gaming revenue from it. So our marketing efficiency would be 10%. Now, let's say I'm a cheap-ass company like the Evil Empire and want to slash expenses and now have a 5K marketing budget and make 60K in gaming revenue from it. Now my marketing efficiency has improved to 8.3%. Now that's some good stuff there. Oh, wait, you mean I lost 40K uh, uh, in gaming revenue, not to mention ancillary ancillary revenue like hotel, food and beverage, and fee revenue? Don't forget the Evil Empire is a fee revenue company, not a casino. By making marketing more efficient? Oh, well, our bullshit made-up stat shows that we are cutting costs while in bankruptcy is all we need to show. Cut costs with no regard for what it's doing to the top line. That's that's uh, interesting. He, so he, he's basically saying that uh, they, they, they decided they'd rather, they'd rather spend 5K in marketing to translate to 60K in game, game, gaming revenue than 10K in marketing to translate to uh, 100K in gaming revenue. Even if... Overall, they're actually doing worse by this change. They can they can claim that uh, percentage-wise they're doing better compared to what they're spending on marketing. Uh, he claims they were doing this uh, during the bankruptcy to show that they're cutting costs. The region I worked in was dog shit. Pretty, much, pretty sure you can figure out where I worked from all these stories. But that's how it was treated. Cut, cut, cut expenses by all means necessary just so you could show the, the C-level and, and PE shitheads that you were cutting expenses. And if Cutting those expenses didn't make business sense and were actually a net negative to the top line. Just make up some bullshit stat to sound good. I actually had to tell the marketing people and finance people in the company that stat every month. Drove me batshit fucking crazy that they were so fixated on this number that they had made up to make themselves feel better about the sinking ship that was our region. So, that's his uh, his little story this week that 
Caesars would come up with, with some kind of metric to show that they were being more efficient when, in reality, sometimes they were shooting themselves in the foot or actually uh, bringing in less profits in order to improve these stats. It's funny sometimes how, how corporate America works, but I, I, I can totally see this happening, too. <laughs> that, that's the story this week. They were going to have 14 more of these. So we will see what he comes up with next. Israel has decided they're going to start paying attention to poker tournament player results of player of prominent players in their uh, country. And it's easy for them to do thanks to the Hendon mob, or at least at least when the Hendon mob is up. Maybe maybe the global poker index owning it and it being down half the time, maybe that's actually good for these Israeli players because uh, the Israeli government can't check on them. But but here's what's going on. Uh, the Israeli government wants theirs as far as tax revenue. And uh, the Israeli tax authority, or it's called the Israel Tax Authority, is they're in the process of going after players who live in Israel, Israeli citizens who are hitting big scores overseas. Now, there is no official poker scene in Israel because it's illegal. There are some underground games, but obviously that's a different story. So any tournament scores that Israeli players are hitting at live tournaments are being hit in foreign countries. But uh, by Israeli law, they still owe taxes on that income. And it's the same with the U.S. If you, if you go out of the country and win something, you owe taxes on it. You do get to deduct taxes you paid to other countries uh, in the process, but you, you do owe taxes on any income you make uh, in other countries, regardless of the income tax laws of those countries. Even if you win, if you're an American citizen who goes to another country and you win money in a country that does not have any taxation for uh, gambling winnings, that doesn't matter. You still owe the taxes in the U.S. for your income here. So... The problem here is that uh, apparently there are two different rates of taxation in Israel. Uh, one of them is for winnings that are uh, derived from gambling, or also lotteries and prizes fall into that. So basically anything you win from gambling or from a lottery or, or a contest or anything like that that you just win – that is taxed at the rate of uh, 35%, which may sound pretty steep, and it is, but business income in Israel is taxed at 50%. Makes you kind of uh, happier in the U.S. <laughs> to hear numbers like that. So 50% of business income in, in Israel is taxed, but only 35% of gambling in contest income, that, that, that's the rate for that, 35%. So if you win a poker tournament abroad and you pay your taxes on it, do you think you're going to claim that was a gambling win or are you going to claim that was a business win? Even if you're a professional poker player, you're going to say, well, that's part of my professional poker playing business. Here's 50% of it. Or, oh, I won in gambling 35% of it. But I think you know what everybody claims. Now, this would seem like it's legitimate because 
poker is gambling, right? Well, Israel has decided that uh, they don't think so. Israel has actually decided that uh, for a professional poker player, these are actually business earnings. That if it's a recreational gambler, yes, then then it's just gambling. But uh, if it's actually someone who is uh, playing poker for a living, that should be considered business earnings, and they should owe 50%, not 35%. So they are now looking into tournament results and seeing if they can extract extra money from these players who may not be paying that 50% and who do seem to have a history of, of playing, uh, you know, that seem to be professional poker players. There's a second problem, though, and that problem is that sometimes the posted results on Hendon Mob are not always what the player actually won. For example, a deal could be made, and then and, and sometimes it's still reported that the winner won the full prize. Or sometimes there can be local tax of uh, you know, wherever you win the prize, depending on, on the place you win it. And yet it's reported on sites like Hinden Mob that the person received all the money. So... And then, of course, there's 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 also the issue of the buy-in, where um, you know if you if you enter a tournament for ten thousand dollars and you win eighteen thousand dollars, all you really want is eight thousand, not uh, eighteen thousand. But on a site like Hand and Mob, which would list the results, it would just say you won eighteen thousand. And then, of course, there's the issues of uh, of entering uh, tournaments you don't win. So, so Israel is, is trying to go after these players, and they're trying to look at uh, they're trying to look at the results and see if they can hit these people for more money. So we'll see if this actually happens, but that's, that's, that's pretty unfortunate for these Israeli players. They're going to be uh, having to deal with this hassle. I've always felt that the that uh, taxing gambling winnings or any kind of contest, I, I just don't think that's right. I, I don't think that should be treated the same way as regular income. Especially gambling. The contest I understand a little bit more because you're not investing anything to win. You're just getting lucky and winning something. But uh, where, where it's a negative expectation game... If you get lucky and win, first of all, you may have it may have been preceded by years and years of losses that you can't deduct from it. And and second, it, it's not really money that you earned. It really it really shouldn't be money that that is taxable, in my opinion. I, I really feel that should just be money you keep. And it, especially for the by the you know, since it's something that's negative expectation, and. It's very likely that the winner has either lost of money, a lot of money prior to that that they could not deduct from their other income, or will lose money in the future. So, I know if you lose money in the same calendar year, then you can deduct it from the winnings. But otherwise, you're kind of screwed. So I've never liked that. I've never liked the the whole thing of uh, you have to pay taxes on on any kind of gambling winnings. 
And some countries are not like that. Some countries do not require taxes to be paid on gambling winnings, including some countries that are that have very high tax rates otherwise. I don't know if it's still like this, but in Norway, nobody was uh, paying taxes. Well, look what just happened here. Look what just happened here. I, t- I talk about Israeli taxes, which I admit are not, it's not the most exciting topic. But I talk about Israeli taxes. And I lose not one, but both of my co-hosts. Wow. If anybody wants to call in, this is a good time now. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That's the number. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. Uh, I'll take a little break here from the poker talk and the tax talk and uh, all the other stuff. And I'm going to talk about my trip. And I, I won't make it too long because I, I know it's like looking at other people's vacation photos. You just you just want it to be done. You just don't want to spend too much time on that. What, what's interesting to them is not very interesting to you, unless they have something really unique to show you. But what I did was it was an eight-day trip. It was from uh, Friday, November 3rd. We left in the uh, early afternoon, and, and we came back late at night on Saturday the 11th. And it was uh, the trip was basically a seven-day cruise, Saturday to Saturday, from Miami to Miami, stopping in uh, four different ports, which were uh, one in Jamaica, one in the Cayman Islands, one in Cozumel, Mexico, and one at the, like a little private island that the cruise line owned. Uh, something kind of weird happened on the flight there. A few weird things were going on with that flight. So... We got a weird message before the flight, like a, I think it was an email saying that uh, they were having some issues with their caterer and it may affect food service on board. So that wasn't good to hear, especially since the flight was like five hours. But you hear that, you think, okay, you know, maybe they won't have as much of a selection. You don't think that means they have no food, no drink, and and almost no ice on board. But, th- but that was the case. So... We, I saw the strangest thing I've never seen before after you give your boarding pass and enter the jetway to board the plane. And that was a big stand containing Coke, bottled water, chips, cookies, and pretzels in bags. It, it was there on the jetway. Like you, you give your boarding pass. You're normally going to just walk through this this tunnel, this jetway, and you know, and then connect to the airplane and get in there and get in your seat. That that's that's what you usually do, and you usually see nothing there in that jetway. Here, you you see this this big display, and at first, I'm thinking, what are they selling this stuff now? Like I, I wasn't understanding it. And then I thought, oh wait a minute, it's this stupid thing about the the catering issue. And then someone says to us, like I said, it's kind of out loud, huh, what is this? And then someone next to me says, oh, you better grab some of that stuff. That's all the food you're going to get. So I thought, oh, crap. Is that true? Like, are they really going to have no food on this plane? 
so I grabbed like as much as I could. I and, and I, I especially wanted to grab drinks because I was afraid there'd be no drinks on the plane, and that uh, I, I better have enough because these planes are very dry. The air on airplanes is very dry, and this this is because they they heat the air. I don't know if you guys realize this, but when you're up at thirty five thousand feet, the outside temperature is like a, like minus one hundred seventy three. So, obviously, it's it's bitter, bitter cold outside, colder than you'll ever feel. But you don't notice it because they heat the inside of the plane. The problem is that that makes the air very dry. And you may notice this if you've uh, <clears throat> if you live in a place where it's cold and you heat your house, you might notice that the air gets very dry. So airplanes, they're dry. The the air on airplanes is very dry. And you get more thirsty on airplanes than you do normally. So so I grabbed as many drinks as I could. And, uh, you know, some waters, a few Cokes. They were all warm. I got on the plane, and my first question to them was, do you guys have any ice here? Because I thought, okay, if they have ice, at least I can just, you know, pull out these drinks and pour them over ice, and it'll be fine. And so the first stewardess says no, and then the steward, the male steward next to her says, well, yes. And she goes, what? No, we don't. He says, yeah, no, we have a very limited amount. I'm like, well, that's, she says, I don't think we do. I'm like, oh, crap. So I get on, and, I, and, I, and then I asked them, I said, do you really have no food here? And they said, uh, no, we have no food. So they told me they had no food, maybe some ice, and if so, very limited amount, and, and no drinks. So I go, this is going to be a lovely flight. So it, it turned out to not be as bad as they had portrayed. And I, I don't know how they didn't know this, because you know I was just getting on the plane, and you'd think they would know what they have. But it turned out that they they did have a little bit of ice. They did have a few drinks to give away, but a very, very poor selection. And and even things like water they didn't have. And like they had some like a few juice boxes and, and I forgot what else, but very little. And as far as food, they they had a, a very few sandwiches to sell that they made themselves. The airline actually made its own sandwiches in the absence of having a caterer. But they, they didn't have the ability to make like a mass number. So they made very, very few of these sandwiches, and that was all they had to sell. And that's why they gave you these, these you know, grab-your-own uh, chips, pretzels, and cookies. So it was a really weird experience. I, I felt like I was flying on like a ghetto airline. This is American Airlines, by the way. So I guess what had happened was Listeria was found on the facilities of the, of the caterer they were using. And they broke their contract for that reason. Uh, it, no food was contaminated that was served on the airlines, but they just didn't like the whole listeria found in the grounds of the uh, caterer, so they terminated the contract, and then they had no caterer. So that that's why it meant they, they had nothing that they usually have, including drinks. So it was really weird. Really weird having to like pull out all my own stuff that I got from them <laughs> with like that I had hoarded from them and then pull it out. Okay. You know, I want 
want to eat pretzels now? Okay, pull out my own pretzels that I got from them. Okay, you know, hey, you want a drink? Yeah, okay, well, they give me a cup of ice. I pour my own Coke over it. It was really weird. I felt like I was on a budget airline. But even weirder was I, I, I had a haunted seat. And I don't believe in ghosts. I, I even challenged people before that if you can show me tangible evidence of an actual ghost in your home or anything anything you have access to, I'll give you $10,000. And I don't just mean something that you think is a little bit mysterious, like a, a door that creaks open by itself. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean like a, a real ghost I can communicate with that is clearly a ghost. Because I, I offered that to someone once who was insisting that their apartment was haunted. And this was someone who didn't have much money. And I said, look, I'll solve your money problems for you. If you can bring me down there and have this ghost communicate with me, I will give you $10,000. They they said they would, but but conveniently this never happened. But anyway, my seat really was haunted, though, because I'm sitting here, and then I hear, and not the usual sound that is when they turn on and off the seatbelt sign, but the similar sound of like calling the steward or the stewardess. It's actually more of like boom boom. So I hear that and I think that sounds like that sounds like I'm calling the steward, but I but I, I didn't do that. And I look up and sure enough the little lights on like I pressed the call button. So I'm thinking, what the hell? So before I could even like think of what to do about it, they come over, yes, you know, may I help you? I go, Actually I, I didn't press that. They go, oh, no problem. They walk away. Then, at some point, not too long from them, the light goes on. Yeah, you know, the little light that uh, you can turn on over your head if you want to read or whatever, that, that goes on over my seat. So I turn it off. <laughs> A little bit later, it comes back on. I turn it back off. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? Well, then the call button presses itself again and lights up. And the same guy comes over, the same steward comes over. And I explained to him that you know this is happening by itself. That I'm not doing this to bother him or screw around. That this is just going on its own. He didn't believe me. And he pointed to Benjamin and said, oh, he must be doing it. And I said, how could he be doing it? This is over my head. And they're, they're fairly high up. This was a plane that was kind of high up the ceiling there. So I said, he couldn't reach this. He'd have to like jump to do it. There, there's no way he could do this undetected. I don't even think, forget undetected, I don't think he could physically do it. It's just too high up and too far from him. So the guy said, well, I've never seen this happen before. I said, well, I'm telling you, I didn't press it. He said, well, maybe you did it, you bumped it accidentally. I said, how could I bump this accidentally? I'd have to stretch my arm way up there and press it very specifically. I said, my arm has not been up there for hours. Or not for hours. I said, it's been up there before to turn it off, but like I, I, I have not, I, there's no way I could bump this in any way. So he kind of walked away and, and grumbled like, like he didn't believe me. So then he walks away. The light goes on again. I go, oh, my God. How many times have I had to deal with this? So I, I'm, And then I turn off the light. It pops right back on. And I'm, I'm just – I've never seen this in my life. Not just over my seat, but, like, it was only happening to me. But I've never seen anyone grappling with this problem. I've never seen it where the light and the call steward button just goes on. And they were both doing it just randomly. So finally, they believed me when it happened, 
and he came over and, and not only did the person behind me say, yeah, I saw it happen by itself, but then the light came on by itself as the guy was standing there. So, so he realized that it's messed up. And then he, he conceded, well, yeah, I've seen kind of strange things on these planes before. But he said he's never seen this, but yeah, he's seen a quote a lot of strange things happen. So that was a pain in the ass. And it was so it was just so random when it would, it would happen. So after I got home, and that was on the flight there. So after I got home, um, well, a few things. First of all, shortly after that flight, I got an email from American Airlines that we each got a hundred dollars voucher, which can be used for up to a year from the date we flew, uh, for the food problem. So that was nice. And as far as the thing with the buttons. I decided I would submit a customer service complaint via the website on American Airlines. Because if you do that, sometimes they'll give you something if there was a problem on the flight. This was definitely a problem. It wasn't a horrendous problem. You know, I was, I was able to live with it. But it, it was a pain in the ass. You know, why, why should I have to deal with a light coming on, shining my face, and getting the this, this steward called over and over, and having him not believe me and scold me for you know, pressing it and, you know, when it wasn't me? And, you know, it's, it's something that just shouldn't be happening. And he said he was going to be reporting it to maintenance, so I knew they'd probably have a record of it. So I submitted it for all three of us. But I had to submit it separately, one one for me and Benjamin together, because we were on one reservation, and one for Benjamin's mom, who was on a different reservation. Because she, I separated them because it was it was more cost-effective to do so. I won't get into why, but but it was a better way to book. So... There were two different reservations, technically, even though we were all sitting together, so I had to submit two different uh, complaints. The funny thing was that I get a, I get an email from them that uh, she's getting you – know, she got the email saying that she gets 3,000 miles for this, which is translates to about roughly you know, $45 or so, $40, $45 as far as what it's worth. I get an email from a different person that – Benjamin and I are each getting 2,500 miles. So, so somehow her inconvenience was uh, was worth more than ours. And I think it just has to do with who we happen to reach. And I guess they all have their... Uh, they're all authorized to give some range of miles when things like this happen. And uh, one person was more generous than the other. Anyway. Um... So yeah, we we enjoyed it, and uh, you know, not that much else of of real interest happened. Meaning interest like a weird story, an entertainment story, entertaining story. Uh, I actually, I as I mentioned earlier in the show, I, I actually drove in Cozumel, which is, believe it or not, my first time ever driving myself in Mexico. I've been to Mexico a number of times, but I've never been the one driving. This is my first time ever driving in Mexico. Except this was very easy. It was an island. It was a you know, one main road I was driving on, so that wasn't a big deal. The hardest place I've ever driven was St. Kitts. That was last year. I drove in St. Kitts, and that that was a little bit challenging. I did it, and I got really used to it by the end. But that was kind of challenging because they they drive differently there. It's it, the, the the streets are really narrow. You're supposed to go around everything, and uh, uh, it's it just it's just different. You have to get used to it. It can be kind of intimidating at first. You can feel like people are going to hit you constantly, but you can get used to it. So the, the driving in Cozumel, Mexico was much, much easier than the St. Kitts driving. 
So when I go on a cruise, I'm not the type of customer they like to have. And it's not that I create any trouble or disruption. I mean, I'll speak up if there's a problem, but I, I'm, I'm not like a really disruptive customer. I just, uh, I don't spend much money. I, I know how to cruise cheaply. I know how to avoid their big uh, profit centers. So, like, I arrange my own excursions off the ship at the ports. I, I don't, uh, I don't buy anything on board. The only thing I really spend money on on board is uh, uh, the specialty restaurant, so you can eat some better food. But that's actually a pretty good value. And other than a blackjack tournament I play for fun, that uh, I don't spend any money in their casino because the odds tend to be terrible. And the, the rake in their poker games is 10% up to $25, which is horrendous. I mean, can you imagine that? It's a 2-5 game. Can you imagine playing 2-5 no limit and the rake is 10% up to $25? That is just awful. So I won't play. But I, I really... Cruises are, are... Other than the expensive parts, products on the cruise, like the suites... If you just get like a balcony stateroom or less, well, we get balcony staterooms, so those don't cost that much money. So it's really kind of a loss leader for them. The way they make their money is on the other stuff they sell. But I, I'm very good at staying away from that stuff and yet not going without. So we like I don't make our I don't make us miserable with what I don't buy, but I, I just do a lot more more for myself and stick to the value stuff than other people who just kind of spend. And e- even in how you book the cruise, you, you can get it the same thing for much, much cheaper, depending on the, the timing you do it. So. It's just, it's just, if you're going to cruise, it's important to understand the whole industry. It's important to understand how to get value out of these things. Uh, otherwise, to some degree, you're, you're killing the whole point of doing it. The best thing about cruising is that you get to go to a number of places in a short time, some of which can be kind of difficult to get to, or in a few cases, impossible to get to without, without a cruise ship. So that's the biggest advantage. And you don't have to pack and unpack. You just get on there, and then you've got that room for the whole week. And you can go to all these different places without having to travel yourself. That's, that's the best part of it. But if you waste a whole lot of money on the cruise that you could have spent on just traveling normally to these places, then you're defeating a lot of the purpose. But I, I've gotten really good at value cruising. It helps that I get a much cheaper fare through being a Caesar 7 star, but I get two rooms there, and I only get one room through the Caesars thing, so. The other room I have to manage myself, but I, I still get it very cheap. And much like the casinos, they're actually trying to push out the value cruisers. Like, they're not banning people, but they're, they're trying to make life unpleasant for them so they don't come back. Anyway. Um... A lot of people go on cruises and they come back hating it because they they do it wrong. 
they either spend too much money and then feel like they got terrible value for what they did or uh, or they just make stupid mistakes. Like like the biggest mistake I see people making with cruises is cramming a lot of people into one room. Like a family of four will cram into an inside cabin or a balcony cabin. And that sucks. It's It's too small for four people. You can't do that. I mean, you can, but it's a mistake. But I see people doing that. I see people taking this the ship's tours instead of arranging their own tours at the ports of call. And the, the tours kind of suck, and they're really expensive, and people come back frustrated. But if you, even if you just do your research and book your own stuff, you, you get a much better experience for the same money or cheaper. So you, you just have to understand what cruises can do for me, for you and what they can't do for you or what they shouldn't do for you and then fill in the blanks yourself and you have a much better experience a lot of times when people tell me what they didn't like about their cruise then I say well if you had done it this way then this wouldn't have happened or yes the, you know this would have happened to me too if I didn't do such and such so if, if you're curious about these things uh, you, you can text me by the way you can text me at any time at 775 775- Three seven two eight three five five. I think I forgot to give that number out. Uh, it's the same as our main phone number, but I think I forgot to mention you can text me. The most of you know that because if you listen every week, I always say it. Here's some texts we got this week. Uh, from uh, the seven six five, Charles Manson will be dunked by the end of this week, reportedly was rushed from prison to a hospital barely clinging to life. Yeah, that's, that's really sad. <laughs> Charles Manson should have gotten the death penalty. I think he might have, and it may have been commuted. I, I, I know some of his followers definitely got the death penalty, and then they had it changed to life in prison when the U.S. temporarily banned the death penalty in 1976. There's a Manson follower I like to talk about sometimes and why I just... This is why I I could never be a Democrat. This is why I just can't identify with the American political left for the most part. And that's... And I'm not one of these people like who hates people on the opposite political side. I, I have friends who are on the political left and <clears throat> you know we just don't discuss politics for the most part but as far as like what party I would be involved with and who I would vote for it's it's things like this that make me think I like I just can't understand them like I I just can't vote for people who think this way and that's not to say republicans are perfect or they don't make mistakes or they don't uh do their own stupid things but like okay, so here's an example. There is a woman, or there was a woman, named uh, Susan Atkins, and she was a a Manson girl. And she committed a really, really horrendous crime. Like, just she uh, she was in, in. I think it was in 1968. She uh, broke into. A mansion at the uh, with some of the other Manson family members, yeah, along meaning along with them, she did this. 
and she stabbed actress Sharon Tate to death. Sharon Tate was eight months pregnant at the time. And uh, Susan Atkins stabbed her repeatedly in the stomach while Sharon while uh, begged for her life. She begged for her life. She begged for her unborn baby's life. Susan didn't care and stabbed her repeatedly in the stomach. The murders were described as brutal. And then, to make matters worse, Susan Atkins took Sharon Tate's blood. She didn't know Sharon Tate, by the way. This, this was a stranger to her. This wasn't someone who did anything to her. In fact, I think they even broke into the wrong house. I think the, the house they were, uh, they, they were attempting to break into, they thought it was somebody else's. So she took Sharon Tate's blood and wrote pig on the front door. Isn't that nice? Doesn't that sound like a, a lovely woman, this uh, Susan Atkins? So she was sentenced to death. But before she could be put to death, in California it's very slow. In 1976, they passed a federal law in the United States banning the death penalty. That was eventually you know, repealed, but this was done in 1976. And uh, anyone who currently was on death row had their sentence changed to life in prison. And even when the death penalty was restored, they did not restore any sentence that had been changed to life in prison from that 1976 law change. So Susan Atkins effectively had life in prison at that point. So you know, many years passed and she was in prison. And you know, as she got older, as many prisoners do, um... Yeah, she she seemed to have changed, and uh, yeah, she expressed regret for what she did. She, uh, yeah, I think she she turned into a Christian. She was uh, uh, a, a good prisoner there, so she she wasn't a problem in prison, and she probably wasn't a danger anymore. But the bottom line is, she committed a very very brutal murder for no reason. She, she stabbed a pregnant woman repeatedly in the stomach and then took her blood and wrote pig on the wall. I don't care how wonderful you live your life after that. I don't care what kind of person you become after that. Once you've done that, as far as I'm concerned, you don't deserve to live anymore. You should be put to death if you do that. But putting that aside, because that was no longer an option, she was uh, now in prison for life, and that was her sentence, and there's nothing we could do. Um, she developed brain cancer. In, uh, I think it was 2000-something, 2000, uh, 2000 2008. I know she died in 2009. But she developed brain cancer. And I guess it was, it was in, uh, I guess it was in 2005 that she, uh, she had uh, brain cancer. So... She had been repeatedly trying over the years to get paroled. But in her 17th parole hearing in 2005, she said that she was given six months left, left to live. And she requested a compassionate release from prison. Compassionate release means that 
you release someone uh, in order to be, because they're so sick and so frail that uh, they're obviously not a danger to society, and, and you can allow them to live their final months with their loved ones and and not you know spend their final months you know super sick in a prison cell. But my response to that is too bad. Sharon Tate didn't get a compassionate release, nor did her unborn child, who was you know eight months, uh, you know one month from being born. They they were killed back in 1968 for no reason by Susan Atkins, who was so callous about it. She actually took her blood and wrote the word "pig" on the door. So th- this woman doesn't deserve compassion in anything. Anyway, uh, a lot of people on the political left supported this. They they thought that she should be uh, compassionately released. They said, hey, look, she's been a model prisoner. She is of no danger to the community. She couldn't murder anyone if she tried because she's uh, she's so sick. So what's the problem here? Let, let her live her few, last few months uh, outside of the prison with, 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 uh, with her family members. It uh, this was denied, by the way, and supposedly the six months to live, uh, she she lived for four years. <laughs> but that aside, I I can't see how anyone could support that. How could you take a person like that? And forget how you feel about the death penalty. Forget how you feel about that, but. Someone who's in prison for life for doing something like that. How could you possibly support their release? For any reason. I don't care how good of a prisoner they've been. How could you possibly believe that that person deserves freedom? Even if you're totally against the death penalty. How can you think that that person deserves freedom? Even if you know they won't hurt anybody else. How can you say they deserve freedom? So, I'm not saying everybody on the left uh, felt that way. There, there were those, uh, you know, there were Democrats out there who opposed her release. But by far, you know, you you ask Republicans, and just about every one of them would tell you, no, there's no way. And a lot on the left would say yes, not all, but a lot. And and that's that's I just can't understand it. I can't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I once heard a really stupid, not once, I've heard it a number of times, I've heard a really stupid argument regarding our criminal justice system that it's it's for reform. It's not supposed to be punitive. It's not to punish people, it's to reform them. And that once someone's reformed, they should be released. And I'm thinking, what kind of crap is that? And I'll give you an example of how stupid this this would be. Let's say someone went out and killed 100 people in cold blood just just because they wanted to. Killed 100 people, okay? Let's say the next day that person was incredibly remorseful and said, I'll never do this again. I don't know what came over me. I never will do this again. 
let's say you had the ability to look into the future. And you could see that, indeed, if this person was released from prison immediately, that they would go through the rest of their life not only committing no murders, but committing no crime or hurting anyone whatsoever. That they would be uh, a model citizen for the rest of their lives if you released them from prison today, one day after these hundred murders. So in that case, yes, they really would be reformed. If you could see into the future... Yes, they would be reformed if they if you could see that if you released them immediately that they would never do this again or never commit any crime again. So if you're someone to believe that uh, the prison system is only for reform, wouldn't you say in that case they should be released after one day for after murdering 100 people? And you may say, oh, we can't see the future. Well, no, no, say you could. If you believe the prison system is for re- reform, then in this case that you could see into the future, then someone who murdered 100 people should be released after one day if that's the entire purpose of the prison system is reform. I think reform should be secondary in the prison system. I I think punishment should be first. Uh, Also equivalent to punishment should be uh, keeping society safe, you know, keeping dangerous people behind bars to where they can't commit further crimes. Of course, that's also important. But secondarily, reform. Because some people can't be reformed. Some people will, will no matter what you do, will, will just keep coming out and committing more crimes. So for, uh, sex offenders, for example, are a good example. But even non-sexual crimes, there are some people that will be career criminals no matter what you do. There are others who can be reformed. So I, I think it's great if, if someone can reform and the crime they committed is not so horrendous to where it's reasonable to let them out after they've uh, uh, served sufficient time for what they did. But if if the crime is bad enough, they, they should never be released, period. And in some cases, I feel they should be put to death. But I couldn't believe that people were supporting uh, Atkins' release. This is what one of the prosecutors said who uh, didn't uh, prosecute Atkins but prosecuted some of the other Manson supporters. Uh, Stephen Kay, he said, uh, Atkins married twice while in prison. For a long time, she got conjugal visits, and Sharon Tate and others were dead and buried a long time ago. So I think it's a matter of principle that she should not be granted clemency. Exactly. By the way, I knew his son, Stephen Kay. And uh, very tragic what happened to his son. His son was a nice guy. I knew him pretty well. And he had a family. He had two kids. He was married. And at the age of 31, just dropped out of a heart attack. Wasn't from drugs. Wasn't from any kind of uh, abuse of any kind. He just had some kind of congenital heart effect, heart defect that was not known, and he just died at 31. I was kind of shocked when I heard about that. 
and he was someone who never appeared sickly. In fact, he was very athletic. He was someone you would never appear. You wouldn't picture him as someone just going to die one day at 31 for no reason. But uh, that's what happened. Let me read some other texts here. See, that, that, that one text got me into that whole rant about uh, the Manson followers and all that. The 505, how did you not ask Action Ashley, kill, marry, or fuck? Wow. Yeah, we, we dropped the ball on that one. From the 573, James Woods was looking at an earlier tweet. Someone said the same thing to Daniel about Evelyn. I see. That that solves the mystery how James Woods knew about Evelyn Ng that uh, someone had had <laughs> some troll on Twitter had had mocked Daniel for having uh, Evelyn as his young prodigy and then James Woods stupidly picked up on it without uh, bothering to Google how old she was. You can Google it and see her her birth date right there of September nineteen seventy five. So it wasn't that hard for James Woods to see that. Evelyn Eng was 42 and then he could Google Daniel and say that he was 43 and then at that point you don't say something stupid like that someone 43 uh, was molesting someone who was 42 many years ago. (laughs) All right. Poker stars is owned by a company called the Stars Group. It used to be called Amaya, but they changed their name. And they have reported their revenue for the last quarter. And there's something interesting that came out of that. Uh, this actually has to do with the past 12 months, not just the past quarter. But uh, over the past 12 months... Uh, they were... Uh, Actually, I guess looking at the quarterly revenue over the past 12 months. So it is quarters. But that their revenue was actually up overall. That they... They... uh, Both in poker and non-poker forms of revenue that they did better this year than last year. That's the good news. Uh, But maybe for poker players, this is bad news because the growth of the sports betting and casino games the growth of that revenue is a lot faster than poker which did grow but uh, not as quickly so in 2016 poker accounted for 72% of the revenue of the stars group in 2017 at least the, the, the quarter they were looking at quarter 3 the revenue was only 67% for poker and 33% for non-poker. Non-poker being sports and casino. So now one-third of the revenue to the Stars Group does not come from poker. And you think about poker stars, you go, oh, that's poker. You know, that's poker. And yeah, they have some side stuff, but yeah, it's poker. But no, now it's only two-thirds poker. So these little side games that you think uh, are just an extra little income stream, that's now become a third of their business. And every year that seems to be growing. 
So even when poker grows, the sports betting of the casino games segment grows faster. And what that means for the poker players is that uh, eventually they're going to worry about the poker product less and focus more on what uh, might eventually become the dominant revenue revenue source, which would be uh, could end up being sports and casino games. Stars has already pushed away from the philosophy that Isai Scheinberg brought to the company was that uh, Isai basically brought a culture to where they they had respect for poker itself. Uh, they had respect for grinders. They uh, they didn't want to pollute the product with with non poker offerings. All that stuff's out the window. The new owners, all they care about is money. They don't like professional poker players. They they want to put all the emphasis on recreational players, and they want to kind of softly drive out the poker pros. And they're they're looking for other revenue sources to take over from poker, which I think they don't have that bullish of a view of. So, not only are they more rec-friendly over there than they used to be, and grinder-hostile, but... More and more, they're getting away from poker in general. Not that I think they're ever going to shut down poker, but the less it becomes their dominant product, the less they're going to care about it. And when a product starts to uh, fall out of favor with a company, then resources get taken away from it and they care less and less about its reputation. I'll give you an example. DSL was popular for a while in the, in the 90s and the 2000s as a means of accessing the internet. A lot of people had DSL. It was basically back then it was either DSL or cable for high-speed internet access in your home. So, for a while, DSL was a a pretty big product and pretty big revenue stream for phone companies. And they were competing with a cable company as far as providing high-speed internet access. However, DSL was kind of slow, and it started to fall out of favor. And while the, the cable companies were able to increase their speed and keep up with the demands of the uh, Internet, which were now... Uh, you, you were now transmitting a lot more data just in, in standard browsing on the Internet with all the, uh, the the new content and the videos and everything like that. You, 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 needed to, you needed a lot faster connection to browse the Internet normally than you used to. So... DSL really wasn't getting the job done anymore. It was still functional, but it was kind of slow. Where were cable, they, they were able to 
easily uh, increase their throughput. What the phone company started focusing upon was fiber optics, also known as Fios. And that could compete at the higher speeds. That, that could deliver the higher speed content. But that, that wasn't available everywhere. They, they had to do the, the physical work to lay that down. So in areas that didn't have that yet, especially areas with older properties, and typically areas that had newer properties, they, they would uh, make it Fios ready, but uh, older properties didn't because they would have to specifically change it over there. So some areas still only had DSL. Now, yes, you could use, uh, you could just get the cable company and, and use uh, cable instead and not subscribe to DSL. But, you know, some people still use DSL or still, still subscribe to DSL. As you might imagine, since DSL was a product with no future and something that they were phasing out and something that was not going to be something they would market anymore, they very much degraded the product, and I watched it happen. The support got worse. The willingness to send a tech over to your house to fix problems became much less, or in some cases they would charge you for it. Um, the willingness to solve problems with it went down. Basically, they didn't care that much anymore if you were willing to keep DSL. So if you were unhappy with it and wanted to cancel, they're like, okay, fine, goodbye. <laughs> we don't care about it anymore. It's, it's such a small part of our business at this point. So at the same time, these companies that were offering Fios, they put a lot more effort and stood by it much more. Same companies, just different products. So when a company starts to, or when a product starts to fall out of favor with a company, and they don't want to retire it, they don't want to retire it completely, but they they want to offer it but not support it very much, then it will degrade, and the service involving that product will degrade, and that might eventually be the future of Poker Stars. If PokerStars gets to the point to where they are much more a casino company than a poker company, and when I say casino, I mean online casino, but if they if they decide that's much more in their interest to pay attention to and poker's just a side thing, then they're going to treat it like a side thing. So, that's not really good news for poker players that Poker Stars is now only two thirds of the revenue for the Stars Group. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. If you want to call in, I realize it's kind of late. We've already lost our two co-hosts. Right now, as I speak, it is one thirty four a.m. Pacific time. In the chat room, I will 
read a few comments. From JSTAT, if a cruise ship loses electricity, go to the casino to charge your phone, etc. The casino is considered vital when the ship loses power. Emergency power exists there. Interesting. Hmm. John Commode says, the only possible argument you can make this is regarding that release, the compassion release, is that by holding out the possibility of this kind of release, you encourage good behavior and create a safer work environment for staff who are essentially prisoners eight hours a day. Well, they're not really prisoners. The staff is choosing to work there. I know what you're trying to say. but uh, And I understand what you're saying there, but still, uh, you can't release these people. You can still give an incentive. You can give them privileges or other things that make prison life more pleasant if they behave well. I think that part's fine, as long as you don't take it to an extreme, as long as you don't make life too pleasant. But I, I can see having a tiered system of how pleasant or unpleasant you make prison life for the prisoners there, depending upon how they behave. But uh, you, you can't dangle release for certain prisoners who just uh, don't deserve it. I know someone personally whose grandparents were brutally murdered by this just awful guy who once worked for them and was bitter. Just came back and brutally murdered these two old people. And uh, and California has been trying to parole him. In fact, he was about to be paroled and Governor Jerry Brown overruled it. But But he's still trying. And the, the the children of these old people who were murdered back in the late seventies they they have to keep going to these parole hearings and fight it. It's it's uh, they have to keep reliving the nightmare over and over. And I, I know these people personally. And again, I couldn't believe that they they want to release this guy. And he, he's not sick. He's 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 like sixty years old and able bodied. But you can't do something like that. He beat two old people to death with a lead pipe. Can you believe it? Because he was mad they fired him. And California wants to parole him. <laughs> that, that's that's why I, I can't vote for Democrats. It's, I, I can't. Too much of a percentage of that party supports things like this. Not everybody, but there's there's too many who do. I just don't get it. There's some things, there's some political views that I can disagree with but understand. This I just don't understand. It's it's that crazy to me. I can't even understand it. I can't, I can't understand how some people would support that. Like this guy who, who beat the two old women, the, the, the old woman and old man to, to death with a lead pipe. Because they fired him, and now at age 60, to, to just release him on parole so he can live the rest of his life out? Like, how can you explain that? Let's see what else we have here. I think we're almost done. Our last topic is something that's not going to apply to most of you. 
So if you want to turn off the show now, you can, but keep in mind, you never know what I'm going to say or who will call in, so I wouldn't advise it. But if you want to fast-forward past this segment, I don't blame you, if you're not a Caesar 7-star right now. But I, I think this is something worth passing on to those who are, and I know I do have some listeners who are Caesar 7-stars. The 7-stars program at Caesars has what they call the annual retreat. And what that really means is that you get a trip to an out-of-market property. Out-of-market meaning you know, they, they assign you what they call the dominant property, whatever they consider your home casino. And it has to be something out of that market. So for me, my home casino is the Rio. I didn't choose it, but that's what they consider my home casino. So for me to take the annual retreat, I have to take it to somewhere other than the Vegas market. Interestingly, I think I could actually do it to Harris Rincon, even though I'm, I'm closer to it than I am to Vegas. But I, I think I could, not that I would. But anywhere but Vegas. The way you take this retreat is they will pay up to $1,200 for your flight. And it can either be your flight yourself or your flight and another person. But but whatever it is, the total can't exceed $1,200. But when I say they will pay it, they will actually book it for you. So it's not like a reimbursement thing. They, they are starting to experiment with letting some people on certain properties you know fly and get reimbursed, but... The bottom line is what they're trying to do here is to where the travel is a zero-sum game for you, where you're not making money on the travel, but you're also not paying money to travel there, provided it stays under 1200 And once you're there, you get a $500 folio credit, usually that's good for food, beverage, and the gift shop. That's, that's usually the way it goes. And I think the spa, too, in some places. And you also get four free nights there, but you do anyway as a seven-star. So that, that's what you get. Now, I I usually use these trips. I've used them just about every year I've been a seven-star, though, though in 2016 I didn't. 2016, I, you can also turn it in for just five $500 worth of reward credits, which is what I did in 2016. I just didn't have the occasion to use it. But what I usually do, including this year, is I turn it into some sort of family vacation because uh, the only requirement is that you fly into an airport near the property you're visiting but they don't care where you fly out from so they don't care if you fly to the place stay there and then drive a thousand miles and and fly back from that other place all they care about is that you fly there So usually what I do is establish some sort of like one-way road trip starting from wherever the casino is and we stay there you know, for a minimal amount of time and then move on. So it's kind of like a subsidized road trip because they're paying for the air here. Last year what I did was uh, I did a uh, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania trip. Not last year, this year, in April, I did that. And I stayed at Caesars Atlantic City. So the reason I'm bringing this all up is that uh, 
up until now, there is no way to take that $1,200 that's allotted to you for the travel and then just cash it in. That that just was never made an option. So even if you could travel to where you want to go, like let, let me take the, the like Lake Tahoe, for example. Lake Tahoe is about, I think like 460 miles from where I am. Something like that. Something between 450 and 500 from here. So I can drive there, obviously. And it's not going to cost me that much. Probably in gas, it's going to cost me, uh, well, like, maybe 70 bucks each way. And then, of course, there is some expense in running up uh, miles on my car. But, you know, it's not that expensive. I, I could easily drive to and from Lake Tahoe without incurring anywhere near $1,200 in expense. But if I were to do that, I could not just get $1,200. If I were to take my retreat there and say, hey, I'm going to drive, they say, okay, great. Well, have fun driving. We're not paying for any of it. <laughs> so if I were to take a flight to Lake Tahoe, which you know, doesn't cost that much money, yeah, they'd pay for that, but th- that would be it. So that's why I don't ever take my retreat to places like Lake Tahoe because I, I can fly there so cheap anyway, or I could drive there cheap anyway. Like I, I, I take the trip to somewhere that actually would be expensive to fly to usually someplace that's across the country. So, back to this. They have decided that for the months of November and December 2017, if you have not taken your retreat yet, I already have, so it doesn't apply to me, but if you have not taken your retreat yet, then you can take it to Vegas, and they will just give you $1,200 worth of reward credits in lieu of that travel credit. So basically, you pay your own way to get there. You can drive, you can fly, you can walk, you can bike there. They they don't care. Get yourself over there at your own expense. But they'll give you $1,200 when you arrive in rewards credits. Plus, you'll still get that $500 folio credit, as you always get. So that is something that uh, is available right now if you have not taken your annual trip yet. And uh, what someone else revealed was that they were actually also Never mind. I, I, I misread that. Oh no, no, I did misread it. That that if you if you have an offer in Vegas, that you would get that too. So let's let's say you had an offer for uh, two hundred dollars in free play, if you go to Vegas at some point in, in November or December, you could travel there on that offer. Plus, say, hey, I want this to be my annual retreat. And then they'll give you the $1,200 in rewards credits plus that $500 folio. So that, that's pretty good. So there, there's a guy on my uh, Vegas Casino Talk forum. VegasCasinoTalk.com is my other forum. 
who said that he's going to be doing this. He, he's from the Bay Area. He said he can fly there for $215, a round trip to, to Vegas. And that he could get a, a $200 offer that he already has, plus that $500 in uh, folio credit, plus the $1,200 in reward credits. Now, what if Vegas is your home market? Then what do you do? Well, supposedly, and I haven't tried this myself, but supposedly if you call a host there that they can make an exception and let you do it in this case. This person wrote, I have Vegas as my dominant property, but my Vegas host said he booked this that he booked this for me to use next week. And I can couple it with a $500 free play offer. Wow. So this guy is getting the 1200 in reward credits, the 500 folio credits, a $500 free play offer he has unrelated to that. Just for taking a cheap flight into Vegas that weekend. Pretty good. So if you have not used your annual retreat, I suggest you call Vegas and book one of these trips in November or December, even if it's just for a weekend. Definitely worth it. I can't do it, but definitely worth it. And I'm wondering if this perhaps could be something new they're going to be doing for the future rather than just these two months. Now, some people are theorizing that they are doing this to get people to Vegas because maybe tourism has gone way down since that shooting that occurred on October 1st. And that's possible. They didn't say why they're doing this. They're just doing it. But there's always a reason they do things. By the way, reward credits, you'd be getting 1,200 in reward credits. Reward credits last for six months before expiring. So you've got to be careful not to let them expire. Now, if you're seven stars, you can turn them in for free play at the rate of, uh, you get a uh, dollar in free play for every dollar and twenty-five of reward credits you spend. So you can convert that 1,200 Rewards credits to 960 in free play. But if you just want to keep the rewards credits and hoard them, you can. You just got to make sure to earn at least one every six months. And one way to do this is just uh, getting the total rewards credit card, which is free, no annual fee. And then just uh, charge a dollar on it or something. And that'll give you one reward credit, and that's enough to reset the six months. In fact, I haven't earned any rewards credits in a while since the World Series of Poker, so my rewards credits are going to expire pretty soon, and I'm about to do that. Like I, I think sometime this week I'm going to go to spend a dollar on my on that credit card and reset the clock. Though I, I think I'll probably be earning some in, in late December. Anyway, that is all I've got for tonight. Glad that uh, you have not forgotten we exist in the two weeks it's been 
since we've been on. Our last show was November 1st. The good news is we will have a show next week on November 22nd. Even though it's the day before Thanksgiving, we will still have the show. We will have a show on November 29th. We will have a show on December 6th. We will have a show on December 13th. We will have a show on December 20th. We will have a show on December 27th. So I believe all the way through the rest of 2017, we should have a show on every single Wednesday. Possible we may have to change something if something comes up, but there should not be another missed show through the remainder of 2017, even though the holiday season is coming up. So I, I, I already took my vacation. That was last week. Last week's vacation was actually supposed to be a Thanksgiving vacation. But I, I chose not to do it over Thanksgiving. Because the airfare was going to be really expensive. I couldn't believe how expensive it was to fly not only during the traditional Thanksgiving period of Wednesday before Thanksgiving and Sunday after Thanksgiving. You know, that period you expect to be expensive, but like even six days before Thanksgiving was very expensive. Even four or five days after Thanksgiving was very expensive. The, the entire period that could possibly be a Thanksgiving trip they mark way up at all the airlines. They've gotten wise to it. Because they realize kids are out of school for like a week usually. And people like to make like week-long trips. So they just, they, they sock it to everybody. They know people are going to still go. They know people are going to say, look, I, I know it's a lot of money, but I've, I've got to go back and visit family for Thanksgiving. So they pay it. So I said, screw that. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not paying $800 a person for a coach flight to Miami. I'm not doing it. I'm not. Sorry. So I, I changed the date of the cruise to two weeks earlier. And I got a much, much better deal on the flight. Maybe I had a call button turning itself on over and over. But I got a much better deal. So, yeah, we'll be on next week. We'll be on... Pretty much every week the rest of the year. Yeah, you have something to listen to, even if uh, the holidays are here and you're at some kind of boring holiday gathering or party and you go, if only I had Poker Fraud Alert Radio to just turn on and listen to, tune everybody else out. Now you can do that. So... Thank you to Ashley Hine, a.k.a. Action Ashley, for coming on our show tonight and telling us all about uh, Jow Poker and how it did not make her the riches she expected. And thank you, of course, to all the listeners live and in the archives, the texters, the people in the chat room, those that have donated to the free roll, our sponsor, Eric Benzamokin. Thank you to all those people. And 
I do the show every week. Almost every week. Once in a while, I miss a week. But I think I'm here pretty regularly for a show that doesn't make any money. And one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to actually go out and, and search for sponsors. Because Eric came to me. Eric Benzamokin came to me. He said he found the show. He liked it. He wanted to advertise. And he even renewed. So... He actually came to me. All of our sponsors came to me. I never went to any sponsors. They always came to me. I should really try coming to them because I hear these fail shows, these these poker fail shows, which I know have like no listenership and no following, and and they suck. I'm not saying they all suck. Like there's plenty of good poker shows out there too, but but some of these that suck, I'm not going to name them, and they have sponsors. And I say, if they can have sponsors, we can have sponsors. But I, I realize it's probably a bit more difficult to get one for this show, because this show, we, we don't care who we offend. We have uh, edgier and more controversial content, and I don't want to ever change that. Anyway, that's all for tonight. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've missed me for the past week... I have returned, and I won't leave you again for the rest of the year. I promise you that. Good night, and shalom.